participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... No, Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, June 21, 2023. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. I'm sorry we missed you on Monday. I did enjoy all the nice messages that I got. People saying that their life felt empty. People saying that their life felt meaningless. It felt shallow, it felt hollow, all those things. And it really does make me feel very good to be missed. I know that we have become somewhat of a Monday fixture for all of you. And so I always kind of feel a little bit uh, sad when I leave you high and dry, so to speak. And so we shall try our best to make up for it on this Wednesday edition of the program. Hope you all had a, uh, a nice Monday and perhaps sampled some other shows out there and Hopefully didn't like them too much, and now you're still back with us here on this 
Wednesday. There's certainly a lot to get to on this Wednesday, more so than usual. Why? Because we didn't have a Monday show, and I feel like there's a lot that we still need to address from the last time that we spoke. And so sit back, relax. Let us do this, my friends. We've got a lot to get to with a lot of big names and a lot of questions to answer and a lot of topics to address. As always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of not only this program, but the UFC as well. Please download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the code DMMAR if you haven't done so already. That lets them know we sent you and also gives you a nice little welcoming gift. Support them because they support us. Thank you very much to our friends over there. All right, what are we doing on today's program? Back into the show. We're going to touch on a lot of news and notes that have happened since we last spoke. A ton of things have been announced, a ton of news, a ton of items to address. Uh, whatever we don't get to in the first hour, we'll address in the uh, last hour. We'll also uh, recap the weekend that was in betting. There were a lot of events. Uh, like we said, we had UFC, we had Beltor, we had PFL. Uh, there was a little bit of boxing action as well, so we'll get to all of that and also look ahead to this weekend. The UFC is back on ABC, main card, fifth time uh, on ABC, uh, and there's uh, some other stuff that we can discuss. PFL is back. One championship is back with their heavyweight title fight, uh, some boxing as well, in particular here in New York City, so a lot to get to back into the show. Prior to that, we'll be joined by the head of Matchroom Boxing, the one and only Edward Hearn. He'll be joining us in studio. We always love our chats with Eddie in studio. And I see some of the comments. Ew! How much do you pay Eddie for stopping by every time? Listen, he wants to stop by. I'm happy to have him. And guess what? There's a lot to address. There's a lot going on in and around the world of boxing, in and around the world of Matchroom. I enjoyed the chats very much. And... Most importantly, we all remember the beatdown that I gave him in darts the last time he was in studio, which I think was was it in February. I think it was in February. Wasn't even like it wasn't even last. People are acting like it was last month that he was in the studio. It was February. It's now. I think it was before the uh, Amanda Serrano card, and that was February fourth. So I think he was in like February first. Y'all need to chill, you know? Y'all need to chill. Sheesh. You know what I found out about Sheesh? There's a song that my kids love. I'll be like, Sheesh. Something on the beach. Something on the beach. Something on the beach. I don't know about you. I don't know about me. Did you guys know that they were saying Sheesh in that song? Did anyone yeah. know this? Anyone? Really anyone who's listened to the song. I didn't know they were saying Sheesh. Sheesh. Yeah. They did that ever since I started doing it on the show. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> I don't think it lines Sheesh. up like that. Sheesh. Let me tell you something. Yesterday, I had the privilege of speaking at uh, Fordham University. Great group of uh, students there, high school students who are taking a summer course at the New York Times School of Journalism, I do believe it is. About 30 or so kids, 30, 40 kids. Spoke for an hour and a half. Had a great time. Thank you very much to uh, Professor Harvey Ayrton and Kelly Whiteside for having me. And let me tell you something, I was such a hit with the kids. Why? Not because of my story, not because of my journey, the ups and downs, because I knew the lingo. I mean, I was dropping dimes on them left and right. Like? Sheesh. Um, I've got prime. Boys. No, no prime, no prime, no prime talk. Um, what was the other one that I had? Uh, uh, it's like a movie. You know, the kids like to say, it's like, oh, it's like a movie. I said that one. Um, shoot my shot said that one I mean there was a bunch and they were like damn and then you know what I left them with you know it was my parting 
uh, shot to them. You know yourself. No, I didn't drop that. That's you know that's regional. You have to save that for when you're in uh, Ireland. I said, follow me on TikTok, and then I bounce, and they love that, and they're like, oh shoot, he's on TikTok, she. So anyway, that was a great time. Uh, the number one question I got was uh, about soccer. You know, there's a lot of questions about. I'm sort of kind of becoming like a bit of a soccer expert. So a lot of people wanted my take on like the Nations League and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, Sin MMA show, we need to stick to the uh, the, the matters at hand. Uh, prior to Eddie, we're going to be joined by Marlon Vera, one of those fights uh, that we think is happening this summer, August 19th against Henry Cejudo. Uh, August 19th turning out to be a bit of a banger. Uh, you know that Dana White loves to bring a good card to Boston. He is doing that this time once again. And Cheeto's back after the performance that, you know, a lot of people were disappointed in against Corey Sanhagen. It looks like he is back against Henry Cejudo. Tough fight to come back to. And so we'll talk to him about that on the same card, by the way, as Aljamain Sterling and Sugar Sean O'Malley. At least we think that's happening on that card. Remember what Chris Wyman said? Not a lot of people picked up on this, but you remember he was like, I don't know if it's happening. Remember that part? You know, I figured all the aggregators were going to jump all over that. I don't even think Jedi jumped all over it, but he he dropped a, a little nugget there that no one picked up on. That's on you. Um, prior to that, we'll be joined by Chris Avila, who will become uh, he, he will be coming bearing gifts. Uh, he has some news to share with all of us. So our good friend, our old friend Chris Avila of the uh, NDA squad will be stopping by to talk about some news pertaining to him that I think a lot of you will be interested in. Uh, prior to that, we're going to be joined by John Gotti III, who was involved in that brawl with one uh, Floyd Mayweather. He fought him a few weeks ago in that uh, boxing exhibition match, turned into a melee, a bit of a, a royal rumble, if you will. The uh, The whole ring was filled with all kinds of characters. And uh, since then, he's asked for a rematch. I don't believe he's done an interview since the fight. Uh, he'll be joining us to talk about that. And then how about Sergio Pettis coming back a year and a half away after the ACL injury and subsequent surgery. And he says, all y'all that wanted to see Patricio Pipple make history, you're going to have to sit over there because he ain't making history. Off my name and off my back, Sergio Pettis looked fantastic on Friday in Chicago, defeating Patricio Pipple. Good on him. He'll join us at around 145. But like I said, there's a lot to get to. There's a lot to address. So I'm expecting some heat with the questions. And uh, unlike the last couple of weeks, we are starting with the questions because we like to cook, you know? Like we like for this to be like a movie, you know what I mean? And so let's make this a movie. Time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time. It's time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Ah, uh, last night was like a movie. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived. You guys to know hear that? from the man himself, yeah. Ariel you heard Helwani. that? Someone um, deemed me at 8 this morning asking if we were now, having a show to answer today. Your questions. Uh, yeah. Get out of your seats you know what's amazing? Your feet because <clears throat> here he is, Ariel Helwani. Thank you very much to Mike Heck. I think if you look at my contract for this show, it says two-hour show. Um, so on average, we go four hours. I mean, we're way over the allotted. You know, it's, it's almost like we've spoiled the the, the public. Which I'm okay with, but you know, 
days like are Pavlov's dog. Yeah, days Every off are days Wednesday. off. You know, this this is what happens. Uh, and maybe we'll go, you know, weekly. Maybe maybe we'll go five days a week one day. You know, it's always been part of the dream. Could you imagine five days a week? What if one day we do Mondays our MMA talk, Tuesdays our boxing talk, or what if we do this, Frank? Mondays MMA hour, Tuesday boxing hour. Wednesday's wrestling hour. You see what I'm saying? It would I see WW. Thursday. Mm, no, Thursday maybe basketball hour, and Friday's a bit of miscellaneous. You know, a little darts talk, a little soccer talk, a little news, a little notes. You know, could be something, something to chew on. Let the man cook. <laughs> that would be, you know, maybe maybe that's what it's called, cooking with Hawani, but the different kind of cooking. Um trying to find my questions here from one moderator, Lewis, who tells me he's been working so hard on this. He's always so thoughtful when it comes to curating the question. He tells me today's questions are very, very good. And so I'm looking forward to answering said questions. Let's get into it, my friends. Uh, First one is from Craig, who says, I know it's not something you like to speak about, but it's kind of the elephant in the room. Is Conor McGregor spiraling out of control Irrespective of the truth around the latest allegations, do you think he is showing any indication that his competitive career can be saved? So that's one of the things that happened since we last spoke. Uh, there, there was an accusation of uh, rape towards Conor McGregor. I can get the um, the actual verbiage up here from that basketball game in which he was accused. What happened here? Why, why didn't this work? In which he was accused of hurting the... Um, the the heat mascot Bernie. Let me pull this up. This just proves that I don't uh read the questions beforehand. I like to have them fresh. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Uh, uh, damn, there's a lot of Conor McGregor articles. I'm trying to find the actual like original. Wow, there's a lot of kind of what in the world? Uh, here's one from I just found CNN. A woman alleges she was sexually sexually assaulted by UFC fighter Conor McGregor after Game Four of the NBA Finals on June 9th in Miami, according to demand letters written by her attorney. McGregor has denied the allegations. Uh, the allegations are false. Mr. McGregor will not be intimidated, and so then it goes into it. And by now, you know most of the details. And so the question here is about him spiraling out of control. Ultimately, you know, that's the question he has to answer. The concerning part about this particular instance is, all right, you're watching the game, he's at the game, and it's it's great. He's there among the other celebrities, and he's getting shine. And then it seems like he has this sponsorship deal with Tidal and the Miami Heat, and it's it's great. You know, like, he's a mainstream A-list celebrity. And then two things happen as a result of being at the game. That's a problem, right? That is a problem. And I think anyone around him would recognize that. Like, you know, we can't go to a game and have two things happen. And I, I, we don't even know what's the result of the um, the whole mascot thing. Did the guy seriously get hurt? Is he pressing charges? Like, that just kind of fizzled out. But it could be a thing that could uh, actually lead to, you know, some some legal issues for him. Who knows? And so that is a problem. And there's obviously been some other things in the past. And uh, the the unfortunate part about all of this is that if Conor McGregor never wants to fight again, 
not only is he set for life, his children are set for life and their children are set for life. That's how successful his proper 12 has been. One suspects his forged stout will be. He's got this title thing. And not to mention the money that he's made as a fighter and any type of money that he can make as, you know, a front man, an owner, an investor, et cetera, et cetera. Three children, has a fourth on the way. Congratulations. He announced that last week. He's in New York now. And uh, you, ju- you just kind of want him to enjoy the fruits of his labor and stay out of trouble. Whether it's true, not true, like if you're surrounded by these things, as opposed to just going to a game and going home, that's the troubling part. And then if it's actually true, that's even more troubling. Um, His team vehemently denies this. They've sent out multiple statements. But you just want to be, you know, free from all of this and not be associated with any of it. So, you know, in addition to all of that, there are questions about his fighting future and the USADA stuff. And that's been an ongoing piece of drama. And who knows when he's coming back, if he's coming back. They haven't announced the fight. Um, I see I see right in front of me here, there's a question about Michael Chandler, so I'll save the Chandler portion for the second question. But yeah, I mean, none of this is good. No one wants to be associated with any of this stuff. Um, and it feels like there was a point, 2017, 2018, where he could do no wrong, right? Where, where he was just on fire and was such a role model and an inspiration and I was, trust me, I was just in Ireland. He is still that guy to a lot of people. And he could still become that guy once again. Uh, but this stuff, this stuff doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. It, it only hurts. Excuse me. It doesn't help. It only hurts. Um, guilty, not guilty. You just don't want to be associated with any of this. Um, and it feels like four years ago can do no uh, wrong. Now it's like you go to a basketball game and there's two things that happen as a result. That can happen. So the best thing I think would be if he can get that fire back. Like you watch the documentary and you see him with his kids and you see him with the training and you're like, all right, this is the guy that everyone fell in love with. If he could get that back, is it possible to get that back with the fame, with the fortune? He's the best one to answer that question. Um, I see that he's back training with our old friend Dylan. Maybe that's the missing ingredient. Uh, maybe he's back to training and 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 staying on the straight and narrow. We can't pretend that Conor McGregor is the only super-duper famous athlete that has ever dealt with something like this. He may be the first that has dealt with something like this on this stage in MMA, but this is a, you know, this is a common story in boxing and in other sports. A ton of high-level athletes have dealt with these issues, demons, distractions, whatever you want to call them. Some are able to overcome, some aren't. And... I don't think he is at the point where he can't overcome. I don't think he's at the point where he has done, you know, irreparable harm to his legacy or reputation, but none of this helps. And, you know, for his sake, he doesn't want to get to the point where it is irreparable. So let's see. Uh, I do think he fights again. I don't know if it's this year. It seems like the, you know, I I ultimately am not going to hang my hat on the six-month thing because... USADA changes the rules and the goalposts and who the hell knows, and they don't really address any of this stuff. Much like with the officiating and my frustration with all that, it feels like we're all just guessing. Um, they, they change laws and rules without telling us, and we're going off of old things, so who the hell knows? They could come out and be like, oh, yeah, he's good. He, uh, he signed up. We just forgot to update the website. Who the fuck knows? Uh, but I do think he fights again. Who that guy is, what he looks like, how he fights remains to be seen. 
But uh, I would love nothing more than to see, you know, the fresh-faced, just on fire, good vibes, good, you know, good role model that we saw back in 16, 17, 15, 14, uh, because there was nothing like that. And, and, And maybe we're all fooling ourselves thinking that that guy could come back, but I still think he's young and I still feel like, you know, if he is able to get his, uh, you know, his distractions out of the way and focus and just be content with what he has and has so much to be thankful for that he could do that. But none of this is good right now. And uh, this isn't the type of stuff you don't want to, ha- you don't want to go to a basketball game and then be worried about, you know, things happening to you. Like you, you, you just want to be a normal celebrity, go to the basketball game, go home, go on this trip, go home, go to a can, go home. And, and not always have these things pop up. So that is that is worrying. And, and you'd like to think that he has people around him who are helping him and who are trying to shield him from getting into any type of predicament or trouble. So uh, I do think he fights again. Remains to be seen what happens when he fights and when he'll be able to fight. Now, the second question is associated to this. Hutt says, Ariel, what would you do if you were Michael Chandler? Continue to wait, impossible, waste your time, take another fight, be the backup fighter for the BMF. Thoughts, love the show, you are all great. And Ariel's best friend says, hello, Ariel, how long until we can start saying that Michael Chandler is squatting on a spot? Here's the thing, he's nowhere near the squatting on the spot um, territory because we're still in the midst of the ultimate fighter and there's only been four weeks of it that has aired. So until that show is done, he's not squatting on any spot and he would be foolish you know, I loved what Armin Sarukian said, and shout out to him. He had a great win on Saturday, and that's the type of thing that he should do. Like, yo, Michael Chandler, your fight ain't happening. Come fight me. Chandler would be foolish if he takes that fight now because we're only four weeks into the Ultimate Fighter. Might as well, might as well wait and see how this plays out because, let's be honest, that's his biggest payday by far. That's his biggest fight ever by far. Uh, I do feel bad for Chandler because I feel like he's the one out there doing a post show, doing this on social media. And now as the weeks go by, you can see the frustration building and you can see like the, I don't want to say embarrassment, but like, like it kind of feels like he's a little bit like that bride at the altar, just kind of waiting for the groom to show up. Um, and, and, and you see the comments and people are like, bro, the fight ain't happening. You need to move on. Now, I think we should chill a little bit. Only four weeks in, there's a precedent of the fight not happening right after the Ultimate Fighter. Remember Rampage and Rashad way back in the day? They did not fight in uh, in December. They ended up fighting in May, so five months after. This could be a very similar thing. So we'll see. Um, it's not ideal. I would like to think that they weren't planning on this, but you know, ESPN got what they wanted. They got Connor on the show for whatever it is, 14 weeks, 15 weeks. Um, UFC got what they wanted. They get all this content, but, you know, you want the payoff. And it would be weird if they don't actually fight. If I were advising Michael Chandler, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't move on just yet. Now, if we get to freaking September, October, and there's no end in sight, yeah, then I would consider moving on. Take a fight and then revisit. Uh, but we're nowhere near that point. It's it's only June 21st. We're only four weeks into the show. Uh, but you could definitely, I mean, I saw that video of him yesterday with the USADA and he's like, where are you at? Like you can, you can feel the frustration. You know what I would say to Michael Chandler? I would say maybe do less. You disappear as well so that you're not putting yourself out there and, and, and that frustration isn't becoming apparent. Um, 
because you could tell like he 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 thought he had it and now it feels like it's all up in the air and it's not just the USADA stuff who knows if any of this other stuff that has just come out will you know delay his return even further who knows um i would suggest doing less maybe chill on the post shows maybe chill on the the media maybe chill on the social media um because it's only you know, it's only putting him out there more and, and, and leading to more people mocking or whatever. So I feel for him and uh, I don't think he should move on just yet. Still think he has a couple months to wait, but you could see like it's building, it's building. And as every week goes by and there's more uncertainty and mystery surrounding all this, I can see the uh, the pressure for him to move on mounting and, and other fighters are going to come out and be like, yo, Let's move on. And isn't it crazy? He gets the ultimate fighter opportunity before Dustin Poirier, who beat him in November. And then Dustin's the one on the outside looking in. And now Dustin's fighting for the BMF title on July 29th, and he's going to return before Chandler. And who knows if he has a great performance there, maybe he becomes the next in line. It's just crazy, this seesaw between them, where it seemed like Dustin was getting kind of, you know, he was getting the shaft, and now he's back in, in pole position weird game it's a very weird game and plus dustin you know is on the verge of winning the most prestigious title in the game two months ago he's on the outside looking in craziness um number three p to the g level of excitement for cejudo versus cheeto and ufc 292 which is shaping up to be the battle of the bantamweights and do you think it's the right matchup for both men at this stage all the best to you and the crew you know yourself I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Ton of respect for Cheeto coming off, you know, one of the toughest losses of his career. Maybe the fight that was going to get him a title shot, if not a really big fight. And, you know, it didn't go his way. And now he's coming back against Henry Cejudo, the two-division former champ, Olympic gold medalist, who may in fact be a tougher opponent than his last opponent as far as like style-wise for him. That's a big freaking fight. And there's a lot of pressure. And I have a lot of respect for him not saying like, hey, let me take a step back and fight someone who's in, you know, the 15 to 10 range. He's fighting a guy who, you know, was a round away from winning the title last month in Newark. Um, so I, I get it from a Cejudo standpoint. Marab isn't available. And Corey just got booked against Umar for August 5th in Nashville. He's the biggest name out there. And so we'll talk to Cheeto about this fight and and you know, the thought process behind taking it. But uh, yeah, I mean, UFC, what is it? Two, is it 292? UFC 292? Yeah, there it is. Uh, shaping up to be a nice one. Where's my... Uh, I always feel like Tapology has the best, most up-to-date. Sterling O'Malley, Zhang Weili, Amanda Lemos, Rob Font, Song Yadong, that's the second bantamweight fight. Jeff Neal, Ian Machado Gary, Cejudo Marlin, another bantamweight fight. Cody Garbrandt, Mario Bautista, another bantamweight fight. Gerald Mearshart, Andre Petrosky, Chris Weidman, Brad Tavares, Gregory Rodriguez, uh, Dennis Chilun, Marina Moroz, Karin Silva, Andrea Lee, Natalia Silva. It's not bad. It's not bad especially with three pay-per-views in the span of almost a month. Not bad at all. Uh, Robert, Ariel, so yesterday, Cejudo versus Cheeto was announced. 
it was more reported, but uh, I guess you could say it was announced because it came from Dana White. Then shortly thereafter, it was said that Cejudo has a shoulder injury and the fight is in a done deal. Let's say I was a huge Cejudo or Cheeto fan and my willingness to buy tickets to the event was based on that and not the other participants on the card. If I'm not mistaken, if the main event is altered, that is when fans have an opportunity for refunds or recourse. But if a misleading announcement is made for a fight that has fans buying tickets to watch a people's main event or otherwise, that is problematic. What do you think about this practice? And is it fair to the ticket buying fans? I mean, ultimately, like the UFC's hands are somewhat clean here because they didn't announce it. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's why it always says card subject to change. There's really nothing that they can do. It's it's always a main event thing. Um, And it's a slippery slope if you like, if you anoint one fight on the card as the fight that you can get a refund if it falls through, like that's just that's just impossible. It's just you know, it's just a risk that comes with buying tickets to these events, unfortunately. Um the bigger question is if in fact Henry didn't agree to the fight, and I can't imagine look, we've seen situations like Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley where they announce a fight and one guy didn't agree to it. Uh, I will say one of the fights that was announced, not this one last week, I reached out to the team. I was like, wow, uh, great fight. And they're like, yeah, we don't have anything in front of us. We don't have a bout agreement. Now, there were some, you know, some, some, some theories thrown out there that they made these, uh, these announcements on Thursday to drown out, you know, the Connor news that came out on Thursday afternoon. Who knows? They certainly did that when uh, the Francis news broke. I don't know if they did that for the Connor one, but this is PR 101. It's the oldest trick in the book. Uh, to try to like you know move something down the 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 ladder in terms of the news items of the day, and you just get people excited and and and, and distracted, and and you kind of just say like, oh look at this shiny toy when something else that you don't want getting a lot of attention uh, is getting attention. So the bigger issue and the issue that I've always had, and this was the issue that came up when I was at ESPN, is that they would rush to make these announcements before everyone. Um, you know, agree to it. Now, I would say that the UFC has their motive for doing this. Sometimes they want, or any promotion, really, it's not just the UFC, but sometimes the promotion will do it because they want to try to put public pressure on the fighter. Either they're giving them a hard time or, you know, they're not really quick to agree and they'll put it out there. And then if the fight falls through, they could be like, yo, we had this fight. It's on them, not on us. Um, sometimes they're quick to give a, a favorite media member a scoop and then it's on them. It's on the media member. Like it's, it's the worst look possible. Like just because the UFC and Dana White gives you something, you still have to, to check. I remember one time, you know, and I'm not going to pretend like I've never been on the other end of those phone calls, but one time actually it was for, I think UFC 169. I think it was a uh, cruise Faber. One time Dana White, gave me a scoop and I called the particulars and one of them told me that they hadn't agreed to it. And then I went back to him and, you know, he got mad. He's like, I gave it to you not to, but I'm like, how can I, you know, what are, what are you talking about? Like, how can I not check? Uh, you can't just go off of one person. Uh, there's, there's really three people that you have to check with the promotion fighter, a fighter B. And so if a journalist is putting something out there, and not checking and just going off of one person, whether it's fighter A, fighter B, or the promotion. And the promotion, I would say, is the one that you have to be the most careful with because, you know, sometimes they have their own ulterior motives, then that's a problem. So I don't really know what to tell you, Robert, but 
this has been happening all the time. And it was a thing that was happening a lot when I was at ESPN, in short, because uh, they didn't want me to to break it. And so they were rushing to get it out there before everyone had agreed to it. As you may have noticed, you know, I've, I've sort of stepped back a little bit from that game because I, I find really no enjoyment and because they put the fear of God in the managers and the fighters. Um, it's just like, yeah, okay, you can, you can have the tweet, you can put it out there and I'd love to have you on the show to talk about it. I get more enjoyment out of that. It's really not fun. Um, but still batting a thousand, baby. Woo! Still batting a thousand. Uh, Cole, Ariel, I would love to hear your opinions on Rob Wilkinson regarding his cheating scandal as well as other PFL fighters. My question spotlights specifically Rob. Should he have to give up some sort of percentage of his one million tournament win for popping just months after? Thanks for all the content. Love the show. It's not a bad shout, Cole. PFL had a bit of a mess on their hands. And uh, I'm told they're going to use USADA for the um, uh, the playoffs that are coming up. Man, what is it, like 11 fighters or something like that? That's crazy. Should he have to? I mean, here's the thing. He didn't pop. Or did he pop? Did he pop after the, the win? Or did he pop? Like, you know, did he pop? Did he pop after a test, like, directly after the win, or was it months, months later? Because if it's months later, it's impossible to prove when he did it. And, yeah, he did. It was from it was from April, so I, I don't think he could give out. I don't think that's fair. It was in New York. He didn't pop as a result of that victory, so you can't go retroactive. One thing that I don't think comes up here, because I'm looking at them, I see a Francis PFL question. This PFL Bellator story is a huge one and a very fascinating one. And uh, a few weeks ago on the show, I think I was asked about it. And he, and here's the absolute truth. Now, there's going to be uh, some some people online that are, you know, this is what happens also with online uh, scoops, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Like, you hear something that has a 50% chance of coming um, to fruition, and you'll attach yourself to it. And there's a very good chance that it happens. And there's a very good chance that it doesn't happen. And no one really remembers when it doesn't happen. And if it does happen, you take a victory tour for fucking six months, asking everyone to pat you on the back. I get it. It's it's good. You get some some pub. We've all been there. But the truth of the matter is this. As I said, and and I don't know if I was the first, I don't care who the hell cares, but definitely late last year, because I remember getting phone calls afterwards, Bellator... Uh, has been on the uh, the market for a while. I think that was the term that I used. Now, there was some talk that they would just look for an investor. My understanding is they are looking to be sold. And, you know, I have heard of multiple players that have been interested in, uh, in purchasing them. Um, and I know that PFL was uh, one of those players that looked into them. But for various reasons... Price tag, what they were, whatever. Uh, PFL backed out. Now I can also tell you, just to show that you know we know what's up. Uh, Liberty Media was one that has looked into them. I can also tell you that the Khan family has looked into them. Uh, to what degree is unclear. And when I'm talking about the Khan family, I'm talking about Shad Khan and his son Tony Khan, who of course owned the Jacksonville Jaguars, Fulham, and All Elite Wrestling. Uh, that would be a wild one, right? Imagine they own uh, Bellator and AW while Endeavor owns WWE 
and uh, UFC. That would be wild stuff. But I can also say that as of a couple weeks ago, uh, PFL got back into the mix and have great interest. And they do have some new investment coming up. And I think some of that is going to come out in the next few weeks or months. Stay tuned for that. And so I think that there's a big push now to create this behemoth number two. And so we'll see if they can get it done. So last week when Scott Coker said PFL was one of the players, that is true. They're not the only player, but they're definitely one of the players that are interested in buying Bellator. And I do believe that um, that that they are looking to sell, that Viacom is looking to sell Bellator uh, by the end of this year. Like that is that is sort of the plan and the hope. Um, so we'll see what happens. And I think that that's part of the reason why, like last week's event, the Sergio Pettis event, and uh, Pitbull and Yoel Romero and Vadim Nemkov, congrats to Vadim on the win, isn't getting the promotional and, and marketing muscle that maybe some of the uh, the other events on Showtime on boxing, you know, with boxing are getting because uh, I think they've kind of reached the end of the road, is my understanding and feeling. Um and so we'll see if PFL absorbs, buys Bellator. Are they a legit threat? I don't think the UFC is losing sleep. Uh, is the roster much better? Yes, because I would say that Bellator's champions are better than PFL's champions. Um, does it make things super interesting if you have Patricio Pipple and AJ McKee and uh, Johnny Eblen and Yaroslav Amasov and Gegard Mousasi and Fabian Edwards and uh, Patricky Pipple? And all these dudes under you know one umbrella with the likes of OAM and Larissa Pacheco, and we'll see about Kayla Harrison's future and Chamber. Yes, um, it's interesting. I, I I feel like overall the Bellator roster is better than the PFL roster, but it's the PFL structure and momentum, and they had great ratings last week that is making them feel like the bigger player. And of course, Francis Ngannou, who they recently signed but together, it's a solid number two. Um, and let's see, you know, what they could do together. But there's also a chance that, you know, they go to someone else. Um, so it's a very interesting story to follow. And it's one that has gotten a lot more interesting over the last couple of weeks. Uh, no one really asked me about that, but I saw PFL and I wanted to talk about that because like I said, a lot has happened since we last spoke. We could talk more about that later on as well. Uh, Ali Me, hey Ariel, with Francis and Jones squaring up at PFL, is this a sign that the UFC is testing the waters to see how big of a fight they can make? Uh, it seems that there's a real appetite for this fight, as we all know, but I'm scratching my head about how UFC could just let their biggest star, Jones, walk around in a PFL shirt and promote their business, especially after Dana's recent comments. Thanks, Parlay Pals is best, or is better, he says. Thank you for that. Um, no, uh, John Jones was there to corner... Uh, his teammate, Maurice Green, and uh, there they are. John Jones and Francis Agato would have seen this was on Friday in Atlanta. Uh, fun stuff. You know what it felt like to me? <clears throat> felt like boxing to me. These two dudes were under the same umbrella. The UFC could have made this fight. It seemed like three years ago, both of them wanted to make this fight. They couldn't make it happen. Shout out to Ray Seffo in the middle there, getting that, uh, getting that shine. Smart on his part. Uh, but this was great stuff. This was great theater, but it was one big tease because now, you know, they're not under the same umbrella. Here's the most amazing part about this scene and the reaction to this scene in its aftermath. The most amazing part about it is there is nothing. There is no law. There is no bylaw. There is no rule. There is no roadblock that is actually stopping 
this fight from being made now, even with Francis Ngannou in the PFL. Why? Because there is nothing that states that two promoters can't come together to promote an event. Bellator does it with Ryzen, et cetera, et cetera. And I would go as far as to say that in the history of potential super fights, co-promotions, this could actually be the easiest one to get done. Why? Because historically, the UFC has always been on networks that were exclusive to the UFC. Spike TV, Fox, now ESPN. But guess what? ESPN also has another promotion under their umbrella, and that's the PFL. And so ESPN could sit down and say, look, guys, we want to make this happen. The same way we 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 saw that you guys made McGregor Mayweather happen with your arch rivals, Showtime, let's make this happen. We could sell this on pay-per-view. We could all take a cut. You guys could take 70%. You guys could take 30%. Whatever it is, it's never been easier for the UFC to co-promote with another promotion as it is right now with PFL. Now, of course, they're not going to want to do it, but look at the appetite, look at the interest, and you can arguably say that there is no more interesting and bigger fight for both guys than that one. And yet it's not going to happen because I don't think ESPN will force the UFC to do it, and I don't think the UFC cares to do it, wants to do it. Also, the amazing thing about this Tyson Fury thing, where Tyson Fury is now saying, I got an offer, like, why didn't you try to make that deal with Francis? Francis was openly saying, like, I want a box. Why didn't you at least try to make that deal? Why are you doing it now with Jones? The whole thing gives me one big headache. But again, the point is, they could make that fight happen. There's nothing stopping them from making that fight happen. John was there cornering. He's wearing the shirt. That's the uniform. And I think he was just having a little bit of fun. No different than Connor at BKFC squaring off with Mike Perry. Ultimately, I don't think they're going to get their panties in a bunch over something like that. If it keeps happening, maybe they'll get annoyed. But what are they going to say to John Jones or Conor McGregor? Now, if there's if they're talking a you know sixth ranked dude, they might say like, "Yo, man, cool your jets." But also, sixth ranked dude isn't getting that type of attention. Khabib has been at Bellator events. They're just you know what are you going to do? You can't tell the guy not to wear the shirt if he has to, you know if he's going to corner, he has to wear the shirt. So I don't think that there was anything more to that. I don't think the UFC sent him there to test the waters. But my big takeaway upon seeing that was like, this could happen. And it actually is easier than usual because of ESPN. Because it would be an ESPN plus pay-per-view. They would stand to gain from it too. This could easily happen. But it's not going to happen because that's just the way MMA is structured. Taco Enthusiast. Hi, Ariel. I'm really rooting for the PFL. I've gone to both events here in Atlanta, and it feels like they're really building something special right now. By the way, stop pronouncing the second T in Atlanta. We say Atlanta. Is that true, GC? Is it Atlanta? Because I say Toronto. Nah, yeah, I can confirm that. It's Atlanta? Atlanta. But you're not from Atlanta. Wow. Heavy on the second T there, Frank. Button. I say Atlanta. Is that wrong? No, you just sound. I sound foreign. Formal, yeah. Atlanta. How do you say the place uh, up north, the six, where the Raptors play? Toronto. <laughs> you know, you don't say it like that. That's funny. You probably say Toronto. No, nah, Toronto Raptors. That's crazy. What about yeah. the city in Louisiana? New Orleans. New Orleans. No, that's just. Oh, now you're getting. I think we're just talking about T's here. Um, All right, Atlanta. All right, Atlanta. Which is weird because if you really want to fit in, uh, just call it Hot Atlanta. Locals love that. Don't they hate that? No, they love. I've gotten shit for that. There's a couple that I've that I I, I've called Dallas uh, Big D, and people get mad at me for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big D or the Big D, and they get really mad about that. (laughs) Um, 
Hotlanta? You guys are, what about yeah, yeah, locals A-Town? Local. A-Town is, is more acceptable, but I would still never say that. There's a great wrestler named uh, Austin Theory. He comes out to A-Town Down. He's from Atlanta. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes, Austin Theory and I know the song, yeah. A-Town Down. Wait, is that a real song? Is it a custom song? Yeah. Or is it like Usher, Usher starts that one song, Peace Up, A-Town Down? Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Uh, wow. Uh, anyway, while the fights, spectacle, and face-offs have been amazing, the slow pace of each event has been absolutely brutal. My girlfriend fell asleep before the Brendan Lochnane fight because there was nothing going on for like 40 minutes. Do you think this is a result of the production needing to be fine-tuned or the format improved, or do you think this is all to ensure they get paid from their advertiser? It seems like such a simple thing to fix, but maybe there's something missing. I mean, ultimately, it's about TV time. If fights are ending very quickly, you know, we'd love for it to last 45 minutes but they have a hole to fill right they have a slot to fill and so i know that this has been a complaint one thing that i would suggest why don't they try to you know the ufc used to do this a lot back in the day like squeeze in a prelim or two you know cut it down show us the third round something and instead like you know there's no greater buzzkill like let's go to the desk or let's go to this let's go to that you know i i i take a third round oh this happened earlier tonight we're going to show you uh, the third round of this prelim fight between Mr. X and Mr. Y. Why not? Scott F. Good day, Ariel. Here for the weekly AEW question. AEW. AEW. Oh, wait. Is, uh, is my man here? No, he's not. All right. Uh, here for the weekly AEW question. Thoughts on CM Punk's return promo? Still trying to figure out if the heat with the elite and the other talent is still there or if Punk is just playing it up. You're the man. You know how you know it's legit? Because the best thing that they could have done was if he came out, which, by the way, the whole thing felt a lot like August of 2019. Like, we saw the big return, Chicago, all that, but that's fine. It was great to see him back, and I wish him the best. But you know how you know it's still legit and it's still fresh? It's because none of those guys interrupted the promo. Had they interrupted it and turned the shoot into a work, a storyline, now you know it's water under the bridge. But because they didn't, and maybe they changed their mind down the line. But for me, I was waiting to see if one of them would interrupt. Uh, because they did it, it makes me think that it's still fresh and they're trying to keep them separate. Which is a shame because that's the biggest money that they can make and the most interesting storyline slash feud that they can do. Why wouldn't you try to capitalize on that? Um, you know, what is uh, what does Vinnie Mac always said? He said, you know, whatever's best for business. And what's best for business is that feud right there. Uh, remember when Matt Hardy and Edge had their issue with Lita, and then Matt came back, and we all weren't sure if it was legit or not. And, I mean, that was over a girl. What's more personal than that? This is just some feelings being heard about business and whatnot. Like, if those dudes could have put it aside, I feel like these guys could put it aside. If one of them would have interrupted, or some of them, or all of them, then you would have known, you know, bygones be bygones. But they didn't, and so to me it felt a tad underwhelming, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, Adriano, hello Ariel. Hope you had a great Father's Day. If we could turn the MMA hour to the WWE minute, minute, love to get your thoughts on the bloodline in this past week's segment. See, now you're just setting me up. I, I criticized the AEW thing, which you know, God bless. But now I'm going to sit here and praise the WWE thing. You're just setting me up. I don't know who to blame here. Am I blaming Adriano? Am I blaming uh, moderator Lewis? Anyway, love to get your thoughts on the bloodline in this past week's segment. It's definitely one of the most compelling storylines we've had in professional wrestling since. I can't even remember. What is your interest level heading into Money in the Bank? Thank you, as always. It's like a movie. It's like the kids say. It's like a freaking movie. No, that was tremendous. Um, 
Usually when I'm about to go to one of these events, which I will be, I will be in London for Money in the Bank uh, next weekend, amazingly. I can't believe it's already here, July 1st. I start to ramp up my watching. And so I've ramped up my watching again because I'll be there covering it for BT Sport. And uh, it's been amazing. The twists and turns, the ups and downs. I still maintain Sami Zayn should have won in Montreal. um, But this Civil War thing, which I think may lead to Jay against Roman and maybe Jay winning, who knows? Or maybe Logan Paul cashes in money in the bank. I mean, who knows? I would say my interest is pretty high. It's been fun. And the twists and turns have been great. But I think they need to stop with the twists and turns. Like, all right, the line has been drawn. It's it's Solo and Roman against those two guys, the Usos. And, and let's see how it plays out. And maybe Rikishi makes an appearance. But no, that was tremendous. Jay and Jimmy are legit stars, main eventers. And it's been very fun. And my favorite part about all this stuff is seeing Paul Heyman's reaction. Like his facial expressions are just absolutely tremendous. Uh, we have a few more to go, but I need to put a pin in it because our, our first guest of the day is here. So we'll answer those uh, on the back end for now. And thank you, as always, to everyone for the questions. For now, though, let us, uh, let us talk to the man who uh, had a massive win on Friday. We were just talking about him. Huge win after a year and a half away. A lot of people were talking about the history that could be made by one Patricio Pitbull. Sergio Pettis had other plans in mind. He retained his Bellator bantamweight title and looked great in doing so. He's kind enough to join us right now via the Magic of Zoom. There he is. Sergio Pettis is here. Hello, Sergio. Congratulations on the win. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thank you for having me on, Ariel. It was a pleasure. Uh, so it's uh, it's great to talk to you, and you're still the champ. And I'm just wondering, like, I feel like all the... Uh, all the talk going into last Friday in Chicago was about history. And, you know, you were a part of the story as well. But, you know, the big selling point was Patricio making history. Did you get annoyed by any of that? Did you feel like, man, here I am coming back from ACL. I'm the champ a year and a half away. Can I get some love here? Uh, man, honestly, I really I wasn't paying attention to any of that. I was just more focused on the fight itself. Um, yeah, they were promoting Patricio a lot that fight. But, you know, it just made me uh, have a chip on my shoulder and go out there and put on a hell of a performance, which I, I did get to do. Can we go back to when you injured yourself? And, um, you know, we last saw you in late 2021. I felt like everything was coming together for you. Incredible wins. You're the champ. And then you get injured. How difficult was that when you came to the realization that you were going to have to be out for quite some time? How did you deal with that? Man, I was uh, definitely depressed. You know, it was about three and a half weeks before I was going to fight Rafion. I tore my ACL. And, um, Man, I missed out on a chance to make a million dollars, missed out on a chance to uh, have three fights last year. So I was just stuck on the sidelines recovering and getting healthy. Definitely uh, different uh, different times for me. I'm so used to moving and training. I had to sit back, relax, and just uh, watch other people become successful. It was definitely a humbling moment. So how did you get out of the depression? Um, you know, it took a while, actually. For about the first two months, you know, I couldn't do much. I was just sitting around, chilling out. Uh, thank- thankfully, I got a great fiance that, you know, can keep me in a good mood and just chilling with my dogs and, uh, you know, just living a normal life. It was uh, a time off for me. You know, I, I didn't realize how banged up I was and how much I put on the side as far as like my family and friends. Um, I got to spend time with my family and spend time with my friends. So uh, at the end of it, you know, um, I, it was kind of refreshing. It rejuvenated me. But you did say on Friday that uh, I guess maybe the one tiny silver lining was there was a part of you that didn't really want to fight Stotts just because you you are friends and, and, and you know, one-time training partners. Uh, was that a bit of a relief that you didn't have to fight him? Um, you know, it, it was a relief. I hate to say that just because, you know, I wanted Stas to win that million dollars. He deserves it. He's a great guy and a great athlete. And uh, that's life-changing money for anybody. But, uh, you know, I think the the universe just showed both of us, you know, we were meant to fight each other. I tear my ACL and then, you know, that happens with uh, him versus Patchy. So 
it just really truly wasn't meant to be. What is it like for someone who is so fit in the prime of their life, you're training multiple hours a day, and then all of a sudden you can't move. You can't even get off the couch without help. You can't do anything. You can't probably even break a sweat for the first couple of months. How is that mentally and physically for you? Man, it's, it's tough. Anybody who's going through an ACL injury or an injury that takes time off from what you love to do, uh, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. I learned uh, how, how much I got to work on as a person uh, without having without having my sport. You know, my sport keeps me calm and keeps me uh, motivated and hungry. And without any of that, man, I was just kind of lost for a bit. You know, I was like, damn, who am I? Kind of kind of feel like, you know, what, what do I what, what can I bring to the table? Who am I? And, uh, you know, I just kind of it, it was it was really needed. Honestly, I kind of put that chip on my shoulder, maybe, uh, you know, get to this this uh, mentality where I'm at now, where I'm at peace, but uh, I'm ready for war. Was there any talk of stripping you of the belt? Um, there wasn't actually. I think if they would have stripped me of the belt, I definitely would have been way more depressed. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm th- I'm thankful that they did not do that. Um, you know, they they made some plans around uh, having an interim champion and in the the Grand Prix champ. So uh, things really played out. Uh, was it was it hard for you to watch MMA while you were going through that? No, I started watching MMA more. It was kind of crazy. Wow. I actually could. Uh, yeah, I could sit back and be a fan of the sport. You know, I, I didn't really have no one to worry about, no weight cuts to worry about. So um, it made me want to watch it more, man. I actually was even going to the gym while I was injured to go coach my teammates and hold pads for my teammates. And, you know, I, I didn't want I didn't want to leave the sport too much. I knew I had to come back eventually. So uh, I stayed around. You doing those crazy bets like your brother, too? <laughs> no, not at all, man. He's, What's up with this he's guy, risky man? Weight. This guy's crazy. Uh, he's a, crazy. You know what? The crazy thing is, Anthony. That he's been that way since he was young. Before he had money, before he had any fame, Anthony is literally the same person to this day. But now he's got both money and fame with him. So it's just kind of you know the, the world gets to see it now. We're we're showing the slip. Um, we just showed it of of the bet he put on you. Uh, that's an insane amount of money. I think, what was it like 72 K he stood to win from a 50 K bet, something like that. Yeah. 50 K. Yeah, yeah. Does he tell you this beforehand or do you only find out after? I find out on Instagram. I saw it on oh, Instagram before fuck. I fought. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I saw it on Instagram. I'm like, Oh my God, he put 50,000 on me. I got to make sure I win this fight now so we could both win. Um, nah, but you know, I, I didn't really pay attention to that. You know, Anthony's, you know, he, he is who he is. He's risky with his money. And, uh, He's ballsy, man. Risk it to get the biscuit, and he definitely got the biscuit. I, I feel like it could go both ways. Like it could go the like one direction is like shit, man. This adds more pressure to my shoulders because I don't, I don't want to lose for him. But also, that's awesome support to get from your brother, and that he's putting it out there, right? Yeah, for sure. Anthony's be, uh, believed in me before I believed in myself. You know, throughout my whole career. So uh, even yeah, to put fifty thousand down on me, he's uh, shows his belief in me. You know, he he's telling me like, bro, you could win this fight. I know you can do it, and. Uh, yeah, that $50,000 bet definitely shows he believes that. <laughs> when were you 100%? Like, w- w- were you able to come back earlier or was this was this perfectly, like, in tune with when you were planning on coming back? Because sometimes we hear people like, oh, I could have fought uh, two months ago, but they just didn't have a date for me. You know what? I think it played out perfectly. Um, I fought, I think, like a year, uh, what is it, 14 months after I got surgery. So it definitely played out good. Um, the recovery was actually fairly quick for me, man. I, I was moving pretty probably three months after I started, you know, swimming, started lifting, you know, started kind of going back to the gym, hitting bags. And, uh, honestly, yeah, it it did take some time, but like looking back at it, it went by pretty fast. Okay. And, um, was it your idea? Like, how did you find out about the Patricio element? Did they come to you with this? Did you talk to them about it? Like, how did that all play out? Um, actually it was my coach Duke. Duke was telling me, Hey, I hear Patricio's thinking about coming down to 135 to try to get that belt. 
and um things just kind of added up for me man you know we we, we uh he made a post on instagram was like hey um patricio if you guys are down for this you know we're down for it as well and uh yeah i think it was mostly from my instagram post to be honest and what did you think initially about it um i was scared at first because i'm like damn patricio's coming down to 135 <sighs> i'm like this is a big move but uh you know, I was like, at a point in my career, I was, you know, I'm ready to take this risk and show everybody what I'm capable of doing. And it gave me that chip on my shoulder that I needed to go out there and, um, you know, just believe in myself, believe in my camp. And man, yeah, last Friday, it all came together for me. This is one of the many things that I really respect about you is that you're not afraid to just tell it like it really is. Like you saying there, I was scared. And even on Friday at the post-fight press conference, correct me if I'm wrong, were you not feeling like, oh shit, I I think I might lose this fight? Like you were you were sort of doubting yourself just because of how good he was. For sure, I I was having talks with my fiance and I uh, kept telling her like, you know, if I, if I lose anybody, it's okay to lose the Patricio Pitbull type of guy, you know, a legend like this. And uh, yeah, if you guys could have saw me before the fight, man, I was stressed out. I was sweating for no reason, pacing back and forth throughout the whole week. Um, sleep was thrown off. Um, yeah, it was a very stressful week that week prepping for Pitbull. Have you ever felt that way before, fight before? You know what, I have, but not to this level. And uh, after being off for 18 months, it definitely made it a little bit more tense than how it was before. You know, I was used to competing every, like, four to six months. And, yeah, having that time off, it was like, damn, do I still got it? You know, and then people were talking about ring rust and all this. And I'm like, man, hopefully I don't got that, uh, you know, that factor playing into the the fight. But once I stepped in there, man, I felt like, you know, that's that's where I needed to be that day. And it just it just felt right. Before you stepped in there, like in the locker room, you say that uh, on fight week in the hotel, you were pacing and sweating. What was it like in the locker room as you're warming up? Were you even more nervous? Oh, for sure. Super nervous, man. It's uh, it's a stressful for anybody who fights. I think we all feel that way. I mean, there's everybody deals with it differently. Some people are more confident than others. But, uh, you know, yeah, I was I was definitely like having some crazy images in my head, uh, fighting some some self demons, man, where I was like, I, I saw myself getting knocked out. I saw myself getting finished uh, right before I went out. I'm just like shaking my head like, all right, get that out of your head. Get that out of your head. Focus up. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was definitely a, a crazy, crazy experience. Do you think that was more because of who you were fighting or because of the layoff? I think a mixture of both, man. You know, if you watch Patricio's career, he's got a lot of finishes, knocking people out. He's, uh, I mean, he's knocked out some good guys. He's subbed some good guys. And, you know, he's got the full skill set. So um, yeah, man, I think it was a mixture of both, you know? So when you're in the uh, cage, like when you come through and you're in the cage and they're announcing you and they're doing the whole intros, are you thinking of these things still at that point? You know what? Once I got in there, you know, like I said, I feel like this is where I should be. And, uh, I mean, th there was little glimpses of that, you know, where I was like, all right, get that out of your head. But you know what? Honestly, I, all I kept thinking about that fight is the, the post speech. You know, I was like, I really want to deliver this message to everybody. And, uh, Throughout the rounds, man, I was getting closer and closer to doing that. I kept thinking about that, like you're getting closer to really sh uh, thinking or saying what you uh, thought to say. So, yeah, man, it, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy. Crazy fighting is a crazy experience in general. Yeah, uh, up there with Izzy's post-fight speech in April, yours on Friday, like just it's uh it's i'm always so impressed with how you guys are able to verbalize this stuff after a 25 minute fight or a fight of that magnitude. Why was it so important for you to say what you said after the fight? Uh, I just felt like it was my my why, like my reason to win that fight, you know, just to get my message delivered and, uh, you know, just talk about the stuff that I've been going through this past couple of years and throughout my whole life of dealing with, you know, social anxiety, anxiety itself, and uh, even depression. You know, last year I had a lot of depression that I didn't re realize that I could even have. And uh, 
I just felt like, you know, I want to deliver that message and share it to everybody else that's going through the same things and that, um, that it's okay to feel these feels and have these thoughts and that, uh, you just got to keep pushing forward and keep trusting yourself and believing in your timing. You know, I've had a, sorry, my dog's going crazy, no but uh, yeah, believe in, you know, believe in yourself and, um, you know, just, you know, trust your timing really. Uh, have you talked to anyone about this stuff? No, you know what? Never, never have I really have, you know, I, I was growing up, I always had crazy anxiety, you know, um, I, I thought I was just soft back in the days when I was younger. I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm just soft, you know, I'm not, you know, a tough guy like that. And, uh, after a while I just started, like realized like, Oh, I actually have, you know, some mental health issues. I got some anxiety. I got some stuff going on that I gotta get, I got to check out myself and I've never really saw anybody, but, uh, you know, I read a lot of books and kind of just throughout the sport, you learn so much about yourself, um, that I was able to kind of pinpoint stuff that, you know, causes my anxiety to happen more, but also how to, um, kind of deflect it a little bit as well. Are you interested in talking to someone about it or do you feel like you have it under control? I mean, as of right now, I feel like I'm good. You know, um, I feel like I'm the type, the type of guy that has to go through it myself, you know, the trial and error of, uh, you know, just the, the self journey. So uh, maybe, maybe one day I feel like I will need to, but um, as of right now, I, know I feel, feel like it all played out for a reason. It's almost like a superpower, man. You know, I'm kind of so self-aware that when I get in that, that cage, I'm, I'm really aware and I'm really on my A game and I, I kind of credit it to my anxiety. Uh, some fighters, especially recently, have talked about uh, speaking to a sports psychologist, um, and that's like a big thing these days, especially in fighting. Have Have you ever considered that? Um, you know what? A Anthony's actually talking about that. Yes, you know, maybe of course. Anthony, yeah, I yeah, talked to him about it. I was trying to remember. Anthony actually like speaks about it glowingly, like it really changed him. Yeah. How come, uh, For sure. how come you never talked to his guy? You know, I probably should. I don't know. I, I just haven't really, I, I haven't put too much time into it. I was just like, you know, going through it myself and uh, just kind of figure it out myself. But, you know, maybe maybe this time I go and talk to somebody and uh, kind of put put some of this to rest. Maybe that will like unlock a different Sergio, like an even better Sergio Pettis. Like maybe you're holding yourself back by not getting this out there. Do you even, do you, do you talk to like your fiance or anyone about any of this? Yeah, yeah my fiance, actually, she's my therapist. Okay. Honestly, I talk to her a lot about this and uh yeah, she gets me uh, through a lot of stuff, and she's just, you know, such a great lady that it, it kind of definitely helps out with my career and me as a person in general. And just curious, obviously, you know, what your family has been through has been well documented. Do you think, you know, what happened to your father has anything to do with any of this? For sure, I think so, man. You know, obviously losing a parent at a young age, you uh, you grow up fairly quick, and you learn uh, a lot about, you know, just stuff that you wouldn't learn at that age. And uh yeah, definitely. I think I've got some uh, kind of like PTSD from that as well, you know. Hmm. Um, at what point in the fight did you start to believe, like, I got this guy, that, you know, I am better than him and that I'm going to win this fight? Um, honestly, it was about the second round. Once I, I started landing my jab at will, you know, and that's when I started realizing, like, yo, I could really touch this guy up. You know, I was just landing my punches and my combos were coming together. And um yeah, man. I think the round the second the second round is where I started really feeling myself and was like, you know, it's time to open up. I've held back so much throughout my career that I can't hold back in this fight. Do you think he lost a step fighting at one thirty five? And do you think it was a mistake for him to go down? I mean, going down uh, a weight class is always tough for anybody. I used to fight at twenty five, and the way I felt at one twenty five is different than how I felt at one thirty five. So. Um, definitely, man. But, you know, if you take that risk and you're willing to do that, that's on you, you know? So he went out there willing to risk all that. And he came down to my world and realized, you know, that he, he, he's not there. We've seen some wacky judges decisions recently when they announced officially that you had won after everything that you've been through. Can you verbalize how that felt? 
uh, felt like a relief off my shoulders, man. You know, yeah. I didn't realize the magnitude of how big this fight was after winning that. You know, I was just like, oh, I just beat Patricio. I was just like, oh, I, and I beat another guy. But then I see uh, the media and everything. I'm like, oh, I actually beat somebody, you know, really good. You know, Patricio is really good. But I had to go in there kind of like kind of trying to mellow it out, mellow it out a little bit. And it's still, you know, settling in. I haven't really slept these last couple of days. I've been so amped and so hyped, waking up motivated. I already know who my next opponent is. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm ready to really focus up this year and go all in. You know, I had a year off and um, I'm just ready to go all in. I'm about to be 30 years old this year. So I know my time is uh, definitely ticking and. I want to leave a big stamp on the sport. Uh, did you like that they brought Patchy in right after the fight? Yeah, I didn't mind that. I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense. You know, he's the next guy on the list, and um, th- we got to promote something. So I was cool with it. I'm cool with Patchy, man. He's not a bad guy. We've trained with each other back in 2017. We always reach out to each other on Instagram and stuff. You know, he's very supportive to me. I'm supportive to him as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a great fight. He's a tough athlete. Any idea when and where that will happen, that fight? Um, as of now, I don't know any location, but I'm pushing for um, November-ish, October-ish. Um, around that time frame seems good. I am a little banged up from this fight. Patricio got me with some good knees to the body. My ribs are a little sore, and uh, got, my nose was a little beat up for a bit. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm pretty healthy to go back to the gym. I'm probably going to start training again next week. Uh, the crowd was great there in Chicago. I feel like you fighting the Midwest, perhaps Milwaukee. Is, is any of this possible for you? I'd love that. It's been a while since I fought in Milwaukee, and I yeah. didn't have the great the greatest outcome last time I fought in Milwaukee. I fought Rob Font, so I just got jabbed up all night. But uh, yeah, I'd like to definitely fight in front of my home crowd, in front of my family. Uh, my family came out there. We had like three whole rolls filled with my family members and friends, and you know, just everybody that supports me over here in the Midwest, which is a, a big, big support. Um, speaking of UFC bantamweights, I saw you training with uh, Corey Sanhagen. What was that like? It was great, man. Corey's a great guy. He's, uh, he's very motivating. You know, he reminds me of myself. He's just a simple guy, trains, goes home to his girls, fiance, with his dogs, and lives that that cycle every day. And uh, it was motivating, man. It was it was great to get that work. And he's such a great athlete and so um, well-spoken. You know, he, he was a, a great, great help for my last camp, you know. Was that your uh, idea to go there to train with him or someone else's? Um, actually he was hitting me up to come out. Um, we've trained with each other back at Rufus sport. He came down for a couple of days and, uh, yeah, he hit me up, you know, yeah, you want to come out and come train. And yeah, we, I went out there, uh, to help with the Peter Yan camp. And then I went out there to help with the Cheeto camp as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys help each other. Yeah. yeah we've been helping each other out, man. Yeah. Um, I wasn't gonna bring him out my last camp, but you know, he's so big. I was like, I don't, I don't think I need that look for a uh, Patricio, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I know he's got a good fight coming up against, uh, or Umar, Umar so yeah. I hit him up. Yeah, yeah, I hit him up, and yeah, I'd like to go out there and give him some looks, man. He's he's a great guy. Uh, what do you make of these uh, Bellator PFL rumors, and uh, would you be excited about a potential merger between the two brands? Hey, man, I'm I'm down for whatever. You know, at this point in my career, I'm down for whatever. Um, if there's a new belt at PFL, you know, PFL belt to get, that'd be awesome. Be the first two brothers that have two belts in different organizations. So. I think it'd be uh, a great opportunity for sure. Do you think this would be good for the sport if two of the top promotions come together, or is that one less option for you guys? If you, you know, like you, you are a byproduct of free agency, right? You bet on yourself. You went out there. You got a great deal. Is it ultimately good for the fighters if there's less options, or is it good because you can now fight new guys and there's bigger opportunities? Um, I guess a, a mixture of both. You know, okay. yeah, definitely. You know, you, uh, athletes do lose an option to go to the PFL, but 
hey, I'm already in Bellator, so I really not, I don't got to worry about that too much. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So so you're fight and you fight uh, you fight Patchy. You don't get ah, the million dollars. That really sucks because you were a part of that. That is a bummer. They didn't make it up to you or anything like that. They can't put the million dollars on the line for this one. Nah, man, they can't. But uh, it's, it's all good. Pat, Patchy deserved that million. He did so good last year. You know, he went through Horiguchi, beat uh, um, Stotts. He beat um, other dude. I forgot his name. I totally forgot his name right now. Drawing a blank. But um, yeah, man, he, he deserved that million. And I think, you know, for real, what the universe taught me was like, you know, money or legacy. And uh, this last fight showed me that, um, you know, even though I missed out on the money, that I, I got the legacy. And uh, I think that's more important to me at the moment. Uh, Magomedov, right? That was a great win for him. Magomed, Magomed, Magomedov. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, big Magomed, Magomedov. Uh, by the way, yeah. speaking of big time performances, how about you and Anthony throwing out the first pitch at a Brewers game? Can you yeah, assess dude. your uh, your 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 performance for us? You know, there's been some dicey first pitches uh. by celebrities over the years. <laughs> you know what? I'm just happy that I made it to the glove, you know, <laughs> to the base. But yeah, my technique wasn't the greatest. I didn't shoot it as hard. You know, I was fighting like seven days later, so I was like, there's no way I'm going to put myself at risk for anything. Anthony went out there and whipped it really hard. And uh, yeah, man, it was a good time. First time throwing out the first pitch in front of my hometown, in front of Milwaukee. So uh, definitely a great experience. I'll give myself a, a five out of 10. <laughs> okay, that's humble of you. I, I, you know you're not a baseball guy when you say shoot the ball uh, as opposed to exactly. throw the ball. Uh, <laughs> throw the ball, <laughs> <yes. exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we saw Anthony against uh, Roy Jones. Are you interested in ever doing something like that, a, a boxing match when, when your time with Bellator or MMA is done? Yeah, I'm definitely interested in boxing. I feel um, this last camp, I boxed so much and it showed in my fight. Um, I definitely like some opportunities to go boxing people up. It'd be a great time for me. And I think personally, I, I was going through Anthony's training camp with him in boxing and it's less uh, banging up on your body as, uh, you know, wrestling and jujitsu and MMA. So definitely could see myself uh, doing that as well. And finally, I want to ask you about your boy C-Rod. What a big win for him in April. I know that you were in his corner, uh, Christian Rodriguez. He beat Raul Rojas. Uh, how far do you think he can go? And what was it like to see a guy that you guys have been kind of training with and helping to groom to this point for so many years? I know he started training at Rufus when he was very young. Uh, to see him like play the spoiler on a big stage like that against a guy that the UFC was trying to build up. Man, it was awesome. C-Rod's a great guy. Um, you know, he's been with us since he was pretty much my age, like 13, 14 at Rufus Sports. So wow. to see him grow and uh, become the athlete he's becoming, and he's, he's going to go so far. I'm excited. I'm going to make sure he goes far, man. I, I really like that guy. And uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, to be in his corner was cool, you know, to see him go out there and deal with that adversity and deal with all that pressure. There was a lot of pressure on him that week. And he went out there and played it out like a G, man. Uh, much respect to C-Rod. You want to be a coach when you're done? I don't know. Coaching is stressful, man. Being in the corner, you know, it is stressful. I feel like I get more nervous for the guys who are fighting than I do for my own fight sometimes. And uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I do like sharing the information that I've learned throughout my years of training martial arts, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. We'll see. Well, congratulations. Enjoy this win, man. And uh, congrats on on being comfortable saying what you said afterwards. Uh, that helps a lot of people and it makes you very relatable and someone that we want to root for, but it also lets other people know that it's okay to feel this way and to talk about this stuff. So that to me is probably the most impressive thing that you did on, on Friday, uh, even though you beat one of the greatest fighters in the world right now. So uh, much love and respect to you, Sergio. Enjoy the victory and good luck in training for Patchy Mix. Thank you so much, Ariel. Always a pleasure to talk to you, brother. My Same man. here. There he is, Sergio Pettis, one of the very best uh, bantamweights on the planet. Uh, 
Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Sorry about uh, Dame Dalla falling over there. Um, that was a big time win for him. And I know we had Patricia on the show uh, right before the fight on the Wednesday before, but you know, his story was equally interesting going into it. And it's just so nice to see his development over the years, because for the longest time he was Anthony's brother, younger brother, he still is, but he wasn't really getting that attention that maybe he deserved. And, you know, his last two fights in, uh, his, 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 two of his last three fights in the UFC, he actually won his last fight in the UFC. That was against Tyson Nam were losses against tough guys. Um, even had the loss to Henry Cejudo. But since that Rob Font loss that he mentioned, December of 2018, the last Fox show, coincidentally, all he has done is uh, is win. He's now 5-0 and in Bellator. Big-time wins. Kyoji Horiguchi, Juan Archuleta, Ricky Bandejas. And now he's got that big fight against Patchy Mix, which is a tremendous fight. Again, I'll say it. Um, and of course, I never hear from my friends at Bellator when I say these things. I only hear from them when I... Talk about, you know, whatever, critiques. Everyone's so sensitive in this game. Why is everyone so sensitive in this game? They remind me of Frank, to be honest. There's a lot of sensitivity uh, in this game. Hmm. It's just waiting for you to that, respond to that. Um, that was unnecessary. No, nah, it's just a lot. You know, how many times have I said Bellator's roster of champions is the best it's ever been? The best it's ever been. Uh, and it's not even close. And Sergio's a part of that pardon the pun, mix. He's a part of it. And, uh, I mean, Sergio 135, Patricio 145, freaking uh, Usman Nurmagomedov 155. He might be the best of the bunch. 170, Yaroslav Amosov. Uh, 185 is Johnny Eblen. 205, Vadim Nemkov. Are you kidding me? That's an incredible collection of talent. It's it, There's no other promotion outside of the UFC that has a collection of champions like that. Um, so now let's see if, what they could do with it. And if there's a new owner, let's see what, I mean, I, I would look to buy them. You think we should put together our money to buy them? Wouldn't that be yeah. great? I've got $5. Helwani FC. Um, or what could we call them? 
the Parlay Pals FC? I don't know. Parlay Boys. Parlay Boys, that's right. Um, anyway, uh, thank you very much to Sergio Pettis. Let's move along to our next guest. Uh, he had an eventful night just a couple of weekends ago. Uh, he went up against the great Floyd Mayweather in another one of Floyd's uh, exhibition bouts, but this one did not end like every single one of Floyd's recent exhibition bouts. It ended in uh, somewhat of a, a melee, a brawl, an unfortunate ending. Um, and now we're kind of waiting to see what happens. Is there going to be a rematch? I don't believe, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that he has talked about what happened on that night uh, publicly. I know there's been, you know, an uh, Instagram post and a tweet here or there. Uh, but here he is, John Gotti III, who, of course, has been on this show before to talk about his mixed martial arts career. Uh, this uh, was, of course, a boxing match on June 11th. Uh, he's here to talk about the Floyd Mayweather fight and, of course, the aftermath. He's kind enough to join us right now. Hello, John. How are you? How you doing, Ariel? All's well. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. In fact, you've been on once before, and I actually saw you outside the studio once before, if you recall. I think you were like in a cab or something. Yeah. This is like many years ago now, 2017, 2016. And of course, you've done a lot since then. So uh, congratulations on all your success uh, in MMA and now Thank crossing you. over into boxing. Could I ask off the top, yep. uh, what has the last, you know, it hasn't even been a couple of weeks. It's been just 10 days. What what has the last 10 days been like for you since what occurred in that Mayweather fight and especially the aftermath went down? It's been interesting. You know, it, it opened up a whole new uh, wave of exposure. So, you know, my page right now is flooded with all types of, uh, of people and, and opinions. But, you know, it's interesting. It, it keeps it keeps things fun. And, uh, you know, I'm just making light of the whole situation and um, just taking it all in. So good exposure or mixed exposure, bad exposure? Like, how do you feel about the attention? Listen, anytime you get, you know, you're on that sort of platform like that, it's going to come with mixed no matter what you do. So I, I just, I handle things how I handle things. They went how they went and, and here we are, but it's not bad. Listen, I take, I roll the punches no matter what, no matter what people say, it's all good. Everybody's entitled to their opinion and, you know, I can respond how I respond. Uh, can I ask, like, fr from the beginning, how did you get this fight? Like, what what, what is the genesis of this fight with you and well, Floyd being made? This fight with Floyd actually is, is years in the making. You know, we were the originals right after Logan Paul fought Floyd. We were in talks to fight Floyd right after that. So this this been years in the making right after my final MMA fight. And it fell apart, you know, for whatever reason, if it just fell apart. And I moved on entirely from the whole situation. You know, I was I was over it. Yeah, I wasted like a, probably a year and a half switching to boxing with, with nothing, you know, nothing, nothing from it. So in the meantime, I had two boxing fights in the last six months. I made my pro debut in October and I fought again in January. So I'm getting ready now for my next fight because I wanted to keep busy. And my father calls me when I'm in the sauna and tells me Floyd's people called him. You know, they're interested in a, another another fight. So I said, with us? I said, yeah, with us. I said, well, it's going to be like last time. I'm really not interested because it wasted a lot of time and I want to get moving. He said, no, they're for real. They want to move this along very fast. And, you know, it's on. So you, you want to do it? I said, yeah, without hesitation, let's do it. You know, Floyd's been a hero of mine since I'm a kid. I, I idolized Floyd for as long as I can remember. So for the chance just to get in the ring and share the ring with Floyd, it was exciting to me. How could you turn something like that down, you know, as far as everything else? So. That's how that, that's the you know, base of how this all 
you know, transpired and how, how it came to be. And the fight happened on June 11th. When was that phone call from your father? When did that go down? Like how long in between the phone call and the fight? I want to say sometime mid-April. Okay, so it wasn't a long wait. No, no. It moved very quickly. We went right from there to the press conference, the first one. And then basically we had to just put together, you know, a really tough uh, training camp, a lot of sparring. You know, it, it was it was really tough. And by the way, the first time we spoke, you were an MMA fighter. Why did you leave MMA to go into boxing? Well, for this reason, I was I was preparing for another MMA fight after my last one. I can't, you know, I lost my 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 last MMA fight during COVID, so I was getting ready for another one. And then this came about. So people around me advised me, you know, just don't take a risk, and you know, you could risk getting injured, you could break a limb or whatever have you. Let's just do the Mayweather fight. So I was like, listen, I'm all in. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm here to do. So we, we, we pulled out of the fight and we just prepared for Floyd. We, we thought this was going ahead full steam two years ago. Mm. So I was in a full boxing training camp for a year straight getting ready for Floyd. And then it fell apart. So I said, you know, I might as well just take a boxing fight now and, and, and just try to, you know, see what I could do here. Because I, already did, I, I stopped fighting MMA for a full year and a half and you know you stop grappling and you're kicking it, it's a lot so i just turned my attention fully to boxing and this somehow fell into our laps again out of the blue and you know, we didn't ask for it it just came out of nowhere and in the build-up you know like like you said april and press conference and then fight week what was it like dealing with floyd's team uh were there games shenanigans were there issues or was it pretty smooth sailing no, up until the fight no. Yeah, listen, I, I will say this about all Floyd's people and his team, his security. They were nothing but gentlemen. They're all good people. They rolled the red carpet out for us. They, you know, they made me feel very uh, important and special, which, listen, they didn't have to do that. The, the fight week as a whole was, was very was very fun. You know, I made a lot of good memories that week with my family and, and everything else. As, as a whole, you know, the event, it was, it was awesome. I had a good time. Was it surreal for you, like, when you're squaring up with this guy, you're facing off? You're not even at, in the ring. Like I'm talking like press conference, you're doing the face-off. And then in the, at any point are you like, holy crap, I can't believe this is actually happening and that I'm staring at a guy that I look up to as a kid? Many times. You know, I, I was Floyd's biggest advocate as a kid. You know, all I did was watch his fights. You know, huh. I, was, I did a school project on Floyd Mayweather when I was in eighth grade. So that's how much, you know, he, he kind of dictated my life, made me fall in love with combat sports, you know, and made me start boxing from a young age. So the fact that I'm getting ready to fight Floyd, you know, it, it, it was surreal. And it was even more surreal when I see him step in the ring, standing across from me, you know, but it got, it got real pretty quickly in there. Yeah. Were you nervous? I actually was, was relaxed. And that, that caught me off guard because Floyd came out with bad intentions quick. You know, I, I thought he was going to just ease into the fight and we were going to do what we had to do. And he came out with vicious intent, right off the bat and he hurt me quick he hurt me within like 25 30 seconds so you know i had to recover the next several rounds and you know by the time i got going i got my rhythm by the end of the fourth fifth sixth round you see me slowly picking it up and landing here and there and then you know early in the fight floyd was taunting you know my whole crowd and section heavy and saying what he had to say and, and i kind of said to floyd in the fight i said it's like that and he made it very clear it's like that. So, listen, the minute I started doing it back to Floyd, it became a problem. You know, the minute I started taunting him back and when I started cursing him back and engaging, all of a sudden it became a problem. But early on, Kenny Bayless didn't say two words to Floyd. You know, that, that's 
it, it wasn't right. It wasn't fair. So I'm not, I'm not playing victim. You know, it is what it is. We had fun, but you know, they should, they should have been fair regarding that. And uh, I want to talk about like where it all kind of fell apart, but just for the record, uh, these exhibition fights, like the, there can't be a winner, right? Could you, could you even knock him out? Like, what are the rules for these? It's unclear. Well, unless, unless he knocks me out, or I knock him out, which he, he was trying hard early to knock me out. That's the only way there's a winner. Otherwise it's declared a draw just mutually. Okay. Um, and so, all right. So now you're talking about like the, the taunting and whatnot. We saw how it ended and Kenny Bayless yeah. has always been kind of known, you know, he's well known, but also maybe, uh, I don't know, known as maybe a guy who like Floyd is cool with to put it mildly. Um, yeah. the, the aftermath seemed to be, and I know it kind of blew up when Joe Rogan said it, but like that he called off the fight because you were grabbing onto him, you were clinching. Are, right. you, are you saying that's you're, that that's not true? That's not why it was that's called not off. The, that's not the case at all. I mean, throughout the six rounds, I probably clinched with Floyd four times. So Kenny Bayless came over to my corner and and Floyd's and warned us the round before and says, "You guys have to stop cursing at one another, otherwise, you know, I'm going to call the fight." So the next round comes out and we pick right back where we left off. You know, we're, we're every time we, we're in close quarters, when I, even I'm covering up, I'm popping out of my shell and I'm cursing at him. He's cursing at me. So the final exchange, I throw four, like a four punch combination and I get in a clinch again, but I, I get my forearm in his throat and he does it back to me. And then we start cursing again. And then Kenny Bayless just waves the fight off, which you know it's unheard of. People have this narrative that I was clinching him the whole fight. And I got disqualified, and then I was uh, I, I was a bitter, sore loser, and I attacked Floyd. That's not how it went. You know, you could hear Kenny Bayless after the fight on audio say he warned me and Floyd numerous times to stop or we're going to call the fight. And that's exactly what happened. But I just never seen anything like that done before. It, it was very weird. Yeah, since when does a fight get called off because of cursing? I have no idea. You know, I was confused, and Floyd was confused. And then, you know, I acted on emotion, which... You're looking back on it was stupid because people could have got hurt that had nothing to do with it. But I just went off my emotion and, um, you know, I went after him because I, I feel like they robbed me of my best rounds, to be honest. And I, I, was, I was getting my second win and I started settling in a little bit, feeling good. And, and they called the fight. So I, it didn't make sense to me whatsoever. I was disappointed. And was this scheduled for eight rounds or 10 rounds? This was eight rounds, so we eight. had two more to go. Yeah, um, and and uh, when like could you give me a, a taste of what you guys were saying to you? Like, how bad was this? It wasn't at all. It was just uh, you're a bitch. Yeah. You're a bitch too. <laughs> fuck you and fuck you. <laughs> and that's it. And, that, and he that's calls it. it off for that. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so when he calls it off, what is going on in your mind? I wanted I wanted Floyd in the worst way. So so you know I looked at him and I tell him f you. And, I, and I, I juke Kenny Bayless out, and I went after him. We just started, like, street fighting, basically. And then all hell broke loose. You know, it was 100 guys in the ring, and it was crazy. Uh, I'm just glad nobody got hurt. That had nothing to do sure. with it. Sure. Uh, do you think Kenny Bayless called off the fight because he saw that you were starting to do better? 100%. Listen, people could say I'm crazy. 100%. I was touching him a little bit, I was, but I was getting closer to him. And then in the sixth round, we clinched. I kissed Floyd on the cheek. And I basically told him, that's it. You have nothing left. You, you shot your wad early in the fight, and I was comfortable. I felt his power diminish. His speed was gone. And, and I started, you know, I started letting my hands go, and I was catching him. And then conveniently, they just, they called the fight off. I mean, it made zero. I'd never seen that all the years I'm watching boxing. I'd never seen that done before. So do you think Kenny Bayless is, like, essentially on Team Floyd here, and he's looking out for him? Oh, yeah. That's his guy. You know, he goes with Floyd every fight. So 
The only fight he wasn't the ref was the Logan Paul fight, and Logan clinched a lot in that fight. Right. You know, so that's Floyd's guy. They're not going to make Floyd look bad at any cost, even if it's a little bit. So, of course, he was protecting Floyd. Uh, how bad was the melee? Like, did you get hit by anyone? Uh, I mean, when I was getting pulled out of the ring, I got sucker punched by somebody I, I couldn't see, but it wasn't too bad. You know, cooler heads prevailed. You know, my, my head coach, Derek Panza, he got right in the middle of it. And Floyd security guards rushed the ring, and you know they were just trying to defuse it. It was the it was the extras that came into the ring who had nothing to do with anything. You see them all jumping over the ropes. They were the antagonizers. They were trying to get to me. They were trying to make the fight you know get worse than what it was. But that's why, as I said, it was dangerous. You know, and all the way walking back to the locker room, there was brawls all throughout the arena. You know, guys, I was getting hit with bottles. Guys were getting knocked out. It, it was crazy. It could have got very bad. So, you know, I, I couldn't understand why the commission had no security there. There was no cops there. I mean, looking back at it now, I just, like I said, I, I thank God nobody was hurt. Uh, those people in the ring, like what percentage were Floyd, Floyd's guys compared to your guys? Um, I would say it was about 60, 40 in Floyd's favor. Okay. Um, Maybe more. And uh, did he get hit at all? Nah, he... He was acting like, you know, he was sitting up on the ropes, smiling and having a good time. You know, it's easy to act like a tough guy when you have uh, six foot eight security guards yeah. bum rushing everybody else. My guys, you know, they're just some of my family and training partners. They're half the size. And, you know, they stood their ground and, and they did what they had to do. You know, they're not getting paid for it. They did that out of love, love for me. So Floyd's guys, Floyd's paying his security to help him. Uh, so when you go to the back and, and everything's going, I'm sure like emotions are very high. Do you see him? Do you talk to him? Any interaction with Floyd? No, I, I don't want. He wanted to, to talk, and I, I want to know part of it. I don't want to talk to him. My father, however, went to his locker room and they talked and hashed it out. You know, listen, there's no animosity towards Floyd. I'm not. I'm not. I said he was my enemy for life out of uh, out of anger, but he's not my enemy. You know, he did his job. His job is entertaining box, and, and so is mine. You know, I still have respect for Floyd, and even at 46, you see him in the ring. How great he is you know his reflexes at 46 are phenomenal his, his speed so listen it, it was a great experience to, to to share the ring with floyd and it's a memory i'll never forget for the rest of my life that's for sure um so it, it's good to hear you say that because I, I know it got a little tense in the aftermath i think even like your sister got yeah. involved and his daughter and all this yeah. stuff where does it stand with all of that uh it got diffused you know we're we're, we're good you know we we uh We've been speaking, you know, my, my father's been in touch with their team and there's no bad blood here. You know, it's, it's business and we did what we had to do and we squash it and we move on. Okay. Do you, uh, do you not like the way that you have been painted or your family's been painted or the way this has been covered in the aftermath? Listen, it is what it is. You know, the guy, he's a public enemy, number one, I guess, forever. So they're going to do everything they can to throw dirt on me. And, and, and the thing that upset me was it, the way these articles were describing the fight, it wasn't the case, you know. It, it painted me like this sore loser who just attacked Floyd uh, like, like out, of, out of anger, which I did attack him out of anger, but it wasn't the case, you know, during the fight. You know, we, Floyd Floyd talked a big game during that fight, and the fight didn't bother me. It's the words that got me, you know. Once you start saying certain things, it, it becomes personal for me in that regard. So that's why I attacked, I attacked it, but... It is what it is. We moved on from it. You know, we're adults. It's business. Did he say any things about your family that really bothered you? No, no. Floyd, Floyd. you know, all he said was good things about my family in the lead up to the fight. You know, 
he he actually when he was pretty boy floyd you know, he wrote my father when my father was away in like 2003 you know nothing but love and respect so there was something with me that irked him i guess you know at the weigh-in we came out with like an army at the weigh-in and my people which you know they, they they know better to do that they were booing him on stage and floyd wants you know floyd wants it all to be about floyd floyd wants to be the center of attention at all times he probably said to himself who's this kid this this kid that's under the radar getting all this attention this fight week talking the big game so i'm gonna make an example out of this kid you know that was his mentality and i knew that, that when i got to the arena floyd was already there floyd's always late for everything i was early and I looked on the big screen, I see Floyd already warming up. So I said to my trainer, man, he's coming, he's coming to make an example of me. And and then when I heard he was looking to wear Cleo Reyes gloves, anybody who knows anything about boxing knows Cleo Reyes gloves are puncher's gloves. That's when you want to hurt somebody and, and you're looking to hurt somebody. So right then and there, I knew you know it was on and he was coming at me, you know, with bad intentions. By the way, what did he write your father about in 2003? He just sent him a picture of, of him with all his belts, and he said, to John Gotti Jr., love Floyd Mayweather. Wow, just like unprompted? Yeah, through a mutual friend, that uh, a guy named Tommy Summers, who used to write my father all the time. He was very close to Floyd at one point. I don't believe they are anymore, and he kind of was like the middleman between all that. Okay. Um, you got suspended yeah. for your role in the aftermath. Has Floyd been suspended? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't believe so, but, uh, I, is that I fair? If we were working on, we're working on something now, you know, to, to lift that suspension, you know, I honestly don't know what the commission's role in all this was. I mean, they were there for a photo op, to be honest. Uh, they didn't do their job one bit, you know, they had one job to do. They couldn't even secure the ring before the fight. The fight was delayed by like five minutes because people weren't in their seats. I mean, it was complete chaos. And then there was no security. Like I, like I said earlier, no cops there. I mean, that, that could have got really, really bad. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm just glad nobody, you know, yeah. got hurt. And we're talking about the Florida Commission, of course, uh, which, you know, has been yeah. known to be a little bit, you know, not the best, uh, to put it mildly. Yeah. So uh, the suspension, does that include a fine or just a suspension? No, from, from as far as I know, just a suspension. Okay. Are you trying to get a rematch with Floyd? We're in talks right now, actually, to, to, to do something. So we'll see where it goes. You know, from what I understood after the fight, it was the most Google thing in the whole world. So Floyd's a businessman. Floyd wants to capitalize on that, and he wants to make money. So listen, if they want to do it again, I'm here. And I, and I promise you this time I'm going to come out guns and blazing as soon as that, that bell rings. I'm gonna, we're going to fight now. Uh, what is your confidence level in terms of, like, it happening? Because as you say, you were, you were, you were doing better as the fight went on. Maybe he's like... Yeah, man, you know, I don't want to go through this all over again. No, he want it, it, my confidence is through the roof right now with it happening. He oh, wow. Floyd wants to do it, so he wants to do it. We're in, we're in talks right, right now, and hopefully, get the date gets locked in very soon. Could you tell us the time frame of when it's being discussed? Like for for when it, is it being discussed? October. Okay, and uh, safe to yeah. say it won't be in uh, in Florida. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, it's not going to be in Florida now. October, you know, that's in four months, right? how yeah. does that work with the suspension or are you confident it's going to get reduced? Cause the suspension is for six months, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm confident it's going to get reduced. You know, we, my team right now is, is on it right now to, to get that lifted. But, um, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how it works with if I'm suspended in Florida or if I'm suspended everywhere. I don't know how that works, but most Americans, I think it's going to get lifted. Most American yeah. States will honor the suspension 
just so that oh, everyone's yeah. on the same page. But like you go overseas okay. and you know, sometimes there's no commission, they don't they won't honor it, right? Like if you go to Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia, is that where you're going? Is it going gonna be in Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi? Well, we're not sure yet. Okay. Listen, wherever they tell me I'm there. So but but like Chael Sonnen said, Chael had said that it kind of they kind of used me as a scapegoat, you know, the commission. So, you know, I'm sure they didn't want no no to be liable for anybody getting hurt or lawsuits. So they kind of used me as a, as a fall guy. You know, it is what it is. But you know, I'm confident it's gonna get lifted. Can we uh, can we maybe throw a stipulation in there? Like, well, why does it have to be an exhibition? Why can't we make this a pro fight? I, I wish. You know, Floyd's never gonna put his fifty uh, no record on the line for anybody. He's past that. He he's he's content with his career and um, all he's accomplished. Right now, for him, just entertaining and making money. So that's that's all he wants to do. Speaking of money, you may not know the answer to this, but do you have any idea how much he gets paid for these exhibition fights? Uh, no, but I'm assuming it's a whole lot of money. A whole right. lot more than I made. Uh, are you happy with how much you made for it? Yes, yes. Biggest payday yeah. of your career? Yeah, by far. Okay, so it's worth it for you to go through all this nonsense. Yeah, I, listen, I don't I don't even do this to the, for the money to begin with. I, I really don't. I do this for the love. I got into MMA for the love of it, so... If you're getting that, if you're getting compensated well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I put my heart and soul into this 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 career in this training camp. You know, it feels good when you accomplish something and, and you get compensated well. But I never done this for the money. I do this for the love. Are you done with MMA? I don't think so. You know, I got unfinished business over there. I I can't go out on a loss. Yeah. You know, so that wrong has to get written right, and we'll go from there. But listen, these, this came out of nowhere. So yeah. I'm just rolling with the punches, right? I never anticipated potentially fighting Floyd twice. You know, maybe in a video game. You know, as a made-up character. This is life, right? This this is the landscape of boxing we're in right now. You know, with all all that's going on, this is reality. I thought you were going to sign with PFL or Bellator a couple of years ago. Was that ever close? Um, we were in talks with, with PFL. You know, they were very interested PFL because they were going to allow me to box and do MMA, which is uh-huh. something I wanted to do. You know, then they're they're awesome. You know, they're they're top notch guys. You know, they're just good guys. You know, they reached out even for this fight. They have nothing to do with me. So, but it just never came to fruition. You know, maybe one day it could, but you know, right now my my focus is just on this. Okay, and and once you know this rematch happens, and hopefully it all goes well, is this like a new lane for you? Like this influencer boxing world? Is this obviously your your last name is a very famous one? So I'm sure a lot of these promotions would love to have you on their card uh is this something that you're interested in pursuing yeah absolutely you know i think i'm going to leave my mark after this next one and i i believe all the opportunities are going to come from this you know listen one thing about the influencer boxing scene right now there's a lot of money to be made and there's a lot of good fights actually you know some of these some of these influencer kids they're pretty talented you know they they know how to fight and they're, they're a big draw so you know anything could come from you know after this fight, any, anything's possible. So, listen, I'm just rolling with the punches right now. I'm enjoying the ride. And uh, like I said, it's still surreal for me that I just fought Floyd. Yeah. Because, you know, he was like, uh, if a kid who played basketball look up to Michael Jordan, that's how Floyd was for me. So the fact that I fought him, you know, it's it's going to be surreal for, for a long time. And potentially fighting him again, it, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Do you still feel that way about him, considering what was said and what happened in the aftermath? I don't. I don't. You know, now, now, now I'm going into the next fight. It's personal. So now we're going to fight. I'm going to take it to him every second of the round. So going into the first fight, I did have that admiration still for Floyd and that, that love and respect. 
and uh you know it's different now it's different when you when you cross certain lines with, with, with the talking now it becomes personal for me because floyd didn't have to go there you know neither did i but i made it clear like i said very early in the fight you know we're gonna go there you know it's like that and he said it's yes yeah, like that so that's a base exactly what he said back to me so so you know i had to had to do the same thing back and it became personal for both of us do you have any now it's war with me and floyd uh, do you have any regrets no, not at all. Not at all. Listen, I don't regret attacking him. My, my my regret, my only regret is if someone would have got hurt. You know, then you know I take full responsibility for run, going after Floyd. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm thankful nobody got hurt because that that could have got very ugly. When I'm looking back on it now, how chaotic that was. You know, those people fighting all over the arena. There was people uh, rushing back in the locker room. People who were sitting in the nosebleeds were in my locker room. I how they even <laughs> got there. Jeez. You know, is is beyond me. You know. It was, it was chaos. There was females fighting in the back. It was just everybody was fighting just to fight at that point. They wanted to just get in on the action. Anything that we didn't talk about or address that you want to get off your chest here? No, that's it. Yeah, that's about okay. it. That sums up the the crazy week as a whole. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, can't believe all the views on that. It, it, it got all nuts. And uh, listen, it's funny how things come uh, full circle. You know, the first time I, I met you, I was headed to a whole different podcast. <laughs> My friend who passed away, Sergio De Silva, used to be a Bellator fighter. We somehow ended up on the other side of the city, me and my brother. You're crossing the street as I'm getting ready to turn around and go the other way. And I said, that's Ariel. My brother didn't really know. I said, he's one of the biggest names in MMA. So I got out. I introduced myself to you. I said, I'm getting ready to make my pro de debut in a couple of months. And now here we are just getting done fighting Floyd. You know, life is uh, definitely weird. That's for sure. It's crazy, man. It really is crazy. Yeah. Um, well, congrats yeah. on all your success. I'm sorry it didn't pan out the way you wanted to at the end of that fight, but uh, good luck getting yeah. the rematch and uh, good luck in the Thank fight. Uh, Floyd's never Thank run you, it back with any of these guys, so you know that would be a first. And uh, hopefully you can uh, finish what you started back on June 11th. So thanks so much, John. Appreciate it and good luck to you. Thanks for having me, Ariel. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you. Same here. Uh, there he is, uh, the one and only John Gotti the third, talking about his uh, fight against Floyd Mayweather and uh, a potential rematch. How about that? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fascinating stuff. There's millions of views on Twitter and all over the place of that, uh, that post-fight melee. Crazy stuff. Um, why can't they just make it, you know... 
a real fight. Like, why can't? Why does it have to be a an exhibition? I don't know. Just make it legit. Put the fifty and zero on the on the line. Why not? All right. <clears throat> so that's the uh, John Gotti the third uh, side of the story. Now let's move along to August fifth. August fifth, highly anticipated bout. Uh, between one Jake Paul and Nathan Diaz. You may have heard of it. Uh, we also found out yesterday that it's now a 10-round fight, not an 8-round fight. It's going down in Dallas on DAZN pay-per-view. Uh, we know about some of the fights on the card, uh, namely Amanda Serrano against Heather Hardy 2. Uh, we also know about uh, Nathan's longtime training partner and very good friend Chris Avila fighting on the card as well. But as of right now, we don't know who he is fighting. Let us change that. And let us talk to Chris about August 5th and much more. There he is, our old friend Chris Avila. Hello, Chris. How are you? What up, Barry? I'm good. How are you? Uh, it's good to have you back on, my friend. Uh, we, we all remember your your great uh, appearance back in July when the whole crew was there. Machiavelli was there. Everyone was there. And uh, you, you have been successful since. You are fighting on this August 5th card. And let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to the news. Who are you fighting on August 5th? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Frank, can we get some breaking news music? Okay, now it's a <laughs> Iron Mike Tyson. Ah, yes. That's fucking Whoa, look at you. You versus – what, uh, wait? Heavyweight. Okay. <laughs> that would be okay. insane, by the way. Chris Avila versus Mike Tyson, that would be nuts. No, uh, I don't think that is the news, unless someone told me the wrong <laughs> thing beforehand. Sorry. No, I'm fighting uh, Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens. I like this. Frank, Frank, another breaking news, if we may. That's big. Little heathen Jeremy Stevens coming off his boxing match against uh, Jose Aldo, longtime yeah. UFC fighter. It's you versus Jeremy Stevens, August 5th. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be the featured bout on the card. So. Wow. How do you feel about this? Uh shit, I'm ready to go. I was wanting a, a hard I wanted a, a legit fight, you know, I wanted to fight someone a real fighter. Either it was a a real boxer or someone who's been in the game and has got a experience like Joe Jeremy Stevens. So uh I'm I'm excited because I'm I'm uh I'm ready to test myself. Like I've been I've been uh, active boxing, so and I know um I know what I'm capable of, and uh, I'm ready to fight the top guys right now. And yeah. I think I think Jeremy Stevens is a good challenge. This is very fun, especially for this type of card. Um, is it fair to say, like, you know, you did a couple of the influencer guys, but now you want to move on from that? Yeah, so I fought, yeah, my last guy was, I guess you can call him an influencer or a pro boxer. He right. was a... Uh, he was a legit pro boxer. He had he had some fights and um but he wasn't I guess he I don't know what he really was, if he was an influencer or not, but yeah, I smoked him. That guy wasn't on my level. So uh I was asking for for a tough fight and um they had a bunch of names. I was gonna almost fight a couple like um real boxers, but I like this fight because it's more I think it's more exciting for people if people know who he is. He's been in the he had a run a good run in the UFC. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, everyone knows who he is. So uh I think that's a good uh 
good opportunity for me to to show everybody what the level I'm on. So I'm um, gonna we'll be out there and uh, we make it. It's an eight round fight, so I'll be ready to go. Uh, what weight? Uh, one sixty eight. Okay, you like that weight? Yeah, I do. Um, my last few fights have been kind of heavy. I fought. I fought on the on the fir- on the the Jake Paul uh, Tyron Woodley card. The second fight they had, I fought Taylor. I was at sixty eight, and then I went on to fight Doctor Mike. Mm-hmm. I was at eighty five. Um, that was the heaviest I've ever fought. But and so and then uh, my last fight in April was against the Paul Bomba guy, and that was at seventy five. So. I'm, I, I like to sit around where I walk around. I like to fight where I walk around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no point of cutting all this weight just to go and fight somebody. And it's kind of doesn't I, make any sense. I but. feel you. Uh, are, are you done with MMA? You've had all this success. I think you won 10 of your last 12 rounds, something like that. I mean, you've, you've, you've done great in boxing. Are you done in MMA? You just shook your head, so I guess not. No, I'm. A, I want to fight uh, MMA. I want to go back to MMA because I feel like I haven't. I have some unfinished business uh, to to handle there. I I I fought in UFC. I fought in Bellator. I fought in the old PFL. I fought. In, I fought almost every organization. So um, I want. I never really got a fair shake in in MMA. I I never knock on wood. I've never been finished. Yeah, out of all 20 fights I've had, 20-plus fights, even in boxing, um, I've never been finished. I've always lost crappy decisions. And, and um, so I never, like, I, when I did fight in UFC, I, I, well, I was a young kid. And I, was, I, was, I was, like, 22, and I was new to the game, and I was cutting the – I always fought at 45. I'm a kind of bigger frame kind of guy, and I was cutting a lot of weight and uh, went on. And I just – I've always had decision losses, and it wasn't really exciting. And But now that I'm older and I got a lot of experience, more experience, um, I want to go back to MMA whenever, whenever I'm kind of ready to go. I'm ready whenever, but I'm, all, I'm still training – uh, martial arts, like jujitsu daily and stuff like that. And <clears throat> so, yeah, like I come from a real fighting team. And so I would like to fight um, whatever, wherever's the, the biggest fights. And, like, side, I would like to fight like in Japan, like, oh, that'd be like, in, a, yeah, like in a real like uh, pride setting, yeah. something like that. Like, That'd be kind of dope. I'm right down now, for all. Right now, this is going well for you, right? Like you're getting good paydays, you're getting good opportunities. Hard to complain about all of this. No, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm getting a good opportunity. I've been getting treated well. Um, so, shit, I'm. I appreciate all of that, and um, yeah. So this fight is another good opportunity right here. So to show everybody what level I'm on, and and uh, I plan on taking care of this fight i plan on smoking this guy like ah <laughs> no i'm serious no uh, i know so. i believe you I, lo- I love it did you watch his fight <laughs> against aldo what did what'd you say did you watch his uh, boxing match against aldo back in april uh, yeah i did i did what'd you make of uh, uh, how he fought that was his first pro boxing bout 
I mean, they, they, they did okay. Um, they fought at a littler weight. They fought at like 147, I think. Okay. So, uh, but besides that, I thought they, I thought they both did good. Um, Jose Aldo's older. I don't know how Jeremy Stevens is a little older. I, I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, you weren't too uh, impressed, though, it seems like. I'm not saying I'm not impressed. I wasn't impressed. I mean, like, it wasn't. That's You were just like, all what right, whatever. I expect that's what I, that's what I expect if yeah, I were yeah. to see them. <laughs> it was a good fight, though. I mean, like, I think of all the. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was all right. Not hating. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Is all this a little bit unexpected for you in the sense that, like, maybe you didn't really have great aspirations to be a boxer, but, like, now you're getting all these opportunities and you're just kind of riding the wave? Like, it seemed like your your dreams was to be, like, a, you know, a great MMA fighter, and that's still possible, but, like, this kind of came out of the blue, and you're just taking the ball and running with it, as opposed to this being a dream of yours to be a pro boxer. Was it a dream of yours? I think it was. Um... It kind of like it. It kind of makes sense though because if you like, I started boxing when I started training as a teenager. I had like uh, before I trained jujitsu and before I started fighting MMA, I was a boxer. I had a I I had a legit boxing coach. Um, I trained in a boxing gym every day. I had uh, I had a ton of amateur boxing fights. Um, I was fighting every weekend. I was competing. My coach would have me compete. And so then I went pro boxing back in 2014. And then that's at the, around the time I was already training jujitsu. So I had, uh, I had my first pro boxing fight in 2014 before I went pro in MMA. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I had like, um, so boxing is kind of my bread and butter. Okay. And so, so now all that time passed and I was fighting, uh, MMA, uh, I was training, I was training with my team with, with Nate and, and, and all the guys. And, um, I was training jujitsu every day and I was sparring, uh, like all the guys and, 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 um, so they were like, Hey, well, you're going to fight, you want to fight. He's going to be, you're going to fight MMA and pro. So I was thrown in the cage and, uh, I just, yeah, I've been been in there since that, and then now, 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 <clears throat> these opportunities are coming up. I'm not in like contract with anybody. Like, so uh, before that, like right after COVID, I was like, I was trying to figure out where I'm gonna go with my career, and so like I took a couple of little MMA fights, and and uh, I won those quickly, and and. Uh, and then the boxing opportunity came, and I, I fought Taylor in Bellator right before COVID. Yeah. And, um, they, yeah, so then after that, he was always running his mouth. And then, anyway, he ended up being a sparring partner with Jake. And then, like, yeah. um, that I forgot. So I was trying to fight him. I was trying to get my rematch with him in Bellator. And then they're like, no, he's going to do a boxing fight. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And then um, they were like, hey, would you like to fight boxing? I'm like, hell yeah. But <laughs> so then we fought, and that was an eight-round fight. Smoked him eight rounds to zero. And then um, <laughs> and then my last my – last, so, yeah, I haven't lost a round in boxing, knock on wood. Yeah, it's going great. 
It's going good, yeah. How's uh how's Nathan's training for Jake going? He's looking like a beast, like he always is. No, he's doing really good. Um, he's looking sharp, and um, to all the haters out there, you'd be surprised. Yeah, what's up with all these haters coming out and saying I did this and that? I don't know. I mean, what's up with this? It's, it's just part of the game. But I saw some haters like when you posted that. Uh, you posted your your uh, your your lineup for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were haters. Couple of haters out there, so fuck you to all those yeah, haters. Fuck them, everyone. They always, they're always fucking hating. Why? So much hate out there. I saw one training partner say like, oh, "I smoked Nate." Like, isn't there a code where you oh, don't talk about that yeah. stuff? Yeah, no, that guy's, a, bro. That guy got fucked up. Really? And so, you know, yeah, we just got back. We were out. We were out in uh, L.A. and uh, we went to a boxing gym. This guy's like a silver medalist out of Brazil and. We, whatever he's 30 and oh he's fighting for a world title next week and then um boxers are like that they're bro they're like pretty dumb um it's like <laughs> they think like they think like oh they're passive they're really passive and and like and so nate sparred this guy and then did 12 rounds and they did 12 rounds so the guy was like acting like, bro, he got fucking, he lost every round. And afterwards, he immediately goes up to the coach, oh, I'm cutting weight. That's why I didn't look too good. Da, da, da. And then you see on his story, he's like, it's in Portuguese. So we had somebody translate. And he was talking like shit. And then like the next day, we went back and the coach was like, oh, he wants to spar you. So I sparred him. Oh. And then. <clears throat> I he lost every round again and he still goes and talks some more shit in Portuguese, but we didn't know until after all the sparring. Uh, well, anyways, to that guy, fuck that guy too. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of which, I was there at the press conference in Dallas when that kid said what he said about Nick. I saw you guys. I mean, you were ready to fucking go over there and kick the shit out of that kid, right? Uh, that kid's no, I can't say that. That kid is uh. <laughs> Whatever, fuck that little boy. Um, like, what happens if like, you guys see him like, in Dallas? How are you going go to go around talking like that? Oh, it was crazy. I actually kind of yeah, regretted so. it a little bit not saying anything there. Like, it, it kind of bothered me how disrespectful he was. To I think you told, him, uh, you told him it was, he was being disrespectful or something like that, Something, right? but I feel like I should have said more. I mean, you can't talk about Nick like that. I mean, what is going on here? No, for sure not. No respect. Uh, zero respect, my kid. What happens if you guys see him fight week? Try not to hurt him. Try to slap. Him. <laughs> right. I was playing. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For real, I was, yeah. was going to say, when you're like, who are you fighting? I was going to say, uh, Derek. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, the Tyson one was much better. It was it was much better. I, know, I, was, I don't want to ever put myself in that category. Mike sure. Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this is, I mean, a pretty big honor, I would imagine, for you because it's a real fight co-promotion, right? So the fact that you're on this one... For what this I see, yeah, there it is. This is a big deal for you guys. How many guys on the team are going to be on this card? Do you have any? I know it's still being finalized, but I'm assuming it's more than you and Nathan, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> it's Nate, me, um, our guy Alan Sanchez. He's a he's a pretty good. He's a legit pro boxer, and Jose Aguayo and uh, Luciano Ramos. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So we got oh yeah, those are those are our guys. Is Jeremy like team MVP on this one or is he is he neutral? How we uh you know I paint? would say probably neutral, but okay. <clears throat> you can go over there. I don't care. Yeah. With us. <laughs> He's not with us. Yes. Uh well uh, I like this. It appeals to the uh the MMA audience, but it's a straight pro boxing bout. Uh he looked solid, I thought, in his Aldo fight. You have looked solid. What do you think happens? Like you beat Jeremy Stevens. What's the next move? Back to MMA or are you gonna stick with boxing? Um, I'm up for either. I, I'm kind of on a good roll right now with boxing. So yeah. I know I can get by this guy. So I would like to see who's next in boxing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to keep uh, building my boxing record and fight the top guys. Like I want to fight these exci- guys who are exciting guys who draw people, guys who've been in the game and like, you know, like big names. I want, I want a big name. I want, I want to fight the guys who I should have been fighting a long time ago. I never got that. So I'm here now. I'm still, I haven't gone anywhere and I'm barely getting started. I feel like, yeah. so I would like to fight some, I don't know any, I'm not going to say no names or nothing, but no, no. <clears throat> I was some, I, there's a lot of guys crossing over right now in the boxing. It's crazy. So it just depends. Like I wasn't expecting to fight Jeremy Stevens, but right. Like, I wasn't expecting to fight Dr. Mike. I wasn't right. expecting to fight a lot of these guys. So I'm going to, I'm just seeing where it all goes. And um, yeah. I don't know pretty. if you get this too, but uh, I get a lot of street cred and love from like the 11 year old crowd because of your fight with Dr. Mike. Like they see the video blog that he put and they're like, Oh, you met Dr. Mike. And, 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 and what was up with that guy that he was fighting, Chris? And why did he be – do you get a lot of messages like that? Because I get a lot of messages, especially my kids' friends want to talk to me about your fight in particular with Dr. Mike. It's crazy. All these months later. Do you get that too? I do. It's amazing. Uh, he's a good guy. I guess guy, he though. has a different uh, fan base. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he's I'm a like, good guy. I, 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 yeah, like I, I explain to people who – and then I get a lot of older – like – Mom's kind of like you, Doctor Mike. Why would you fight that? I'm like, oh shit, I shouldn't have did that. But hey, you wanted to fight. You want? I was like, I'm a challenge. So challenge accepted. Uh, well, great stuff. Thanks for coming on and breaking the news, Chris. Uh, good luck in training, and we'll see you out there August fifth. Looking forward to it. Are you gonna be? Uh, yeah, commentating. I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. I'm on. I'm on the broadcast team. So I'm only gonna say good things about you. I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. I'll see you out there. All right, I appreciate it. All right, there he is, Chris Avila joining us. Chris Avila against one Jeremy Stevens. How about that? little breaking news here on the program. Oh, wow. They even sent out the, uh, the little, uh, the little uh, press release. Does it say as uh, first broken? Mm, mm, no. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No, first reported. No, nothing. A mm, couple of uh, quotes. No, no. Mm, nothing. All right. Perfect. Um, that's August 5th on DAZN, uh Boxing Pay-Per-View. Uh, let's move our attention now and uh, talk to one of our favorites. This man needs no introduction. It's great to have him back on the program. Some potential big news. Let's find out what's going on with this fight. But you know him. He's your friend and mine. He is the pride of Ecuador. He is the one and only Marlon Chido Vera. 
back on. Yeah, there he is. Marla, my guy, back outside in the backyard, the familiar spot. What are we drinking on this uh, Wednesday morning, Marlon? What do we got? Um, cold brew. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Nice and cold after training, you know. It's, bro, it's, you know, he's living good. Just staying happy, making sure life's good, family's good, and the rest is fucking just is go get it type of things. By the way, you you uh, drink your cold blue cold brew black. Is it uh, a little bit of milk in there? What do you have? Plain. I don't yeah. with my coffee. I don't fuck around. I don't add nothing, and I don't take nothing away. Okay. Black coffee, espresso, black coffee, cold brew. Regular. That's about it. That's it. Yeah. And the only thing outside the box, dirty chai. Oh, tremendous. You know what? Ooh. I appreciate that, that you say that, because sometimes I'm a little embarrassed when I order the dirty chai, because I feel like... Fuck it... no, bro. You're a G for drinking dirty yeah, chai. That's cool. Fucking, I drink dirty chai? Yeah, fucking hell. For those that don't know, that's it's chai good. with a shot of espresso, right? It's dirty. Yes. Oh, come on. We sneak people. <laughs> guess, guess what? Bronson loves dirty chai. I took him to my best coffee shop around my home. He loved it out here. He never had it? No, he's a chai guy. He's, he's part of us. Ah, uh, you see, I, that's why I love you guys. You see, I knew we were all kindred spirits. And I saw you on Fuck That's Delicious, too. Look at you hanging out with the boys. Bro, that was like, no kidding, no cap, no nothing. <laughs> that was like a dream come true because before I met him, I used to watch. I, you know, I, I'm a chef. I don't, you know, I, I, same way I'm a surfer, I love cooking. And I used to watch the show. Yeah. And it was so cool to me. Like, he brings his homies everywhere. And like instead of like doing things with other celebrities or other, he brought his crews like him and his homies doing crazy shit or fun shit. That's super cool. That I I pretty much copy that from him. Like when I travel, I always bring a friend now. Ah, because it's fucking dope. Like if 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 my family is not able to go, there's nobody to watch the kids, and it's not it's me and my wife. I brought a homie with me. Ah, and I'm like that's so fucking smart. You might as well live life, love life. I mean, what you don't want to experience it by yourself. Might as well share the experience. You know, I I need to start doing that too. This is this has opened my eyes. I like that. And by the way, congratulations! You uh, your daughter just graduated, right? What grade did she graduate from? Dude, from she's going to middle school now. Wow, like my son. Wait, she she graduated fifth. Uh, yeah, she's twelve. Yeah. Yeah, okay, like my son too. It's crazy, right? Isn't that amazing? Bro. Time's flying. I remember, like, before she was born, I was just a fuck. I was just, everything was going to the wrong side. Moment this thing came to my life, make me who I am, and I'm like, it looks it's like yesterday, and it was, it's not like yesterday. It's 12 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy how time goes, bro. It's gnarly. <sighs> I was fucking 17. You were 17 when you had your first kid? Yeah. Holy shit. I was turning I was turning nineteen. My wife was fresh seventeen. Sheesh. But we made it. We're happy and we got three fucking amazing kids. Yes. And a beautiful home as well. Uh yeah, you guys are a great couple and a great family and uh much love to you guys. And so we have a lot to talk about here. But what is going on here? Let's get to the I want to get to the new news first and then we go backwards to March, because we haven't talked since March, if you don't mind. Uh, we we get the report on Monday night that it's you versus Henry Cejudo, August 19th in Boston. But now people are saying that he's not in. He's maybe hurt. What's going on here? 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell anybody, right? Yeah. On my end, it's it's on. It's signed. Fighter is in shape. Fighter is working. The team is nice and good. We're good. We're ready to go. I'm really not, I'm not the type that goes and into the digging and I don't give two fucks. If he signs the the contract and he show up on on August 19, epic. If not, I don't give a fuck. Somebody else will, and it doesn't matter if it's him or anybody else. Whoever is in front of me, August 19, it's a wrap. I'm gonna put them fucking lights off, and I'm motivated. I'm disciplined, and whoever comes out that day is gonna get stopped. Hopefully, hopefully it happens. I don't know if it's hurt. I don't, you know. So I don't. I, I wouldn't talk crazy if I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Just you guys know on my end, it's undone. It's undone. We're ready to go. So you're fighting regardless. You want it to be Henry, but if it's not Henry, you are fighting on August 19th in Boston, or any other day. Two weeks to in London. Any like I'm ready to go. I'm just just sell me plane tickets and. And you know, and some bread. Okay. And and how do you feel about this Cejudo matchup? Like when you were approached about feel, fighting him? I feel great. I think uh I really feel like this is a similar scenario of like Connor Chad Mendes. I feel I have I have feelings like that specific with him, but like I'm just feeling like the last fight didn't win my way and what I learn from that is like in a if in a bad day you still show up and you're still trying to push from that you can only jump forward you can only go to another level because i as i said in the in 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 the octave after the fight i was like no excuses i was just i couldn't get started it, it, it's on me like it's like fighting sick it's like fighting i don't know it's like i don't even know how to explain it but i, I won't even get to it because they let it go. It's like, you can live off the past. You can cry over spilled milk. So I'm like, cool. Went back to the gym. And it's just, everything I had before the last fight and before the last three, four fights, I have it just as hard now. The motivation, the the desire, the aiming high. But it's just 10,000 bigger. Like right now, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's like getting to a 30-year-old level that just put me like everything just sinking and it's like okay that that was a setback that was a that was definitely a failure but there's two options sit down and fucking you know be gone forever or just go and fix it and just go and make it happen you know you just create your future by by the everyday doing the right thing and staying on top of your shit and that's what right now i I swear to God, like I, the Sehuda fight is a huge fight. I would love that to happen, but you know the 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 fool is playing games. You know he went out of the game for a couple of years, came back, talked all crazy, couldn't do shit in the fight. So it's like I'm just like if he's him, cool. I think it's a great fight. Put me right back in the in the in the title contention position, which I feel I am. I'm one of those guys. I can fight for the belt any day, so I'm not. I'm not down at all. I'm fucking pretty hype up and pretty ready to go and just just prove me. Prove me that I'm better than I am. Prove me that I, that, I, that I will be a world champion and 
let's see if, if he might up and do it. Or let's see if he's actually injured. If he's actually injured, well, fuck, recover. But let's see what happens. So let's talk about March if we can. Um, looking back, I'm, I'm assuming you've watched it? Oh, yeah. Well, I watched it at least like, um, you know, like in other fights. Let's see. Let's put an example. When I fought Young Lineker. Yeah. I shouldn't even... I shouldn't even be there. I was I had a couple of fights in the UFC. No one to fight him. He's, he was he was ranked number three. It was it was a crazy matchup. It's like, hey, Lineker is available. He's willing to fight anybody. Fuck, you know, when you go and watch the fight, I can tell like, okay, I'm playing safe. I'm just trying to kick. I'm trying to don't get punched. But it's still, you know, um, kind of like props on the guy to take the on me to take the fight because I was I was nothing back then. But in, in, when you when you watch that, you're like, okay, you're holding here. You really don't want to get punched, or you just weren't at the level. When they go and watch this one, it's like it's like it's crazy. Like you just like my mind was there. Like my eyes, like I was defending well. I was never hurt, you know. But it was just like my the pop, the the explosion, that nervous system. It just was fully off, and I can. You know, I can point a finger to anybody and be like, oh, it's because of this or it's because of that or it's your fault or fuck you. It's just like, you know, it was one of those days. Like, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're like, fuck, I don't want to do it. But when, if you're still showing up and you're still trying, you're still trying to push yourself to go through, that's when you break another barrier of like pushing those edges. And I feel like that that part of me, like, I was wanting, I was really trying to fight. I was really trying to engage. I was really trying to like fight the way I fight. It was just my body was like, I can feel like it was like nothing in my punches, nothing in my kicks. And I was like, well, seems it's going to be a hard night and I got to just push. And, and coach got it. He was like, he, even he saying in the corner, oh, he's flat. And flat for the people that doesn't know means that you're, you're, it's like a flat tire. Like in boxing, it's a, it's a boxing term, I believe. That's what he used it, but I was like, he knew that, and he was a student to give me that advice to kind of like figure it out. And I pick up the advice. He was like, okay, you punch here, and then you move to the other side, come back, similar to the cruise thing. But he just like nothing was in me, like no explosion, no no power. And I mean, I I know that that was it, you know. And for I just you know I just let it go because I was I was really down because I put. I put the crazy amount of work into this fight. And the fact that well, I was ready for the 18, and then they give me eight more weeks of camp is like, you know, I'm on top of my shirt. I never, I stopped. I was ready. I sacrificed so many things, but that's life. I talk about it in the past. You cannot only say this when you win, but even if you put everything into it, it's still no guarantee. And when, it's, when things like this happen and don't go your way, I mean, there's only one, in my mind, there's only one thing. Just reivindicate yourself. Just go back in there and get it because, you know, you can see, you can see the rainbow before a big storm, you know. So you got to go through sometimes and that's right here in my mind. That's what I know this. I, you know, in the lows, lows and the highest highs, you keep the same energy because life is a cycle and Paril always talk about it. One day you're on top and one day you could be a born. And if it's, if it's just one fight, you know what I'm saying? I'm still at top five. I'm still there, but one fight put you down because it's one fight at a time. It's not like we fight every weekend or right. every every other month. So 
but I've been doing a good job on a stay pretty fucking hard and stay pretty fucking consistent and, and just keep getting better. Have you ever felt that way during a fight or right before a fight, flat, as you said? Never. It, it, it happened in the gym before. Like, there's days in the gym that he's just like, everybody's just fucking owns me and everybody, you know, throw me around and you just as much as you're like, fuck, because you know when your body's not, you know, you know with, with days and bad days and, but there's some times that you are like fully, like there's nothing on you. And you know, guys at the highest level, like, you know, Jordans or, or guys like Kelly Slater, guys like that, they know what is that. The thing with them is like they can compete a couple times a year or way more than we do because it, it's one versus one and it's over into like the next Mm. four or six months especially when you're in the top five it gets the window gets really closer but you know i feel like that in training and sometimes it's just like what you can do about it but in training i never gave up or you know or put excuses or just get mad i just like own it and i push myself through that's what happened in this fight you know i couldn't get a stop if in the past i don't like really push myself when i'm in a bad day so i thought my body wasn't there but I said, you know what Let's dig deep. Why not? And then the more you try, the luckier you get. And you know, even 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 on a day like that, you know, it's not like I'm getting you know just destroyed. That was, in my opinion, was a shit fight. Was a shit fight. Even I text then I was like, hey man, I don't get paid to fight like that. I'm sorry, but it, it is what it is. I was just, I was, I don't know what it was. I was, I. My body just didn't work that night, specifically. What is that like, especially in those early rounds when it just seems like you can't get out of that, that gear and you've trained so it's, hard? It's, and, it's, like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that you say that because even I know how explosive I am and I can just like jump from crazy position on scrambles and things like that. And that, that, that day was just like, it's just like you're just pushing slowly. But there's not that like, fast twitch that mine is pretty good like i really work on those things and it's like it's just like nothing is there nothing did he have anything to do with that (laughs) did he have anything to do with that like was there anything that he did early on that caught you off guard i mean he did exactly what we thought it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be busy it's gonna be a lot of like i'm moving around and you know you gotta you gotta you gotta catch him in between you gotta like punch with him at the same time or like not just cover take my time and then go like we work a lot on like punching while he was punching so that i like you know even this i was expecting him to be way faster than what he was he's he's big he's bigger than me like he have a bigger frame and he weights more on top but like you know He's I mean, like he's still a great fighter. I'm not saying like oh he sucks and I you know no he, everybody in the top fight is just as good, but I felt like it was more like my body just been really not just just not day that day and you know it is what it is and if you ask me, I would love to get a fight sometime like you know because again. This is my thoughts, my opinions, what I feel. And I would love to prove myself right. What was the aftermath like? Like when you got home after such a long training camp, how did you process the fight? Fuck, not gonna lie. It's, 
it does is just a shitty fucking feeling like similar to what happened with Aldo, you know, like you know, you're kind of close to finish the fight, but then you get trapped in a position. Now you just like waking up in the middle of the night and jumping in the ice but or going for a run or just like oh fuck. But it's more like fuck me and fuck the world and then you know, you just get fired up because I mean it's you could easily just go down and you say like, you know what, fuck it's not for me. Fuck you. We force it until it's for me. Mm. How do you not let that affect your your home, your kids, your relationship with your kids, with your or is it impossible? Like you know, the, people always say, "Don't bring your work home," but for you, it's like you freaking come home. Like you probably want to like sulk for a minute, right? Yeah, but I feel like the same grind I put into being a good fighter or being a world a world champion is the same grind you gotta put into. Be a good husband and be a, a better father. And I, by any means, I'm doing the perfect job now. But you know, I can be down as fuck. But you see my kids' smiles. My kids asking me for getting ice cream. I'm like, fuck. Like I mean, there's so many ways to find some warm stuff in your heart that is like, just keep, see my kids smiling, get me up of bed and be like, you know, fuck it. Don't be feeling sorry for yourself. It's life. You know, just just keep going. And that is what moved me forward. Like, yes, I could have a bad day. Yes, I have a bad day at the office, but my kids are healthy. My kids are alive. And I'm still healthy and pretty strong to provide for them. Mm. Um, so it's like, there's no point to really, you know, get, you know, you get down, but the same way you go down, you get back up and you just keep going because why not? Would you? I mean, what what did you make of uh, Henry's performance against Aljamain? He was some sort of competitive fight. I think Sterling was expecting him to be a way better wrestler, probably. That's why, like the first take on Sterling, kind of like didn't expect. It's, it's gonna be hard to shoot Sterling, but they're pretty much at the same level, and that's giving props to Sterling because, yeah, you could be a world champion or a Olympic or whatever you want. You still gotta fight. Fighting is a different sport, you know. Being a pro basketball doesn't mean you're going to be good at the NFL. So, yes, you're good at wrestling and that's combat still, but that's a one-on-one mat without punches. So the fight was pretty competitive, but I feel like starting to figure it out, okay, wrestling is not like 10 times better than mine, so now I can actually fight. And the fact that a guy like Starling was able to, in a way, outstrike him, it's like that's still like the hood is just... You know, one decides different effect, two in the distance, but I feel that was, it was good for Stalin to maintain the belt because, you know, you don't leave for three years and come back and nothing happened. Mm. You know, your your level at some point got to go down. That consistency of being in the fight game, like, you can throw whatever you want, but you cannot ever mimic the fight. The fight is a fight. The, the feelings of the fight, you only feel it those 20 minutes before you walk out, so... Props on something on keeping it. He he fought hard. He 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 won a lot of exchanges, and I feel in the stand up, he won all day. Do you think that he beats Sean O'Malley? I mean, if we talk facts, just you know, just because I could just start talking shit right now, right, and just <laughs> you know make fun of of a funny guy. But if you see acolytes and who fight who, the fight shouldn't be a problem for Starling. I mean, O'Malley can say whatever the fuck he say. 
the two guys that been in the top five that beat him, or well, me was one and I beat him. I put him out. Pedro Muñoz, we've been around and he's a top five caliber guy. Poke him in the eye if I was not conscious on a fight that he didn't show anything. I mean, you get opportunity to fight somebody in the top like that, you try to go and smoke him. Damn, the B-level competition, yeah, he put them all of them out. Almeida was watched like probably a lot of times. He was like, he wasn't, he wasn't washed out. He was super washed out. Eddie Wyland, respect to the guy. He's a legend, but I mean, he gets killed like what, four more times or three more times? Mm-hmm. Then the green hair kid, you know, couldn't want to find the UFC. It's like, I get it. Uh, you know, you, you got talent, you got all this hype. Cool, we're in the YouTube and TikTok era. You got a couple of kids that follow you in that world, but fighting-wise, you didn't fight nobody. And then you grab John on an, after a no contest. It's like, yes, you look good in the jam fight. People was expecting less from you. Yeah, but you still a fighter. He can still fight. But how good is he? Like, who he beat? Like, who he's been in a fight with? You know what I'm saying? That one-punch thing won't last forever. We saw it with Johnny Hendricks, maybe three, four fights. And after that, people said, like, fuck, like, you know, once you fight a better caliber of guys, it just don't happen like that. And in paper, it's hard to think of what is going to win. But he could. And that would only benefit me. But... I'm not really rooting for nobody, so we'll see what happens. I'm ready to fight, and mm. I know that. Uh, I saw recently on Twitter that uh, you you did a 72-hour fast. Why did you do this, and how difficult was it? Um, just for health, you know, just to stop the digestion, you know, because we're eating all day long, you know. And I was, I, I was like, I was like, why not? I was like, one day I was like, I want to stop eating for three days. For the fact that it's a challenge, it's hard. Just black coffee and water, it's all I did. But Kelly Slater always talked about it, the long fast and how good they're for you. And, you know, he's like a freak on nature, right? He's like still competing at the highest level at his age. And he looks still good and everything. So, I mean, if you think a guy like that says fasting is good, it must be good. And I've been fasting for years. Rock also... Uh, get me to fasting and it's like I just did it because I want to I just, just and you feel good afterwards like when I break the fast with a bone broth and I start eating like little meals some fruit like your appetite gets better um, just you don't crave really food you just eat when you need to and I mean I, I'm I'm very passionate in, into health and figuring out ways to be better and, and drinking things or eating things that are the, the less processed the most clean and Fasting is part of all that uh, yeah. atmosphere of things. But it's, it's great. It's challenging. What was the hardest part? Like, there's always like a wall that you hit, right? And you have to get over that. When did that come yeah. in? The, at the 24-hour mark, that night that you got to go to 36 uh, is the hardest one. Okay. But once you get to 40 hours, you're not hungry. When I hit the three days, I was actually, fuck, I could do a couple more days. <laughs> But then I'm like, okay, I need, I need to research more and ask my friends or people that know a lot about it to see if I do two more days to do the five days, what should I expect or how, what should I do? Because I was still doing sauna nights. I took those three days off, but I, I was still doing sauna nights. Wow. 
But you need to, you need to drink, right? You can't do it without drinking. Of course, I drink a lot of. I I drink sometimes. I I even drink almost three gallons because you just drinking, so right. drinking, 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 drinking. But it's just like you really flush yourself and. You know, we didn't take a day off, right? We're taking a day off, we're chilling, but we're still eating. So this, the guts, which are the, is a second brain, it's working, 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 working. So it's like, you're not really resting because your body internally is still working. So it's just like, I used to hear a lot of shit, you know, you're wrong and it's also an advocate for health. He have like always doctors and scientists and I put my ears into things. Yeah. Although, can I just say something? Every time I turn on Twitter these days, I'm I'm like exposed to this battle between Joe Rogan and vaccines and all this shit. Like, can you, can you, can everyone just chill the fuck out? Why do I need to hear all this all the time? I'm tired of this shit. What do I, why every time I, I that. every time I open my Twitter, it's like a thousand tweets from this guy, Elon Musk and Rogan and vaccine and COVID like Jesus <laughs> Christ. Can you just leave me alone? Do I, can I just focus on like funny stuff and sports? I don't want to listen to all this shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. But sometimes even my wife says, like, "Did you see what happened in Ecuador? I was fucked up." And I'm like, "Why I don't? I don't? I'm. I think I'm blessed because I don't get fucking negativity. I open my. I open my. I open my Twitter. It's fucking funny memes, good shit, fighting, uh, surfing, tattoos, watches. I'm like, I like that. Oh, not I, I want to keep it like that. Jesus, it's clean. Mine is a Classic mess. Classic cards. Yes. Memes. A lot of fucking funny shit. I'm like. My dude, my social media is great. Wow, you must be uh, okay. You're the you're the one percent because mine is a mess. By the way, I saw a mural of you in Ecuador. Who did that mural? Like with your the three faces of you? You saw this? Yeah. Who did that? Dude, and, it's like me with the back tattoo, me in front with the long hair. Like he put like three different. We're names. showing it. Yeah, it's a huge one. It's incredible. Where is this? It's in Ecuador. It's in uh, it's in the city in Guayaquil, and I, I talked to the guy before. And he's a cool guy. He's like, bro, he's painting. And I was expecting, like, you know, like a picture. And he showed me a bit. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful, dude. It's crazy. What an honor, right? People are drawing mur- murals of you, painting murals of you in your in your home country. It's, it's like, who'd have thought, right? From where you came from? Dude, that's what that's what I always tell people. Like, gotta appreciate every second of it. And, you know, gotta see the beauty in the struggle because... The ugliness and the success will come later, right? But the building the struggle is like I remember like not, not too long ago, like three years ago, I was like, fuck, I hope one day I get like brands and shoes and clothes and go to places and they put in the private cells. And you just thought like wait, one day, dude, like maybe one day. Or like when you used to think like, fuck, that's too expensive. And then you're like, it's crazy the way life works, bro. One day you can have nothing and you can be nothing but if you put in the right time and the work it just happened it's like it's like it's like looking up the sky and then the stars just come out of you you know what i'm saying like and you gotta and you gotta appreciate that and you gotta be patient and you gotta be fucking crazy enough to things gonna happen and i promise you will happen like it's it's amazing it's amazing to know like how how far you can go and how big you can go. And like, just meeting the cool people that you never thought you would. And then meeting them to becoming friends. And it's crazy. And getting to experience like wild shit, like being in, you know, places, restaurants. And life is crazy, man. But 
that's why that's why I keep a really positive attitude all the time because I'm like, if you're alive and you don't have a, you, and you don't have any fucked up disease or sickness and you know your your body's okay and you can go you can walk and find your shit, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Don't sit and complain. Right? Don't complain about the weather. Don't complain about fucking your neighbor. Just fucking, just fucking go, and you will get it. it. Life is beautiful, dude. It can be ugly, but it's up to you. This is beautiful stuff. Very inspirational. This is why I love talking to you. I always feel better about life and myself after I speak to you, and I'm happy that you have this perspective still. And so in conclusion, I'm just wondering regarding the fight, because you said you were down, but it doesn't seem like you're down anymore. Do you feel like you'll only be able to truly get over the fight once you get this one done, once you get this this next fight out of the way and you get a W? Or are you officially over Sanhagen and, and you're, you're, you're blocking that out and you're on to the next? Well, uh, you know, I got to get on to the next, right? That doesn't mean I don't have a thought and a desire to fucking beat the shit out of him one day. But... You know, you got to let it go. Right now, we're not fighting. Right now, it's not going to happen. But I go in there and beat the shot of Sehudo. And I don't have to think about Sanhagen or nobody. I just got to think about the next one. And, you know, if, if one day comes, epic. If not, fuck, I, I just want to be a world champion. That's my whole focus. I want to I wanna have Dana put a fucking ball around my waist and... I can't describe the film because I will never able to describe it until that happens. And it will happen. I will get there. I I won't it won't gonna happen. It will happen. Like it's just I just want it that fucking bad that I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna find a way. I'm gonna get to the surface and I'm gonna get it. How? When? Can't tell you that. But I'm gonna be a world champion. I can't wait to see it. Thanks, as always, Cheeto. You're the man. Much love to you. Welcome back. Good luck on August 19th. I hope it's against Cejudo and you get that that fight and, 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 and hopefully for you that W and you can be on your way to uh, realizing that dream. Thanks, as always, for making time for us. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, there he is, the one and only Marlon Cheeto Vera. Beautiful stuff from him. How can you not love life after listening to Marlon Vera? What a soul, what a guy, what a character. And when you hear him talk about, you know, I, I will get that, belt i will get that moment hard not to believe in that uh, because he says it was such passion and conviction so uh, looking forward to that and hopefully that fight comes to fruition that's august 19th that great card in boston massachusetts all right uh let us move along now and uh say hello to our in-studio guest he's he's now essentially according to the internet a co-host on this program so we have to make sure that we pay him for his uh, his monthly appearance. He's our old friend, Eddie Hearn of Matchroom Boxing. Here he is, Edward. How are you? I'm very well, it's sir. Nice how to are see you? you? Oh, everyone's so upset that you're here again. Really? Yes, come, let's hug oh. it out. Oh, man. You look I'm fantastic. just a bit disappointed that I have to follow this. I mean, no, I don't know my MMA, but how this, about that this guy? cheat. I mean, what a rogue interview. Why? You know, well, it's just so it was know, good. refreshingly yes, real. Yes, right. Know? Oh, and, real. Uh, I thought you said rogue. No, rogue and real. I mean, it was rogue because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the language was a little bit blue. But, no, but that's what you know, All of a sudden, you've got this guy. Is he in Ecuador? No, he's in California, but okay. from Ecuador. From Ecuador. Yeah. And he's sitting there on his swing chair with his dog in the background. You know, Isn't it and amazing? And bringing me. Well, I know. I mean, you know. Like, uh, this is what we do. We're, we're sort of, you know, people have been saying we should change the name of the show to The Combat Hour because we're pretty much you know, the voice of all these different combat sports. So we'll go from Cheeto Vera to you, and it's seamless. You know, there's no so notes seamless. in front of me. There's nothing that I need to read. Uh, hello to the team over there. You always come uh, with a crew. 
so it's another big week for you. Mm. By the way, we have a lot to discuss. I don't know if you know this. People were saying like, oh, Eddie again in studio. I'm like, he was last year in oh, February. That's, that's refreshing. Yeah, no, but uh, you know, it's no different than what you're used to with the boxing media because it's literally Tuesday you They've do an interview with these. They've actually followed me here. Oh, Parsons, for fuck's sake. All these I mean, guys. Yeah. And you know, they've been chasing you for an interview. Yeah, but I'm like, listen. You got like you can't overexpose me, right? There's something to overexposure. I gave you one. We have to wait till that's next all, year. I feel th- like that's how you've always been in your career. Smart though, never right? Never do too much. Never do too much. Like I was trying to get you on the broadcast for the darts. I said you actually turned me down. Yes, you let know, the world know. It took me three days to get, <laughs> just just to let everyone know. Like you know, Ariel has been you know really dramatizing and glamorizing darts so sure. well in yes. the US, and I was like, he was like, you know, we have to do something together on the darts, blah blah blah, and I was like, Ariel. I really want you on the darts. He said, in what capacity? I said, look, we just want you there. You know, we want your presence. We want your greatness. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I did all this big pitch and you it were like, nice. thanks very much, but I'm just going to go with my son. Yeah. So thanks, but no thanks. I don't want your money. No. And that was refreshing, Ariel. You know what? Yeah. Because I don't see that a lot in the industry, you know? So that really does money show. Money was a little bit low. The money was, it, it was To be fair, low. if it was a bit more, you would have been there in a flash. You actually apologized before saying the <laughs> yeah. number. So I was like, oh, no, I was like, <laughs> you were like, yeah, just give me the info. And yeah, I was like, yeah. well, look, the money's not great. It's yeah. so and so. And you just went, no thanks. I was like, yeah. wow. I was like, I've seen you wear an outfit that costs more than that That's number. That's true. It was, it was a little bit low, but it starts. We're yeah. getting there. Yeah, yeah. I had a great time, by the way. It's good, huh? First of all, my ego was on fire that night because everyone was coming up to me like I had done something, mm. thanking me, shaking my hand, showing love and gratitude. And then I'm told that the great Barry Hearn wants to say hello mm. to me. He comes over and he pull, he pulls me in real tight and he says, you're part of the family now for everything you've done. What a presence he has. Oh, First time meeting him. Strong handshake. Eh? Strong handshake. Presence. And then I told you that he said this, but I have to say it on air. I said, I've been hearing that your book, your son's book, Eddie's book, sold more than his. And what a line right off the top of his head. Has he used this line before? Yeah, he said, lot, yeah. oh, he has. He said, Eddie's line, uh, Eddie's book was a comic, mine's a classic. Yeah. And I was like, fucking hell, Barry, the what a line. The funny thing is, is I wrote my book, right, in during lockdown. Yeah. Took me three months. Did you really write it or was it like? With a ghostwriter. Okay, fair enough. I mean, he wrote his book over about eight years. Oh, wow. You know, firstly, I got three times as much money from the publisher. (laughs) And more importantly, I sold six times as many books. Six? So, yeah, I'll never let him forget that. Holy shit. He's a legend. He is a legend. He was having a great time. He was among the people. And what a scene that was. My first time. And also for us, you know, through the PDC, you you saw on on the Saturday night sold out. uh, Yes. I mean, a a great platform for us. I think... We're seeing the sport of darts. We won't go into it too much on, yeah. on on your combat hour. Sure, sure. But the sport of darts, or you know, certainly the 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 spectacle of darts, huge. UK, Germany, Holland, Poland, all throughout Eastern Europe, Australia coming up in a couple of weeks. But also America, I think, has plenty of potential as well. I think when I still see it now, and I'm wandering around in all these interviews today. You know, we, we just sold out Madison Square Garden for the darts. Sorry darts yeah I'm like please just watch it yeah, yeah and be a part of oh it, no it's know. like pro wrestling that's what it reminded yeah, yeah, me same. of with the music and the characters holy yeah. shit the 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 fans i wasn't expecting that like i've seen it at ali pally mm. and i went with my three kids and they were like what the fuck yeah. is this like people dressed up as bananas <laughs> and like oompa loompas and shit they were it's not just expecting. a night out it's yes. an experience you know? it's it's fantastic um by the way speaking of the theater and i know you're doing uh berlanga quigley mm. there uh this saturday and we'll talk about that there is some talk of getting rid of the theater. I heard that. I only heard that today. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Because this is like, I mean, I know MSG is MSG. Yeah. But this is a hotspot for I mean, boxing. Look, I, think, I think that the theater enables you to go to Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. and sort of build someone into the big arena. Let's be honest. There's really few fights that sell out 
the big arena there. Yeah. I mean, I've done or it. that are even worthy of the yeah, big arena. Yeah, I've done it, I think, three times. But the theatre is, I think it's important for boxing in New York because it's the perfect size. We actually miss venues like that in the UK because we go to the O2, we might do sometimes five or 6,000, but we're kind of shutting the top tier, we're curtaining yeah, yeah. off that bit. There's, you know, three or 4,000 seater arenas are really hard to come by. And, you know, I don't know how it would affect the general event community, but for boxing, it would be a big blow if we lost the Hulu sure. theater. So I heard that today for the first time. Yeah, actually, actually it's no longer the Hulu theater. Yeah, I know. They just keep the telling theater. me that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just Thanks, the theater. Uh, it would be a blow to New York as well. Because like these so, fights, yeah. I mean, maybe you could go to Brooklyn, although Brooklyn's not really doing that many it's fights mad, these days. because, you know, the Barclays Center originally was, that they made a play to be the home of boxing and yeah. a fantastic arena as well. Great to have that that as a potential. I think there's still stage fights there, but the PBC used to be kind of in-house there. Um, but the theatre, I think, tremendous venue. I mean, always a great atmosphere. I mean, right. we will be sold out on Saturday. Sold Again, out. like a mini Taylor Serrano, but this time you're going to have 90% Puerto Rican right. and 10% Irish for Quigley. But, right. you know, Belanga, it's kind of like your graduation to the big room. So you used to see a lot of fighters start at the Hulu, and as they became bigger, moved into the big arena. And that's the plan with Edgar. How did the uh, Puerto Rican fans feel feel about Berlanga? Because uh, I was actually at my uh, kids' school last week for their graduation, uh, going into middle school, and the um, the custodian came up to me. Mm. He's from Puerto Rico, and he was talking to me about uh, Xander Zayas and Serrano and mm, stuff. Mm. And I was like, "You got Berlanga coming up," and he's like, "Nah, he's just an influencer. Fuck that guy." Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Really? Is that how they feel about him?" Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, again, you know, these guys, Edgar's out selling all those guys. I think that. There is still a lot of hype around Edgar Belanga. You know, he had 16, his first 16 fights, he won via first round knockout. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the level of opposition got criticised, but that, that's never been seen before, right? Now he's stepping up. Listen, we're calling out Canelo Alvarez. We're calling out Gennady Golovkin. So one of the problems is you, you team up with me and I'm like, going around the whole city with a megaphone. Right. And it happened a bit with Regis Progre last yes, week where he's ask. going home, yeah. he's doing so much media, there's so much hype, people are talking about him against Garcia, against Tank, and he actually underperformed. So, like, if Belanga, if the hype's not real for Belanga, he'll get found out against Quigley because Quigley's not right. an elite guy, but he's a world-class fighter and he'll, he'll cause him problems. So, Edgar's a character, you know, like Cheeto, who you just had on, who I've never met before in my life. I looked at him, I listened to him, I liked him. And that's the same with Belanga. First time I went in to meet him, when we're in a, a room like this, he's got the black mink coat on, he's got all the ice around his neck, he's got the shades on. Before I even said anything, I thought, I like you. Yeah. You're different. Problem is, with that kind of personality, you're going to get the ones like your teacher who look at him and go, oh, he hasn't yeah, beaten anyone yeah, yet yeah, and he's yeah. wearing the mink coat. I don't mind. I don't care. Like him, hate him, but we've seen through ticket sales, this kid could be a star. And if we can build him up, if he's good enough to get to a Canelo Alvarez fight, the Mexico and Puerto Rican rivalry will be insane, but you have to prove your worth. How far is he away from those? So, you know, beats Quigley, goes into a Mungir or a Golovkin or a Ryder or, or Saunders, then we can start really talking okay. about it. Listen, we could do the fight now. It would do great numbers. But if he, if he really, you know, proves his worth, it would be a mega fight. So when you're sitting at the uh, Smoothie King Center on Saturday... Yeah. And you're seeing the fight play out the way it's playing out. He gets the win. Progre gets the win, but it's just not probably the mm. performance that you were expecting, especially first fight together. What is going on in your mind? What do you think? I'm like, I'm probably too honest, and I'm probably too passionate. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm screaming at them both. Oh. Let your hands go, Zarilla, stop running. You know, as soon as Zarilla holds, I'm screaming at Zarilla. 
because I'm disgusted. I like that, that, that. That's actually a heart. Like these guys have to go in there and fight. Sure, but I'm not being funny. When you get an opportunity to become world champion, like Zorilla, who can really punch, by the way, as well, and just run from the second round to the twelfth round, not engage, not look to engage. I'm like. You know, and I've got his match, his manager to my left who's told me, please give the opportunity to Zarela. He always comes to fight. He's this. I'm like, I'm furious because I've been hyping this fight up. I've been hyping this guy up for the last eight to ten weeks. And I'm a fight fan, so I'm sitting there. And, you know, I've paid for it, by the way. I haven't paid for a ticket. I've paid for the entire fight. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, because it's, it's really on me. And that's when you do the interview after and you have to say, Regis was below par. It was a poor performance room, and Zorilla never come to fight. And it was a poor fight. What else do you want to say? It's not, oh, yeah, it was technical. No, it was no, it wasn't I appreciate technical. that. I actually sent a, a message into the group chat of Matchroom and said, congratulations on another historic event. Because I saw on Twitter that it was actually the lowest punches ever thrown in a world <laughs> championship fight. So you have to laugh with it at the same time. Right, but, right, right. like, there's no point beating around the bush. We must do better, and Regis must do better. And Zorilla must do better. And, you know, it's ultimately that's the product. And the product wasn't good enough. Luckily, we do a show every week. Right. So we're on to the next one. Now, when you say we must do better, like ultimately you put the fight together at that point. Once they're in the ring, it's not really. Yeah, I guess. But was it the right? You know, I look at that instance and say, was it the right opponent? Mm. You know, it's all very well saying the manager said he'll come to fight. He'll let you. Like, but, you know, it, when we watch his previous performances, how often has he come to fight? You know, did we know he was going to move much? You know, he's got an awkward style. Was he the right guy for Regis? You know, did we, did we push Regis too hard? Did we drag him around on his media? You know, but at the same time, that comes with the job. And that's a, that's a danger for Belanga this mm. Saturday. He's everywhere. You know, I've seen him from, you know, I, I got here on Monday. He's been everywhere. Yeah. You know, almost to the point I saw him 20 minutes ago. He looked a bit tired. You know, I'm thinking, you know, but if you want to be a superstar, you've got to do the work. Mm-hmm. So you can't have it both ways at the same time. I was wondering about that with uh, Gary Cully in yeah, Ireland, maybe. right? You know, we did yeah. the JD thing and all that, and it was a big deal for him. Have you ever been in a spot where you're like, this guy's doing too much midweek? Have you ever pulled the plug? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's difficult. This because, is a fine line, right? Yeah, it is. But I think it's it's a learning curve. You know, I've seen fighters who have done too much, who have reflected on their performance and gone, maybe I did too much. But at the same time, like if you want to be a star, you've got media obligations. You know, I look at AJ, I look at Canelo Alvarez, they do more than anybody on fight week, but they've done it consistently. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe the buzz, but also, like, sometimes you fish for excuses. Like, the bottom line is, as I had a, you know, argument on the spot with, with Conor McGregor when Gary Cully got knocked out, <laughs> which was, listen, we're talking about this kid as one of the top 135 pounders in the division. He's ready to go on and, you know, he's a fight away from Haney and all this kind of stuff. You get beat by Jose Felix, you ain't ready. Mm. And that's the reality. This guy's lost three of his last four or whatever it's been. He's lost on points to Tyrone McKenna and other Irishmen. Every time, you know, Oscar De La Hoya, who goes at me like literally every other second, Ramler Ali got knocked out on Saturday. Crazy. Night, right? Great. I mean, great fight, by the way. I'll become a bigger fan of hers through that fight, even though she lost, and people will. You know, straight away, other promoters come out and say, our oh, more terrible matchmaking from Hearn. Right. His fighters got knocked out. It's like, isn't that good matchmaking? Right. Like, you know, maybe not for the fight, but don't you want, what do you want to see? One-sided fights where fighters never learn, never progress? I hate that about it. It is boxing. bizarre that There's that's the reaction. There's a horrible hypocrisy in boxing where right. it's like Dimitri Bivol. 
You know, same thing with Oscar. Oh, what terrible matchmaking. He got Canelo beat. It's like, don't you want Canelo to be in fights where he could lose? I think that's the whole point, isn't it? So it's, it's weird. You know, you have to get the, the development right of a fighter. But at the same time, I can't hype up Gary Cully, tell you he can win a lightweight world title and he gets beat by Jose Felix. It don't make sense. So he has to go away. Gary Cully's, you know, he's a he's a... A dog in a great sense of now he's working harder than ever. He's been through that moment. He'll come back a better fighter. You know, he'll rematch Jose Felix, probably on Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameron too. And it'll be a nail biter and we'll all be petrified. And probably he'll come through it. Lee Wood against Maurizio Lara. Got knocked out, activates the instant rematch, beats him. Mm -hmm. And everyone goes, well, that was actually easy. Right, right, right. So you learn. Uh, It seems like it comes and goes in waves with you like... Right now, you're getting a ton of shit from all these dudes. Like, Oscar's tweeting about you incessantly. Aram's talking about mm. you. Why are they so obsessed with you right now? The Oscar one's weird. Like, I mean... What triggered this one? This it's particular like this one? Ryan Garcia thing. I mean, it feels it's, like it's, you're trying to meddle? No, I mean, look, I've never spoke to Ryan. I've, someone asked me my opinion about Oscar, the tweets. Like, and I just said it's a complete shamble. It's a mess. It's like, imagine me tweeting Anthony Joshua going get over it mate yeah sort yourself out like you, you know I mean like firstly you just never do that so, you know so but again at the same time it helps me build my profile in the US that all these guys these these you know Oscar's a massive name great fighter pound for pound great for all his troubles and, and for all the the legal battle that's about to ensue all he's talking about is me and I'm like that's wild I mean Aram's just like Aram you know but um, I don't know. They don't seem to like me, really. Mm. Do you think Ryan ever fights for Golden Boy again? No. No. I, I think, I mean, listen, I don't know the legal situation. Once you go that, once it's that deep, yeah, it's very difficult to go back. You imagine now, after everything that's been said, for the law, lawsuits that have been filed, for everybody to turn around and go, yeah, actually, let's carry on for another two years. Because he's like, tweeting, like, who do you guys want to see Ryan fight next? I'm like, meeting these guys yeah. without any authority, really, or speaking to the fighter. Right. But, Look, you know, I wish, I wish, I mean, the, the bizarre thing is every time Oscar tweets me, I'm like saying to his own guys, well, we're on the same platform. Yeah. Like, but he's, you know, he's. Have you ever met him recently? Yeah, they couldn't be nicer. Really? I mean, I, you know, I, I promoted a fight, we had a fighter on, we've got to do more business again. Recently? Big hug. Yeah, it was in Abu Dhabi, I mean, what, six okay. months ago, less. Um, but, you know, Ups talk about downs. that, same with Oscar, like, you know, wild. Uh, so with Ryan Garcia, you can't talk to him, right? He, he, contractually, I mean, he's not allowed to talk we've to We've never had a conversation with him. Listen, if Ryan Garcia becomes a free agent, you know, I, Ryan responded on social media to my comments about he's already... I, I feel like when you make a move like that, you know what you're doing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. not making a move and then becoming a free agent. and then That's my opinion. Sure, sure. Right? He says he's not decided on anything. But at the end of the day... There's people associated with a team who have associations with other companies. I mean, I know how the game works. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I feel like he's looking at other fights with other platforms and, and pay-per-view opportunities. But more than that, the relationship's severed. And when that happens, there's really no way back, in my opinion. I've, I've been involved in that situation before. So wish everybody the best. Hope everyone can be happy. Yeah. This could sideline him for a while, though. This happened to Andre maybe. Ward, yeah. right? With maybe, Goosen. or maybe there's a settlement, or, you know, but it looks pretty deep. Right. I mean, and for Golden Boy, like, you lose Ryan Garcia. Obviously, they've lost Canelo Alvarez. From a from a stable point of view, it's a horrific blow. Are you going to sign Devin Haney? I'm seeing him this week. I don't, like, 
I feel like Devin should move into free agency. Like when you look at what Canelo's done, which is so clever, really. Like, you know, we're trying to make the Bivol fight. It looks like it won't happen. Yeah, why not? So Bivol wants the fight at 168 to try and become undisputed. He's about legacy, not just money. Yeah. Canelo wants the same terms as last time because he wants the credit for victory. He doesn't sure. want people saying, oh, you boiled Bivol down to 168. So the problem is there. You've got two competitors that don't really want to give an inch. Bivol's going, I've already beat you at 175. I don't want to fight you again. But let me fight for your belts. And Canelo's going, no, I want to beat you how you beat me last time. Mm-hmm. So, so that's going to make the fight... Dis- probably, probably. Really? And, and you know, I think he'll fight Charlo. I mean, that seems to be the noise. Canelo Charlo. Yeah, that's, that's what they And how's that going to work in terms of uh, the platform? Um, it'll be on Showtime. It'll know, be on that, Showtime. That's, but that's the blessing of the free agency. Yeah. Like, and I, I look at fighters like Devin, the fight that makes most sense for Devin right now is Regis Progre. But if I start trying to lock Devin into a three or five year deal, we might lose the Progre fight. I'd rather roll the dice on the Progre fight. I think, Re- I think Regis can win that fight. Devin's a, a favourite after Saturday. And people will say, yeah, but Eddie, if you don't sign Regis, DeZone will lose the belt. So what? Well, let's, have a, let's have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Let's roll the dice. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? It's not yeah, about yeah. locking people in. And you know, I know boxing's a chess move, but at the same time, sometimes you've got to put your balls on the line and say, no, come on, let's roll the dice. And if we lose, we'll be absolutely sick because we've lost the WBC 140 pounds aisle. But we get a great fight for DeZone. Devin comes back. Regis could win. And then he fights Ryan Garcia or he fight, you know. So I think there's too much of that. Like, you know, trying to force a fighter to align with you in a multi-fight deal over three or five years. Like, those days for me, and I don't always want the obligation. As purses increase, there may be a time where there's not the value in Devin Haney. And I'm locked into a three or four-year deal with a guy paying him four or five million dollars a fight that actually commercially doesn't make sense anymore. So I prefer to build the relationships with the guys. Like the, If you gave Devin the option now, he'd love to come back. But it might not make sense for him to come back. But he could fight Regis, and if he won, he could fight Tank on Fox. And if he won, he could fight Tiafema on ESPN. But you've got to, you know, you're backing yourself there because mm. you're moving without the security of a long-term deal. Canelo's done it. He's Canelo. Right. And it's worked well for him. Uh, so is there any truth to this talk of him going to Saudi Arabia and, and uh, T- Haney? Yeah, I think, you know, he's been out there a lot. They're making a clear play in boxing. I'm not sure what that play is in terms of schedule of fights, but they seem to want to sign fighters. Right. Um, you know, Prince Khalid, we've done fights. There. He's a massive boxing fan. So obviously they're not short of a few quid. And if they want to sign a fighter to, but to if their they promotion. sign him, would that you know, stand in the way of this plan. No, because I said to Devin, if we if if you sign with Skills Challenge in Saudi yeah. Arabia, you'll do the Regis Progre fight in Saudi Arabia. Okay. I, also, I would go to Dazona. If that has to be on a individually negotiated basis with a platform, I would go to Dazona and say, look, we can't lose or, or or not provide Regis with this opportunity. Let's roll the dice against Devin Haney mm-hmm. and we'll bring the belts and the stardom back. So, you know, I I, I hate the this side of the street, that side of the street. You know, sometimes I think it's better to, to let the fighter take the opportunity and roll the dice. Uh, we we blew right through Canelo Charlo, but mm. you just said Showtime in passing. Mm. Uh, so what, zone doesn't get a Canelo fight? No, I mean, it, that you know, they have no long-term contract with him. So they've done his last mm, 12, 13 fights, other than one, Caleb yeah. Plant. Yeah. Um, and if we can't deliver Bivol, We'll work towards his fight in January and, and uh, May, but he will take a fight 
on whatever platform provides. And are you involved in that? Not really. I mean, only on a sort of friendly. I mean, I won't be getting paid. It's Would you go? Show. Yeah, I'd go. I mean, I don't want to like turn up like a... Well, I know you have some friction there, right? Yeah, well, look, when they did the plant fight, Canelo asked me to come and I went and they wouldn't really let me in anywhere. They man-marked me with security. Really? Like at the weigh-ins and stuff like this, which was a bit awkward. So I don't want to like be, you know... A distraction. No, but yeah. at the end of the day, he doesn't say, I'm sure he'd like me there, but it's not going to change his life. What if he asks there. you to walk him out? Yeah. What a scene that would yeah, be. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. That would be something. Yeah, but yeah. we've got a great relationship and he's a, it's, it's a business for sale. Again, like Devin, if you gave him the option, he, I believe he'd, he'd say he'd like to be with us. But if we can't deliver him the fight that he wants, right. he has to look at elsewhere. And why Charlo and not, say, Benavidez? I think the money's got to be... You never know on the numbers. The numbers that I'm hearing for the Benavidez offer is small in comparison to what I believe it should be. I know what I paid Sal for the Gennady Golovkin fight. I think the Benavidez fight is a big fight. I know what I would pay for the Benavidez fight, and it's a lot more than that. But this is another thing where, you know, it's almost like the manager and team of Benavidez aren't really looking at the options of, you know, well, what would DAZN pay for that fight? But I mean, it's just this is what you'd get. So, you know, really the fighter should be saying, well, hang on. You know, I don't know his contractual situation, but it's almost like, you know, could we do that fight elsewhere? So that's a big fight. Mm. Now, one thing I'll tell you about Canelo is he has absolutely no fear of anyone. He would fight David Benavidez like that. He also understands it's a massive fight and he's, he runs a, 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 a good business with Eddie Reynoso. They made a lot of money and they know they're worth. So... He has no fear, whether it's Badu Jack, whether it's Charlo, whether it's Bivol, whether it's Benavidez, you know. And, and who knows how long Sal has left. Could be two fights, could be five fights, I don't know. Mm. You know, but he's, a, he's an all-time great. Now, what's going on with these heavyweights? I mean, this is this is so confusing. Why aren't the fights being made? So, so then I hear it's going to be Joshua White. Now, it's not Joshua White, and you want him to fight someone. Is he going to fight... Big Baby Miller now? No, definitely not. I got a press release yeah, yeah. from Dimitri Salida this morning no, from that. No, no? definitely not. So, no? so, look, the focus for us is Joshua Wilder. That fight's going to take place in December. Is that a done in deal? In Saudi Arabia. I mean, without signing a contract, through my previous relationships with Prince Khalid and these people, when they tell me it's done, it's done. Why does still, it have to be in December? Because that's when they want it to take place. And is, it the same, is this also going to be a Fury card too? So they want to do Fury against Usyk. And Joshua against Wilder on the same night. Sheesh, this is insane. But, as we've been told, we're doing Joshua Wilder regardless. Okay. Obviously, Fury's Fury, and those negotiations are ongoing. I believe Tyson Fury's going to fight in September, October, and won't fight Usyk in December. Oh. That's what I think. Against who? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, he said today there's a big announcement coming. I don't, he said oh, he's reached out to Dana. Or he's he said he got an him. offer. I wanted to ask you about I that, too. I don't believe that. Do you believe that? Honestly, yes. Do you? Can I tell you why? Because this whole thing right now about uh, you know John Jones and Tyson mm. is just to stick it to Francis. Mm. Because you know Francis left to try to get this fight, and now all of a sudden, one press conference, Dana says we don't make those fights. The next press conference, he's like, "Hey, Tyson, come make the fight." Yeah, but the thing is, what I say to you is, as an outsider, yeah, as a very casual fan in MMA. Do you feel that Francis is a little bit in no man's land right now? Like, what is he actually doing? Is he, he's going to fight on PFL. <laughs> He's going to fight MMA, yeah. In, on PFL? Yeah, 2024. Why? Why? Because he wants to get a boxing match beforehand. But he's not going to get it. I mean, look, there's talks has of he been him boxed against Chizora, Has he but, been boxed out? I feel like the boxing community has almost boxed him out. Do you know, 
I mean, look, I speak on behalf of Anthony Joshua, and, yeah. and you know, and I say that loosely because he's the boss. I sat down with Francis, as you know, we had yeah. a long meeting, yeah. and I spoke to Anthony about the fight, and just the stage that he's at in his boxing career, he's still, he's chasing greatness. Yeah, he wants to beat Wilder. He wants to fight Fury for the world title. And when I brought up the Ngannou fight, he's like, like, which I thought might be different in in terms of that conversation. But he just wasn't really interested because he's got business to take care of in the sport. Fury would fight Ngannou, but I just feel like the problem is, is the only place where you can generate the kind of money that both of those fighters perceive it's it's worth is in the Middle East. And once the Middle East say no, the market's dead for that fight. Have they said no? They must have, because I'm sure it's been it's been discussed and pitched. There are rumours about a third fight for that night in December, which could be Ngannou against Chisora, who is part of... I actually quite like that fight because I don't see Francis being competitive against Tyson or AJ, but more competitive against Chisora. But I just feel like, you know, do UFC look at Francis Ngannou now and go, like... Oh, that's what the Zoll yeah, is. Yeah, but that's what, what, the what, is. Have, you know, what have you done, ultimately, you know? Yeah, well, let's see. I mean, because... you, you will know the PFL deal and the numbers. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, you well, know. let me ask you something. If you would have gone to Anthony Joshua and said, I could get you John Jones, does it matter? No, no. I think he'd rather fight Francis Ngannou. I think the whole, you know, I mean, Ngannou, for me, again, as, a, as an MMA casual, yeah, yeah. I'm more interested in Ngannou against these guys than John Jones. I mean... Why is that? Because he was the heavyweight champ? A, yeah, and, he heavy, and just, I think he's a, he's a bigger puncher. I think he's a, he's a boxer. You know, don't forget that when he made his way into Europe, he came as a, a, a boxer. Yeah. And he was actually going to be a boxer and then found his way into MMA, you know. And it's like, you know, I watch clips. I, obviously, it's, it's a disown fight, but I watch clips of Nate Diaz hit pads. I think I might have even told you. And I was like, <laughs> you know you know that it's going to be a mismatch against Jake Paul, don't you? And you're, I, you're telling me this? Yeah, and you, I know you love Nate Diaz. And I love, listen, I've only met him a couple of times. What a gent. But for it to be a mismatch against Jake Paul. You like, think he's getting smoked? Yes. Really? Yes. Embarrassing. They just upped it to 10 rounds now. It won't go four. Really? I mean, listen, unless it's all a bit of a bluff by Nate, what I saw. Could be. That was, that was like a, I've seen people... Uh, my guy Wade Plum, he did like an hour breakdown video on a 13 second clip. I mean, come on. What are we talking so, about? It's a 13 second clip. Ariel, you can <laughs> see people hit pads and you know whether they can. You saw me hit pads, right? You That's may, you, high from quality. what I saw, maybe you against Nate is a 50 <laughs> 50. But we can have a friendly. We can have a friendly bet on that fight. Really? I'll give you odds. Wow. I don't know what the actual line is because you guys do things a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll give you three to one on Nate Diaz if you want it. Wow, you're that confident, huh? Honestly. Like, and, and we're talking about Jake Paul. Yeah. We're not talking about Fury or AJ fighting an MMA fighter. We're talking about Jake Paul. So you think these guys are just totally in over... If you were to advise but, Francis right now, you'd just say stick to MMA. Forget no, this boxing because the, you want to land the big... Listen, what Francis wants to do is land a massive payday, right? But if it's against Chisora, is there a big the only payday there? The only difference in the in the heavyweight world yeah. is Francis can really punch. Now, yeah. listen, if he lands one on Fury or he lands one on AJ or he lands one on Chisora, he can win the fight. You know, what doesn't happen in the smaller weight classes, that doesn't really happen. Right. Do you know what I mean? But um, I don't know. Once there isn't, you, you need a site fee 
for a fight like that. I mean, I don't know what Francis wants, but you're talking about tens and tens of millions of dollars for those fights. And it may just not be there. Is there a chance that we're getting Wilder Joshua, Fury Usyk, and, and Ganu Chisora on the same card? I mean, I think that would be... That'd be insane. Yeah, that would be... Is there a chance of this? I think that's what they want. Wow. They got that kind of money over there. I'm oh, just yeah. joking. I, know <laughs> I don't know if they're in their feelings because of Messi turning them down. Um, so what about Joshua? Who will he fight? Yeah, I think August 12th. I mean, right now, Saudi don't really want him to fight on August 12th because okay. they want him to wait for the December fight, but we want him to fight. How does that work out? They're paying you all this money to fight in December. Are you able to say no? Just because, look, the Wilder fight's a massive fight for his career. He's, he's joined a new trainer in Derek James. He had one fight with him. Mm-hmm. He just likes, he's in camp. He's been training for five weeks. I think he just, you know, for preparation for that fight, he's just going to be better physically, mentally, everything, if he gets that fight in first. You know, we're not expecting it to be Usyk or Fury or one of these big fights, but I just feel like our plan was always to fight three times this year. And if we can do it, I feel like he'll go into that wilder fight with a lot of momentum. And I think he'll knock him out. So who would it be against? Someone from the top 15. But we have eight weeks, so we yeah. need to make a move. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be someone, right? You just yeah, want to tell few. us right now. Not really, because no. as it's... this boxing world works, I tell you, by the time I get out of there, someone signed that guy, oh, blocked me there, sake. got him to double his money. Oh, this is the horrible geez. world that we operate in. Is there a front runner? Not really. Okay. No, there's three or four guys that we're looking at. Would it be in London? Yes. O2, O2 Arena. Okay. Yeah. You have the, uh, the venue booked. I hope so. How does that work, by the way? Because Regis told me that when you met with him, you already had Smoothie King booked. Mm-hmm. You can book a, a venue without a fight you can, sign. You can hold a venue. Wow. And someone can challenge you. But when they challenge you, you have to pay. Oof. So you book it as first pencil, then you could have second pencil, third pencil. And then eventually, second pencil will say, have they secured, you know, we've, we've already secured it anyway because we're going to do a show, whatever happens. Right. But what will normally happen is if I've booked out a venue and you've also phoned the venue and they've said, no, Matchroom have got it, you can challenge Matchroom okay. and say, you need to pay. And if you don't want to put the money up to pay, you get it. Wow, fascinating. Uh, which is the most expensive venue? Is it MSG? Yeah, New York is brutal. Brutal. The union, Hotels, right. unions, restaurants, transportation. But there's something very special about a New York Fight right. Week. I mean, and it's still worth it even if you're at the theater. I think so. I think so. I mean, even from a, you know, taking it away from a, a broadcast point of view or a fighter point of view, even for us as a business, every time we come to Madison Square Garden, you know, we're a little old matron from the UK right. doing another show at Madison Square Garden. And I love it. Your biggest was Taylor Serrano. Mm. Can we talk about well, Joshua my- Ruiz? Oh. I mean... No, Taylor Serrano. Okay. Come on. Uh, that, was, that was historic. So was Joshua Ruiz. But because yeah, of the results. Right, yeah. Because of the result. Yeah. Uh, so my, my, my dear Katie Taylor is, uh, is back out there. She's running. She's, she's yeah. with the people. She seems to be handling it well. Is she? Yeah. I mean, she was, you know, I've, I've spoken to her just really via message since, but saw her after the fight and she was absolutely devastated. Devastated. I mean, this is everything to her, yeah. you know, and... <laughs> Really, she has a rematch clause, and it doesn't matter if you had another fight that was twice as easy for twice as much money, she's rematching Chantel Cameron. You know, there's the Serrano fight. It's, it, you know, I've spoke to her manager, Brian. You know, we, we've had chats. What's the other options? Well, it's this, it's this, it's this. I'll speak to Katie. Sorry, no. Like, 
she's a pure competitor. She believes she was under par that night against Chantel Cameron. She believes she can beat her in the rematch. Many won't. You know, there's a lot of similarities between the Bivol and Canelo fight, where yeah, yeah. you know Canelo believes he can beat Bivol, and he would start as a massive underdog. Same as same as Katie Taylor this time around. But I guess you get to that point in a career. What else is there to do but rematch Chantel Cameron? Like so at one forty. At 140, yeah. She, really? Same thing. Same thing. She, she wants. She says, I want to bring Chantel Cameron, Cameron down to 130. Cameron wants it probably at 35. She does because she could become a two-time. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Bivol Canelo. You know, it's all of a sudden it's like thing. Chantel Cameron saying, oh, I'd like to be a two-division world undisputed. And Sean, and Katie says, no, no, I don't want to bring you down to 35. And everyone says, well, you changed the weight. She's saying, I want this. Exactly the same as last time, only this time, is Cameron against Taylor. Because mm. she's earned the right to right. be the A-side. So I was told earlier this month that there was a conversation between Matchroom and MVP about uh, Katie Taylor minus round mm. two. Where does that stand? Yeah, I mean that's. Did you that explore was the that plan? You know, if she beat Chantel Cameron, that was the plan. And even through but defeat, this is post the Cameron fight. Yeah, but there were still conversations, and it may still happen. But instead right, of yeah, but right now, there's no talking Katie Taylor out of this. What's point. a bigger fight? I think Taylor Cameron. You know, what I mean, because it's almost like career on the line stuff. You know, you can fight Serrano again and beat her but you still lost to Cameron. And that's what's in Katie's head right now. Like, if I beat Serrano again, so what? I lost to Cameron. Mm. And I didn't activate my rematch clause. Which uh, would you prefer her to do? You know, what? To you. you know what? Honestly, from, from a sports point of view, from a competitive point of view, I'd like her to see her do the rematch. Which because one? They're both the Cameron one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think one, once you don't exercise a rematch clause, like that. It's like, you know, we talk about AJ against Ruiz. Once he got stopped, I went to his apartment in New York the next day. All he could talk about was the rematch. Everyone was going, whatever you do, don't do the rematch. You got knocked down five times. You need to build up your confidence. You need to do that. He exercised the rematch clause. He won every round in a rematch. Then he lost to Usyk. Everyone went, you got well beat. You can't fight him again. And he exercised the rematch clause. Now I know he got beat. But it's like, once you don't exercise that rematch, I don't know. I feel like that could live with you forever and, and that could change your confidence, could change your career path, your momentum, everything. I think if you sign for an immediate rematch, Lee would. Mm. Oh, you can't rematch Maurizio Lara. What, in, in, in three months? You just got stopped. He's going to run through you one every round. Like, you know, for me, you have to run it back and, and I, I don't think it really matters what I think, what you think, what Brian thinks. Katie Taylor probably hasn't slept mm. since May the 30th, thinking about Chantel Cameron. Will it be at uh, Three Arena? Most likely, yeah. Most likely mm. again. Great um, atmosphere, huh? Tremendous. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's one of my favorites. Uh, by the way, speaking of great atmospheres, uh, City Ground, where does that yes. stand? Yes. Oh, mate. Is that going to happen? Yeah. I mean, look, we have, we have a mandatory, which we're dealing with with the WBA, but we've been in talks with the City Ground. The, the hard thing is it looks like it's going to land around September time. So you have to stage it during an away game. Yeah. So obviously you're at home that Saturday, the following Saturday you're away, and the following Saturday you're at home. Yeah. So you have to stage it in the middle week, but the picture's got to prepare itself and repair itself right, in the right. following week. So we're talking to the groundsmen, we're talking to the staff. The owners want to do it. It's a historic fight. Yes. It will be unbelievable. It will be such a historic moment for the club and the city, and no one deserves it more than Lee. So fingers crossed, Lee Wood against uh, Josh Warrington at the city ground, and you will have to come to that. Holy I mean. In September? Yeah. Looks Holy like shit. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That would be incredible. How many people would it? Be, be between twenty five and 30,000. Wow. Yeah. 
That would be, and you can't go head to head with Forrest, right? Like you, I was told they don't, like the last one I, I, I was talking, I think I was talking to him mm-hmm. and I was like, why are you fighting in Manchester? It's because they were, it was on the same day or something or can't. Yeah, no, the, the arena wasn't available oh, in, in Nottingham it? on the date that, that DAZN wanted. So we had to go to Manchester. Oh, so okay. um, what a yeah, great scene it was it though. It would be amazing. Yeah. It will be amazing at Forrest. How close to being done is that? It all comes down to the club. Honestly, we're ready to go. So if they if they can get it over the line, if they, I mean, they the, the actually the hardest person to convince in these situations is the groundsman, because every braid of glass <laughs> is like their own child. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like we can't do that. I'll never get it ready. So like, come yeah, on, mate. come on. Yeah. Like, throw on a couple of extra <laughs> yeah, seats, seats there, yeah, and, and the club owns the uh, stadium, right? Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, you're you're working yeah, with them, and they're, you know they're, they're you know they're a powerful organisation who who love sport and want to want to create history for the city. Now, what do you think of uh, this whole Tiafimo Lopez situation? BS? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't vacated. I mean, I was, so I was that's shocked. BS too? Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been told in the last 24, 48 hours. And I, I, I thought it was strange. Like, you know, Paco Valcazar from the WBO tweeted and said, oh, you know, Tiafimo texted me and said he's going to vacate. We wish him all the best. doesn't work like that. Like, you have to provide him writing with your team that you're officially vacating the title. Um, and he obviously hasn't done that yet. Now, listen... He's a temperamental kid. He might do. I, I don't. I don't hate the move. It's bizarre, but Tiafimo's bizarre. <laughs> but he's also a tremendous fighter, right. and he just like you know we talked about that earlier. He's like you know he he comes off. He beats Lomachenko. He loses to Cambosis. He has two subpar performances. You know, last time against Sandor Martin, arguably lost that fight, and then beats Josh Taylor in an unbelievable performance. So, I think every every genius has a flaw. And that's just Tiafimo. And I would love to see him fight Regis, Haney, Tank. I mean, you know, but, yeah. I, the, the strange thing, I was talking about Tiafimo earlier. One of the strange things which I, I really struggle with in American boxing is, how can you get a guy like Tiafimo, who beats Richard Comey for the world title in, in the garden, right? Unbelievable performance. Beats Lomachenko for, arguably, the undisputed championship. And then we promote his fight against Cambosis. And we creep over the line to sell out at the Hulu, the then Hulu. Mm. And then in a much bigger fight against Josh Taylor recently, they couldn't even sell out the theatre. Mm. Like, what is it with you guys? Like, he should be an absolute superstar. Like, he's, he's flamboyant. He's talented. He, he's flawed as well. He's a, he's a character. He's got his dad. Like, I don't know. He's from Brooklyn. Like, it's, it's weird. You know, when you yeah. say you guys, do you mean... Yeah, Americans. I thought you were talking about Top Rank. No, no, no. I'm talking about... Listen, Top Rank are a, a good promotional company. Yeah. Maybe they didn't push him in the right way earlier on, but like, Taylor... I think like, it's just kind of the state of boxing in this country. Yeah. Anytime I talk to people about boxing, they're like, oh, boxing's dead, boxing's dead. It's not the case in the UK. It's on fire in the UK, yeah. dare I say. I don't know. You know, we go and... How many big boxing stars are there in America right now? Like yeah. guys who... If Tyson Fury walked down the street... I mean, he's tall, so he would stick out. But you get my point. Like, is he a household name? Yeah, but certain special fighters and special personalities are your chance yeah. to have those nights. Like, Edgar Belanga will sell out the theatre on Saturday. He's fighting in a... You're know, talking about Tiafimo against Josh Taylor, arguably two, the two top fighters in the division. You know, so... But I don't know. I, he's, it's more... It's not really... It's more like, why has he mm. not resonated with, with the fan base? Like, I just feel like he's... I feel he's a superstar. A lot of people on, on that uh, Saturday, I remember seeing all on Twitter, like he shouldn't be fighting. 
He's not fit to fight. Yeah. Do you believe in all that when you see I mean, that he stuff? He says now after that he was just playing with everybody. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't necessarily believe that either. And, you know, Tiafimo is Tiafimo. Like, but to be able to produce a performance like that under that kind of scrutiny, under that kind of pressure, it's a special fighter, mm-hmm. you know? And I like the way he's come out now and said, now you're going to pay me my worth. Because arguably he's beaten the two top fighters in each division in the last, what, two years, you know? But consistency is not his number one forte. But the, kid, the kid's special, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, you imagine Tiafimo against Tank. That's a great fight. Also, you know? it might be the opponents too. He's not fighting. Yeah, but I know Josh probably Taylor. similar with Regis. You know, like yeah. Regis boxed a below-par opponent. Like like when Tiafimo boxed Sandor Martin, those guys can't get up for it. Cambosis, you know, the same. So, I actually think ESPN has tried. They've always put him after the Heisman Trophy. I don't know if you know what that yeah, is. Yeah. They always put him after that. That's a huge audience mm. on ESPN. So, But again, if you've got a flamboyant personality yeah, no, that's a great fighter that's on a prime spot on ESPN. Why is it just... If, that, yeah. if that's not... I, there's a problem. I, I don't know. You know, is it the promotion? Is it boxing? Is it? I, I don't know. But, uh, just a couple more that I want to ask you about. Spence Crawford. What do you mm. think it does pay per view wise? Between four and six hundred. Is that a good number? I think it's a great number. For, I mean, look, you think they you're, you're slightly skewed from Ryan Garcia. They're talking about one point two. Right. Whether it was eight hundred, nine hundred, one point two, whatever it was, you're talking about two guys with very different fan bases there, with huge social media presence. Spence Crawford's just a tremendous boxing fight. I mean, like, and it. The, the size of the pay-per-view will be determined by the way that it resonates with the casual fan base. Every fight fan will buy that pay-per-view. But there's only four or 500,000 of them. So the job of Showtime and PBC is to make sure that the casual fan base, your, your football fans, you know, your right. basketball fans, go, wow, that's a great event. That's a great fight for boxing. And honestly, if any of those casual fan base are watching this show and it's not even my fight watch the fight because that's a great fight like if we're ever gonna you know push the greatness of boxing that is it and and for me you know I back Ter- Terence Crawford in that fight um, but it's two of the very very best great fight for boxing is that one that you're staying up to watch yeah in a weird way I quite like to follow these fights on Twitter yeah you said that about the Haney fight too like so you'll stay up I won't stay up but like if I wake up in the night Rather than like tuning in, I'll just scroll on someone's timeline and I go through three or four sort of respected boxing yeah. journalists to yeah. get their scores after every round. I don't know why. It's just like that's, yeah, yeah. That's, it's fun. Like so I've you... never actually, I haven't actually watched Haney against Lomachenko. Right, right. I watched highlights. I watched some rounds, but yeah. Where know. will that air in uh, in the UK? That was on Sky. No, Sky where Sports. will uh, Spence Crawford air? Um, I don't think it's been decided yet. Okay, could yeah. that be on DAZN? Yeah, I think it'd be a great, great, be great, great fight for them. Now, can I ask you a question? Uh, I'm fascinated by this stuff. What's up with this uh, this fellow, Simon Jordan? What is his problem with you, this talk know. sport fellow? I had Gareth Davies on here a couple yeah, of weeks he has ago. A few, he has a few guys at me as well. Jordan Simon, is like, like yeah, Simon is I like mean, the Stephen A. Smith of the UK. Is that fair? Do you know who Stephen A. Smith yeah, is? Yeah, I do know Stephen A. Smith. He's very I mean, famous right yeah, now. But I don't, know, it, I don't know enough about Stephen A. Smith, but let me tell you about Simon Jordan. He's got this Jordan. war with Matchroom right now? Yeah, What's yeah I don't know. Another one. You know, I don't know. I must rub people up the wrong way, Ariel. But you had the battle with him? Yeah, it was more about the Connor Ben stuff. Like, yes. he, you know, And I went in and I debated with him and I spanked him all across the studio. Okay. You know, and, you know, gave him a little, you know, as Connor <laughs> said, woo, 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 whatever yes. it was. And he didn't like it then. And it's got worse and worse. And then, uh, but he's good. He's a fantastic... Um, Pundit? Disc jockey, whatever, you know. Okay. And he's, but he's, he's intelligent 
but he claims to know everything about everything. So he's trying to educate me and tell me stuff about the regulations, about the commission, about, of which he knows nothing <laughs> at all. And But it was good. Like, you know, the daggers are out for me worldwide, mate, to Isn't be honest. Isn't that exhausting? But depends what kind of personality you are. Like, in all honesty, sometimes, yeah, it can be, sometimes it can drag you down a little bit, and other times it can just make you roll up your sleeves and go, oh, yeah. You love it. You know? Yeah, because if, if, if you didn't have haters, if people weren't trying to block you, right. if people weren't trying to get you out of the game, if people weren't trying to make stuff up about you, but then really, how big are you? Right. So I use it to fuel me. But soon, not too soon, I'll just You're go. just going to fly? I'll just go. Wow. 50? 50 is a good age. How old are you now? 44. 40. Wow, only six years left. Yeah, There's maybe. no chance in hell. You think? There's no chance in hell. Listen, I look at Aram and these guys. I mean, Aram's a legend, right? There's no chance. Yes, you're going to be that Please. guy. Please, Ariel. You're going to be that guy. Well, listen, I, 50's, 50 would be a great moment no just chance. to evaporate into the paradise, right? What would you do? I'll just go and sit on a beach, mate, There's and enjoy no myself. You love this I'd come shit. off social media. I do no. love this shit. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I've been doing it for 13, 14 years. Like, I watch interviews with Aram. Yeah. And I watch interviews with Frank Warren, and I just think, please don't become that guy. Like, you have to remember, I grew up in a household that saw my dad arguing, screaming and shouting with Aram, with Don King, with Frank Warren. And when he left boxing and went into darts, he changed as a person, uh-huh. right? He's, he had no temper anymore. He was so calm. He had a spring in his step. He was always smiling. Boxing, the worst business in the world, but unbelievably fun and unbelievably challenging, and there's no buzz like it. And when I see all these guys going at me, you think I'm coming over to America to put my flag in the sand and take over the sport of boxing, and now I've got Aram going at me, I've got Ellaby going at me, I've got Oscar de la Hoya going at me. You know? I mean, in a sick way, it really turns you on, Ariel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing because I do actually think you love it. Like, I think you like, you get excited when they talk shit to you. And uh, that's a certain kind of person. But I got to say, man, like, I'm worried about your travel schedule. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, yeah probably. But that's what I'm saying. You know, how do you do this? How, when's the last time you, you were home? In your house? When's the last time you slept in your bed? Oh, I don't know. I mean, not very often. Isn't that exhausting? Try- it is exhausting. But that's why I'm trying to stay fit. I'm trying to stay healthy. Um, you travel with a trainer? No, but I'm about to, I think. You've yeah. got to do that because how do you stay fit? And I, was, I was at Central Park this morning running 7K at 7 o'clock 7K? this morning. 7K? Yeah. Jeez Louise. And but you're not really, checking your phone for 7K? I don't believe no, that. No, I actually didn't this morning. That's actually, that's a good thing. Wow. And I found something else. I mean, we do all the cold water therapy. I'm there at 6 o'clock tonight. With who? Um, Frank Smith and Sean Palmer and the team. You're all going I went together. went to this place last night called Stretched which is, you know, they do 50 minutes stretching you out. You know, because you have to, because otherwise you're on a plane, you're going here, you're going there, and, like, it's going to get you. And that's why about a year and a half ago, I just decided, actually, you know, I found the motivation to just get fit, lose some weight. And, and I, I don't think I could have done it for much longer because I was knackered, I was overweight, I was eating badly, I was like, you know, and it's like it's difficult to walk into a press conference with that buzz, mm. you know, and that shine, when you're not feeling great. So for me right now, I feel better than I've ever felt. I'm 44 years old. I feel like, I feel better than I was in my 20s. Really? Yeah. I saw, and if I, I suddenly have a massive cardiac arrest over yeah. the next couple of days, please don't play this clip. Yeah, 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 I saw a picture of you. Do we have this picture? Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Wait for it. There, That one. <laughs> Do you know the funny thing about Instagram, right? Yeah. I was thinking, 
So, put, like, I could put out, like, a post about a show. Yeah. I don't know, it does, like, 1,000 likes, 2,000 likes. But that one? I posted this. It did, like, 40,000 <laughs> likes. I mean, what, what, do people like to see me in pain yeah, or the something? Misery. You know? They yeah. love the misery. But that, that is a great example of my fitness journey, mm. which is I never want to do one session, really. But I get up and I do it every single time. And for someone that works so hard in the gym, the results are quite depressing. But <laughs> in good news, we're getting there slowly. You feel like But it. I just feel like that's the thing with fitness, isn't it? It's so easy to say no. Like I'm six foot five, I'm 110 kilos. I'm not really designed to be doing that, and that's why you saw the results. Right. But that picture should motivate everyone out there. Anyone can do it. And I want to see you doing more as well. I am. I see you in your sweatsuit doing yeah. your runs and yeah. hitting the pads, and I want you to keep it up as oh, well. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, why do you feel like I'm unhealthy? Oh, not really, but I worry about you as well. Like you worry about me. I, I do worry wor about you. Is there is there ever a point where you're like, "Fuck's sake, I don't want to go on this trip." Of course. Okay. Every day, Ariel. Every day I get out. I don't. That's the difference. You won't outwork me. Right. It's impossible because you know the ones that don't go in that day or don't go to the gym. That's the difference. You know, I have a saying called "one against the head," and what that means is when you don't want to do something, but you go out and get it done. That moment. That session, whatever it is you've banked, is twice as valuable as anything else. So, like, you go, oh, I don't really. I mean, how many times do you wake up? Do you think I wake up every morning and go, wow, yes, I can't wait. Feeling unbelievable. Yeah. No, I get up and I go, oh, I don't really fancy it today. I ain't got a choice. Like, it's, no, it's, it's not even a conversation. You get up and you do it. Same with the gym. I hate it. I argue with my sister all the time. Oh, I haven't got the energy to go to the gym. Shut up. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, I'm, up, I'm up at 6.30 with the kids. We'll get up at 6 then. There's never an excuse. Right. How lucky am I to be working and doing what I do? I love boxing. It's my life. You know, I'm promoting all around the world in the biggest shows. So what? I have to travel a little bit more than other people. You know, it, it, I'm blessed to be doing what it's I do. It's easy when you're in a private jet anyway. I wish I was in a private jet. Yeah. I did meet your sister, by the way. She's what a lovely lady. Me. A lot of people said that she's the real, you know, brains she's, behind she, that trip. Yo, and you don't want to cross her. She, no, she's brutal. Very like, nice on the surface. But she's the, one of the best producers. I mean, she heads up Matrim Media, does all our live production. She worked across Premier League football. Why doesn't she do uh, media like you? It's not for her. Okay. Totally different characters. She's so smart. I mean, I'm not smart. She's, she's you know, but I can sell. You can. And uh, it's a nice little family affair. By the way, one last thing. Uh, we talked about rematches. I've been told that you have demanded a rematch in the darts because I smoked you last we, time. So we're going to play. Well, I feel like we have to. Well, oh, you... You don't want it. I don't want the smoke. No, uh, I want the smoke. Her and scared. No, huh? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do Come it. Look, because now you've got a real board, haven't you? Have you seen the board that they gave me? Have you seen the board? I, I uh, sprung this upon Joe. I'll turn on the lights here. Have you seen this board that they gave me here? Look at this. this. Is very impressive. You know who signed that? Michael uh, Van Gerwen? Yes. And this is uh, Bully Boy. Wow. Who kind of shat the bed. The in only New York. problem, what I'll say is, and this is the same problem as last time, is this light here. No, this well, is... I'm six foot five. <laughs> For me to get the right trajectory, I'm literally... This is, uh, you know, look, when you go to some stadiums, right? You go to the city ground, it's quaint. You go to Etihad, it's big. You know, you got to play true. to the, uh, the stadium. Where's so, the dots? Uh, well, I just okay, wanted here. to show you. Look at this. Courtesy of Windmow, we yep, got the... Yep. Last time you were here, we didn't have the official no. board. We got this. Look at this. Personalized. Unbelievable. Uh, so we have now even more darts. You can go red, no? Because you're a forest. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay. You want blue? Go we on. have these too. I don't know what these are, but you go first. Okay. Um, so last time, I don't even know if we have it up, but last time it wasn't the best showing. A lot of people... Are you... Are you? Is it, wait, is this a practice shot? Yeah, three practice goes? No, one practice. One practice dart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One practice, okay. then three official. All right, here we go. Eddie Hearn. Okay. Oh, shit, that's not bad. Can we count that? 
It's up to okay. you. No, no, no. You well, don't, okay. no we that's don't a 20. That. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not, weak. That some people have been, done yeah. that, by yeah. the way. Okay. All right, here we go. We've had some epic battles. KSI, I beat him, of course. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. Five. No, all right, I thought it was a triple. 20 in line. Oh, is that a one? It's, that's brutal. Because I feel like forty-five would have really. Wait, was uh, that a one or? Oh. Yeah, twenty-six. No good. Twenty-six. <laughs> oh no, not. Is there again. anything on the line? Do you know what the worst thing about darts is? Like they were quite consistently bunched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you can just throw them anywhere and you'll beat twenty-six. I could beat that in one shot. Uh, is there anything on the line here? I was gonna, you know, we we could talk about the darts. The next one, maybe. I mean, Ali this is def definitely the gig for the city ground. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, fee to be discussed, but. Yeah. Gig for the city ground, maybe? Are we in front? Oh, you're in front of the camera there. Yeah, because I didn't Act want like to see you've been here before, yeah. Eddie. Uh, city ground and the rematch? Yeah. We could talk to Joe Markowski about yeah. that. Yeah, I'm pretty can, much disowned boxing at one. this point. I'm, I'm working the Diaz Paul card. I don't know if you know I this. I feel like you should shut your eyes. All right, here we go. Here. So what'd you get? 26. 26. Oh, that's 20. That's 20, right? You need six I, I, in two I, darts. Wanted, I wanted to beat you with the bullseye. Let's right? go for the real numbers, though. Like, Don't just go anywhere. Oh, it's all over already. Yeah, it is I all over. I'll see you. Oh, I can't City believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm chairman of the PDC. Oh, look at that. Oh, I and want 10 to... as well. Isn't so it? what is that? 10, 44. 30, 44. I'm sorry. I want to give you this because... So uh, embarrassing. Commiserations, as they say. So embarrassing. Commiserations. So I'll see you when? September? When should I block it off? Uh, yeah, end of September, we'll let you know. And then it uh, looks like the rematch October, November. So two trips to the UK. And you're coming to London next week, aren't you? I uh, am, yeah. Oh, so are you going? Up. I'm not going. But okay. We'll catch You're up. You're trying to like leave in the middle. I'm Do I go sign. back now? Or? Well, I'm just signing off. You're in the middle of my camera right over here. For fuck's sake, Eddie. Uh, there he is, Eddie Hearn. Uh, tickets still available? Limited. A couple of hundred left. Hulu. Previously, the Hulu. Yes, the theater. See you at the theater on Saturday night. Jason Quigley, who, by the way, Quigley. came up to me when I was at the Three Arena. He's a big MMA fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Good really fire. nice guy. Yeah. Pride of Ireland, going up against the Pride of Puerto Rico. Uh, one Edgar Berlanga. He is Eddie Hearn. This is my conversation with Max Holloway from last week, which was absolutely amazing. Not because of me, because of him. Watch that back for more to answer questions, bets. The rest of the show. We'll be back in a second. I said this uh, last week. I've been interviewing Max Holloway since 2012, since his debut, and that was by far, not 2012, yes, 2012. Um, sometimes these days I'm getting so old that I notice that I mean to say 2003 and I say 2013, for example, but in this case, it's 2012. That was by far the best interview with Max Holloway that we've uh, that we've ever done because we were able to talk about his life, his upbringing, and not the fight stuff. So tremendous stuff. And as always, really enjoyed the conversation with uh, Eddie Hearn. We touched on a lot, a lot of stuff, and uh, always a very interesting world to uh, reside in and to cover and to follow. I enjoyed very much, and uh, I always enjoy peppering him and Asking him all all kinds of things on all kinds of topics. It's uh, it's always a very interesting uh, conversation. I enjoyed that one, and uh, I just found out from GC that the last time he was here, he got a twenty three. This time a twenty six. So I mean, he's improving. He's getting better. But uh, once again, we prevail, and we're now two and zero against the uh, the heir apparent to the darts empire. One Eddie Hearn now. Uh, I just got this tweet here from Vada Testing that is saying that Nathan Diaz and Jake Paul are going to enter their program as they prepare for the August 5th bout. Um, here's Victor Conti 
Go Jake Paul and Nathan Diaz for participating in full VADA testing for your upcoming fight August 5th. Thanks for your transparency and not hiding in the shadows like some high-profile boxing promoters require of their boxers. I think that was a shot at uh, Eddie Hearn because they've been going back and forth as well. So much drama in the world of boxing, but I guess that's why we love it. Um, Thank you very much, Eddie, for stopping by. Let me finish the questions. There's three left. Then we'll get to the picks. And uh, then we'll call it a day. Another fun day here on the program. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Uh, Here's Mark, who says, Dearest Ariel and the boys, what's the latest with the James Krause and gambling accusations story? Uh, You were saying it could be one of the biggest stories of the year, and we're halfway through the year and haven't heard a thing. Yeah, haven't heard a thing. That is true. Remember we spoke to Jeff Molina. He said that he thought it was going to be wrapped up soon. Hasn't happened. Um, I know GC's, you know, he's he's got his finger on that pulse. Any any talks of this story anymore? It, it really has sort of fizzled out, hasn't it? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I, Crazy, I was right? Thinking about it the other day, and I was looking up uh, stuff on James Cross, and there hasn't been anything. I wonder what he's doing. Like, I wonder what he's up to. Yeah, because he's disappeared, right? Yeah, nothing from him. Is his Instagram and Twitter still gone? Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't posted anything. Crazy, because he was really building up that Instagram with the oh, yeah. videos and everything. Yeah, the Discord. Yeah, I wonder Twitter where he is. No, I, I haven't heard anything. I haven't even heard any rumblings, any rumors, any whispers, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's laying low for a reason. Then, obviously, you know, fighters like Derek Menner and Jeff Molina. Yeah, well, Menner for sure. Like, Molina, I feel like, is is missing out on some, you know, some valuable time here to fight. 100%. I don't know. I feel like it's just a waiting game until we find out more. All right. Here's uh, Stefan or Steven. Shalom, Ariel. First time, long time. Kayla Harrison's contract expires later this year. Will PFL really risk letting one of their biggest attractions walk away? Will she fight on the finals card? Any news insight on her situation? I think they're keeping her for the pay-per-view card that they're doing at some point. Uh, But I spoke to her recently, and I, I think she's getting a little frustrated. She would like to fight, but it doesn't look like she's going to be in the tournament, which means she can't be on any of these cards coming up. I'm sure they could just do a special attraction fight like they did with Clarissa Shields back in the day and others. But right now there's nothing really that I'm hearing. And that kind of sucks because the last impression of her was, uh, you know, the, 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 the loss to Larissa Pacheco. And that was in November. That was seven months ago. So I would like to see her back. But uh, right now I don't hear of uh, any fights in the work in the works. And uh, Chris Cyborg resigned with the uh, Bellator, and it looks like they're going to do Cyborg versus Zingano. What's a bigger fight, Cyborg Pacheco or Cyborg Kayla Harrison? Um, I don't know. Sounds like someone wants to weigh in there because I just heard the volume go up. Cyborg Kayla Harrison for sure. Yeah, okay. No doubt. Uh, but Pacheco's looking good though, right? Yeah, she just got like a 43-second knockout yeah. last Friday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's unbelievable, but from a name value standpoint, a hype standpoint, yeah. Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg. Uh, rumor beef there, too. Yeah, of course, and it's been going on for well over a year. Uh, rumor has it that your pal Brian Campbell is unavailable to cover the Spence Crawford fight week. Any chance we get a reunion with your old friend Luke Thomas? It wouldn't be the MMA beat brouhaha we'd all hope for. But I think I speak for all of us in saying I'd love to see this. Uh, no no talks of that at the moment. Uh, there was some talk of maybe doing stuff at 
Crawford Spence, but nothing just yet. So stay tuned. I didn't know that about Brian. So uh, I really enjoy working with Brian one-on-one. I've never done one-on-one with Luke. At least I, I mean, obviously there may be, but I just mean in this era. Uh, would have no issues with it, but it has not been brought to my attention. Uh, finally, our good friend uh, Angela Higgins writes, uh, hi, Ariel and team. She is the pride of Scotland, by the way. She uh, she just visited the studio, was it last week? I think it was last Monday. Yeah, it was last Monday, not this past Monday, uh, last week. And it was great to have her here. Longtime supporter and fan of the program and of mine. Hope you're all well. Thanks for your hospitality last week. It was wonderful to meet you all. And it was great to meet you as well. I've uh, I have a bit of a life question, if I may. Okay, this is fun. On Monday, the 26th of June, I have an interview for a managerial position that will be a bit of a life-changing, be a bit life-changing personally and financially for me. I know my stuff in relation to the job, but my confidence when being interviewed is not great. Any advice for someone who has more of the quiet confidence of a Leon rather than the supreme self-belief of an Izzy? Thanks a lot and wish me luck. Well, I do wish you luck, and I think you're going to smash it. And even if you do have the quiet confidence of a Leon as opposed to the as you put it, supreme self-belief of an Izzy, that's okay, because the key word there is confidence. So if you walk into that room with your shoulders back, chest out, mm, feeling good about yourself, then you'll be okay. It's the people who walk in, looking down, unsure of themselves, unsure of their qualifications, whether or not they really belong, whether or not they really matter, you know, soft handshake, those are the ones that give off the impression that they don't belong. But, you know, there's an old saying, fake it till you make it. I don't think that you're faking it, but you got to go in there and, and, and act like you own the joint. Because guess what? What's the worst that happens? You don't get it. Well, you've got another opportunity and, and, and maybe it wasn't meant to be. So I say you go in there feeling your best, get a good night's sleep, eat good food the day before, be prepared, do your research on the company, on the person that you're speaking to. People love that, by the way. If you drop a little nugget on uh, the person that you're speaking to, oh yeah, I saw that in 2014, you did X, Y, and Z. People love that, um, that you you went the extra mile. Uh, you'll do fine. You just walk in there strong, confident, sure of yourself, and you'll smash it. Why wouldn't they want to hire you? If, if, if you walk in there with a self-deprecating attitude and you're kind of down and you're ho-hum and you're, you know, humble and all that, I'm not saying you go in there and you say like, I'm the shit, I'm the best, I'm the greatest of all time. But you could give off the impression that you belong, that they will be making a gigantic mistake if they don't hire you, that they will regret this until the end of time if they don't hire you. You can give off that vibe in a very classy and professional manner. You walk in there, oh, yeah, I've done a lot of research on your company. Let me tell you a thing or two. You be respectful. You be, uh, you know, you be complimentary, but also tell them how you can help. You'll, you'll be just fine. And also be passionate. Show that you want it. Don't act like you're too cool for school. Let them know that you want this. Let them know how much this means to you. Let them know how much you've been waiting for this, this chat, this opportunity. And uh, people love passion. You can't, you can't replicate that and you can't fake passion. Uh, it has uh, it has served me very well. If you truly want it, 
if you act like you want it, if you give off the impression that you want this, that you eat and sleep this, and it's all you care about, uh, people are attracted to that. So uh, give off those vibes, and uh, I'm sure you're going to do great, and I would like an update. And you know how to find me on uh, how this goes in uh, five days' time. Now, uh, appreciate all the questions. Thank you very much to Moderator Lewis for curating them for us. What about uh, Nottingham? I was thinking about that during our break. Nottingham in in, in, uh, September, the problem is I can't go all the way to Nottingham and not go to a a match. And if I'm there and there's, there's, there's no game, there's no home game, I have to stay another weekend. I, I can't go all the way there and not go to a match. That'd be crazy, right? Maybe we could do it on the road show. You guys think we could pull that off or what? We'd have to. I almost feel like we must, right? Absolutely. <sighs> yeah, that would be fun. That would be something. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, potential on the road shows to be had. Weirdly enough, it seems like all of them would be in boxing. What the hell is going on over here? Maybe we really are the combat hour. Anyway. Um, Look at the logo. It's already changed. It has? No. Oh, but it would be funny fuck. if we did. Well, last time you guys changed the... Uh, yeah, so I knew you would fall for this one. I, I 100% was going to fall for it. What about Eddie Hearn saying four rounds for uh, Jake Paul against uh, Nathan Diaz? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he's pretty confident in his Jake Paul pick. Pretty confident. He was giving me three to one odds. Yeah, Should I mean I the real it? odds are like no. Nah, I mean the real odds are like plus two seventy five, so oh. pretty close to the real thing. Do you think I should take in it? Uh, I don't know. No, it's. I mean, <laughs> you can't do that, right? Yeah, it's whatever you want to do. I feel uh, like that. It's a know. conflict of interest. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel okay. like you can't be betting on one no. side of this. No, of course. Um, oh well, speaking of betting, uh, so, all right, let's go to the parlay boys. Yeah. Hey guys, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How Hello. are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Thanks for asking. Good show so far. Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of that, too. What, what's the that? What are you referring to? You said a little bit of this, and I was saying, yeah, we also had a little bit of that. Uh, what do you guys think about the uh, Chris Avila, Jeremy Stevens announcement? Big time. Exciting. You like it? Beef up the card. You dig it, New York Rick. Yeah, I mean, Stevens and Aldo was, was one of the better like MMA fighter boxing matches we've seen, so I... I wouldn't mind seeing Stevens back in there, and, and Avila's proven himself pretty solid in the boxing ring. So, yeah, I like that. I wonder who's the favorite in that fight. Probably Jeremy Stevens. You think so? Even though he's only had one fight. I mean, maybe I could be wrong, but I feel like Jeremy Stevens will be a, a favorite in that one. Any big takeaways from Eddie Hearn? I know you love the Eddie Hearn interviews, New York, Rick. Anything uh, jump out? I mean, if they... If- if Saudi Arabia can pull off that December oh, card, geez, <laughs> that'd be something special. That would be something special. Holy shit. That would be nuts. He seemed not confident that all those pieces would come together, but if they can even get two out of three there, I think you're cooking with gas. Obviously, if you can get the top two, right? If you can get um, Fury, Usyk, and and uh, Wilder, Joshua, then you're, you're golden, but I wouldn't mind seeing Francis versus uh, Chisora on there. That's not bad. Let me ask you guys, uh, since we last spoke, let's presume Cejudo and Cheeto is a real thing. That fight, Max Holloway against uh, Korean Zombie uh, in uh, in Singapore, end of August. Corey Sanhagen against Umar Namagomedov and Cyril Ghan uh, going up against uh, Sergei Spivak. Which of those four GC do you like the best? Which of them made you pop? Of the four uh, fights that we got, the big um, fights. 
Umar versus Corey Sandhagen, like I can't wait. That's I think that one fight. might be the most entertaining. Uh, it's just a huge test for Umar. And, I mean, Corey Sandhagen is a dog, as we've seen time and time again. And he shows no fear going into this matchup. He's obviously going to be well prepared for it. And I think he knows what he's getting into going against Umar. I think that was going to be fantastic. And then after that, the Cheeto Cejudo. That one caught me off guard. That one I was like, oh, wow, this is this is a crazy matchup. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, was not expecting it. Uh, especially, you know, Cheeto obviously losing last time out and, and now getting Cejudo. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Mm. Uh, what about you, Mr. Nierkrik? Yeah, same. It's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely Corey and Umar and then a, a drop-off after that for me. Like the other ones I'm not as excited about. Yeah. Um, Corey and Umar is number one. Are you surprised that Corey is taking this fight? Nope. Nah. He has he has told you on many an occasion, I'll fight 10 guys, I'll fight down, I'll fight up, I'll fight this. I just want to prove I'm the best fighter in the world. I think when you beat Umar, um, you are proving something, and Corey's about that. So not surprising at all. He's yeah, And to be honest, I'm not surprised about Cheeto or, and Cejudo either. Like those, those two seem to have that mentality, so not surprised at all. Do we have the video of uh, Corey talking about why he's taking this fight? This is oh, a tremendous sure piece of content. Yeah. Can we play that, please? Yeah, we absolutely Yo, can. Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, I know you guys saw the announcement. Fighting August 5th against Umar Nurmagomedov. I'm getting a lot of haters saying, why would you fight this fight down in the rankings? He's going to beat my ass, blah, blah, blah. Two reasons. One, Umar's a great fighter, and I'm not trying to be world champ if I'm not the actual best in the entire world. So fighting Umar is a great challenge, and I accept it. And number two, because I'm a beast, bitch. That's why. Peace. I'll see you guys in Nashville. yippee ki hey, mother... Uh, what a guy. I love that shit. First of all, sweet stash. His whole sweet pullover, by the way, too. The pullover. The pullover is great. I'd like to throw Corey Sanhagen... Uh, into the uh, the head of uh, social media user of 2023. Very wow. underrated social media game. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I feel like he's a bit of a dark horse. He's, he's picked up his game big time He's this got year. some low-key bangers. Yes. He really does yeah. have some low-key bangers. Even that, the way it was cut. There. Like I feel like he sent that to someone and they like cut it. Like They zoomed in, they zoomed That's out. Fine. Yeah. That's I li- fine. I like to believe that he did that himself. That's possible. but Either, either way is fine, but yeah, he's picked up his IG game huge big time. Uh, this year. Big, Big time. time. The, uh, the Andrade the Suarez fight I am also very excited for. The change of opponent. Oh, yeah. Big time. I like that I one I was going to say, that was another one that was announced uh, yesterday. So that's August 5th. August 5th is going to be a very, very fun day. Yeah. With that and, of course, the uh, the Paul Diaz fight. Uh, Kaikar France against Manel Cape. Uh, that's for uh, Sydney in September. That's another fun one that we got this past week. So, yeah. Big time Super- stuff. Super fun one. I, that one. That one is going to be fireworks for sure. And getting a uh, Kaikara France fight in Australia is going to be awesome. Who won the John Jones Francis Ngannou exchange? Who won the face off? John you Jones, your... but did anyone? I mean, oh, I, I, yeah, I, th- I, I thought Francis. I, I thought Francis won. What? That's what a lot. Of... I mean, I, I don't think there's even. I don't think that's actually like a possible answer. I think the options are John Jones or nobody. Wow. How did Fra- How did Francis win it? I don't know. John I, Jones big dogged him all all over the place. You thought so? Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> I not once until you just mentioned this did I even consider a winner or a loser in that face off. I thought. I mean, isn't it amazing though that we could get like. That was the most boxing moment in the history of MMA. Like, you guys were 
literally fighting for the same promotion two months ago. And you never did this, and now you're doing this? Why are you teasing us like this? <laughs> like, you, you could have made this happen for years and years and years. Why now? Why are we getting all this now? Yeah. It's very annoying. It's just like the yeah, fans lost, because we're never going to get it. Uh, it was, yeah. was kind of weird seeing, I know he was there to, to corner green, but the bizarro world of uh, John Jones head-to-toe and PFL stuff. Very strange. I, I truly believe that John Jones like didn't intend to go into that confrontationally but once you standing in front of francis it's just they promoted it all over the place like they were yeah, promoting john jones being at the event like he was fighting pfl was pfl was pushing that john yeah. jones wasn't pushing that right maybe i missed it but it felt like they kind of started promoting it late in the game like it felt like once he walked through the doors they were like all right now we can promote well i mean if you promote it on thursday he's just not going to show up yeah you know so you have to wait for him to get into the building they did a good job yeah. they kept yeah, sure. it Really he led job. the dance the whole time. He was he was the yeah, one being the, the aggressor there. Wow, making, making Touch, sure he was touching him first, telling him I'm the king, forever the king. Francis like, he touched his belly. Just hit everything. I thought you took know, the hat off. I don't know. I thought yeah. uh, no. All right, nah, J- Johnny Johnny steamrolled him, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, shout out a, to steamrolled. It's not a fight. Steamrolls a bit much. Come on, steamrolls. Was there really even a winner? Like, come on. Uh, shout out to Jared Cannonier, big win for him. Shout out to Armin Tsurukin. We don't have to get into all of this because it happened on uh, Saturday. Uh, shout out to all the uh, shitty officiating and judging and all that once again. <laughs> it was just a, a cavalcade of mistakes. Um, people saying they're tapping, they're not tapping. People getting headbutted and then like 50 strikes after the headbutt when the guy's clear. It's like, what the fuck? It's so uncomfortable to watch that. There's, there's, is there anything worse than watching that? Like someone's head just bouncing off the mat when they're clear, when the whole world can see that they're out. Yeah, that was that was bad. Like I screamed at my TV. I was just like, "Oh, he's what out! Like, he world? is out!" Like, yeah, it was so clear. Like there was just nothing behind the eyes. He was he was gone once once he hit the mat, and it was like vicious elbows, man. And can I just say? Um, you know, I saw a lot of people with the Keith Peterson situation where, you know, it's tap, no tap. Why are you laughing? So, something separate. Oh, okay. I wasn't even on screen. You just brought attention to it. Oh, my bad. I don't know. I'm looking at you. Um, wh- okay, so if they go, if okay, if, if Peterson says that Fighter A has tapped, right, and it's very clear that they didn't, and then they go to the replay, and it's clear, you know, the evidence is there, it backs it up that there was no tap. Why can't they restart the fight? Now, before you say, no, the rules say you can't, I say, who gives a crap? Change the rule. Why can't you're there? You're there. Everyone's there. Everyone's sweaty. The whole. Why can't you say, all right, no different than um, when you have to like restart something when it's not a, a, a fight ending sequence? Let's say he's in his guard. Let's say it's a guillotine and he, he claims to you know have seen a tap. Put the guy back into the guillotine. Hold it. Say you only start when I'm ready, and then start. Why not? No, you As, can't put a guy back in a guillotine. It's going to be a different guillotine. Can't do that. No, fuck that. How long was it too? By what, from, what would be the? From, let me ask you something. What would be the point of that? Uh, well, first put of all, put the guy back in the guillotine to, to, to declare, get choked out. No, no like, to declare a winner. But that's not to decla- like. You're putting a guy in a finished submission. He was he was in a locked submission. You're putting a guy in a locked submission just to see him go to sleep. Like that doesn't not to see him go to sleep. He anything can, he can me. fight out. What are you? Everyone who's in a guillotine taps or goes to sleep. It he was can, a locked submission. He was about to submit. Like he wasn't. He didn't. I don't tap. think that that's the that's. What do you mean? 
Yeah, but that doesn't mean he wasn't about to tap. That doesn't mean he wasn't okay, going so let, to go so to sleep. Okay, so let's wait and see if so he let's actually see that. taps. Let's, yes. let's Okay. I, I don't, well, first I don't of all, see the point in that. Both guys lose out on a potential win bonus, A. Both of them lose out on a potential W, B. We're right there. But that's, that, 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 you're, you're proposing something that is separate. If you're saying get rid of show and win, that's a separate conversation from put a guy into a locked guillotine again to prove that he was going to tap out no, or go to sleep. Or like, yeah, it just he, doesn't. He, he, he you're saying, out of it. You're saying that it was out. like so clear that it was, was that the fight was about to be over and like it was just it was we were milliseconds away from seeing it tap. And then in that case, why even overturn it to a no contest? Because it was stopped before a tap. He didn't go to sleep and he didn't tap. And how do we know he was going to? Yeah. It looked like he was about to. I'm uh, again. It doesn't really matter to me how many degrees we are away from how close he was to tapping. Putting a guy back into a locked guillotine as the solution for like we didn't quite see what was going to really happen, so let's redo it. Doesn't really. Well, no, he fucked up. It doesn't happen all the time. And by the way, even if if Keith or the rule is like, all right, I fucked up. The fight restarts, but it's standing. No different than a referee screwing up. And saying that two guys need to like break up or stand up when they probably should. We've seen this a thousand times. Why can't we try to? Isn't, I'd be, isn't, I'd be more amenable to the idea of starting on equal footing with a penalty for sure. the fighter who is in the weaker position, something to that effect. But I just don't love the idea of like, isn't, yeah, isn't, let me shove you in the guillotine <laughs> again. The, that doesn't. Then the fighter that didn't tap loses a point. Because of the ref's mistake. No, I'm not saying they should lose a point. I don't believe in that. But by the way, this could be negotiable. My point yeah. is, why does it have to be, oh, the fight was stopped, we're done? Like, come on. It's not really a clean solution. Yeah, why don't we try to get this right? I think that's the biggest thing. There is no real clean solution. How many minutes was it from the time that he tapped to the time that they or Listen, didn't this tap? Happens. That that they ended up calling it a no contest. Like now, these fighters, one thought that he got a finished win. The other is like making all these arguments. There's, where are they at emotionally? The, where are they at? at the adrenaline dumps and everything. It's it's here, very here's, complicated. Here's the problem with the scenario you've laid out. If the fighter who had the locked in guillotine doesn't finish that submission they're gonna say oh my muscles were relaxed i got burnt out the other guy comes back and wins i was gonna finish that and now you've allowed him to win instead of for See, me I, to have I, that advantage I think because both guys didn't get their win bonus both of them would Again, say but this is tied to the bone this is tied to the to the pay structure this is not tied to yeah, what should be done from the a regulatory standpoint changes, then this sucks. Now I know I know the easy out is for the commission to be like, oh, we should not care about that. We can, and I get that. But part of the reason why it is so detrimental is because of the the system. So ultimately, what I'm getting at is, I feel like we talk about this scenario with every scenario, and ultimate like when it comes to scoring, officiating, judging, these types of things, replay, and ultimately where we net out is, well, you know, because of this and that, I mean, nothing, and nothing changes. Literally, nothing ever changes. Nothing changes. Nothing gets better. Yeah, that I can agree with. Nothing Something evolves. needs to be done. Nothing evolves, yeah. ever. It's like, oh, because of this, we can't do this. And because of that, we can't do that. And it's like, fucking the, hell. The idea that they got it right, like, okay, well, they reviewed it, and they got it right, isn't satisfactory to me. That's a, that's a half step, right? There, yes, that's good that, it, that one person who um, would have had a loss on their record doesn't have a loss on their record, but how do we solve this issue and how do we correct this is step two. That's a half. That's we're halfway there, but that's not a satisfactory completion 
for me. Like, yeah, he doesn't have that loss, but the other guy doesn't have a win either, and there's no resolution to the fight. There needs to be something there. It just feels archaic. Um, You're using the replay, but ultimately the replay is just being used to overturn the decision. No, why don't we use the replay to get it right? It's like, let's just, I know, I know this isn't baseball, but if a, if, 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 a, if, a, if a guy hits a ball and the ump calls it a home run and then replay shows that it wasn't a home run, they don't just like say the dude's out, he goes back and it's a foul ball. And he gets to make it right. Yeah, I mean that's the, true, but these are also just very different circumstances with it being completely a fist different. Fight. I get it, I get it, but again, I think they did, they at least got it right by calling it a no contest rather than giving a loss to to Ronnie. Lawrence. Sure. Anyway, uh, let's make some picks for this weekend, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, where do we stand? Let's, We're back. Let's put right? ourselves a winning streak. Yeah, yeah let's after, go. after last let's week. Go. Uh, nice easy dub. Uh, looks like we're you know we're approaching getting back to the green here. It's uh, it's feeling we'll be good. Back. I, I mean, I, th- I think we can get a dub this Light weekend. Light work. Yes, sir. That's you said right, it, not Frankie. Me, Frankie. That's right, Frankie. All right, let's randomize this order. Ariel first, Frank second, Eric third, and nice. I will go fourth. Wait a second. Wait a second. What is going on here? I just got... Uh, we're doing our picks. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh... Is this a breaking news music what situation? Happened? What do we what, got here? We're asking you what happened. So, well, so, I, I'm sorry, but someone just texted me, wow, Porzingis. Is Porzingis... Oh, Porzingis to the Celtics. Uh, yes. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is what they text me? Fucking hell. <laughs> I thought he was coming back to the Knicks. Nope. No, no, Celtics. He's the Celtics. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Celtics though. are working on a trade to acquire Wizards. Chris has Porzingis, a three-team deal. Oh, I thought he was coming back to the Knicks. That would have been pretty cool. Oh, Porzingis in the Celtics green? Yeah, it's not, that's, not, that's not it, right? No, that ain't it. Okay, sorry. I'm, I apologize. I should have just looked it up right away, but I just got very excited. Uh, all right, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, what do you got, man? You're up You're first. first. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's going to take Chris Stapp's Porzingis. I'm so upset. I was so excited. Uh, all right, here we go. All right, there's a bunch of options. Uh, by the way, is yep, PFL fights. is PFL? Yeah, sure. If you want to go to PFL, we can do PFL. Wait, you said fourteen fights. That doesn't include PFL. Well, Clearly, I thought you were talking UFC, but yeah, you you are free to go with PFL. See, we made the mistake with Brendan Lockmain. Is uh, Olivia Ovemercier going to suffer the same fate? I don't know. It's a lot of fights. Know. I don't know, and he's he's right around that same number too. Yeah, he's so. right around that same number for. You know, a lot of these uh, UFC fights are very close. Yes, they're much closer than the last five fights on the PFL card. That is it's, for sure. It's a whole bunch of minus 180s, minus 150s. Um, ultimately, I'm going to ride with... You know, I, I'm going to right the wrong of two weeks ago. And I'm going to go with the Canadian Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Big fight for him. Um, Boom. Yeah, I'm going to go with him. Make minus that. 700. Yes, sir. Is it minus 700? That's what I'm looking at right here. Oh, okay. I'm seeing minus 550, but cool. Uh, you know, Even better. I'm on DraftKings Sportsbook. Even better. <laughs> yeah. is, that is not how this works. Yes. Even worse. Yes. You should be confident yes. no matter what. Just because a line <laughs> is different should not make you feel any more confident. Uh, here we go. All right, Frankie, that leads us to you. Speaking of confidence, when you're on a long journey, sometimes you got to stop and just... Refill the gas tank, and we're going to go with Tetsu Tyra Moneyline. What? 
Is that a real person? <laughs> what was that metaphor? No, but, oh, yeah, wow. what, what the disrespect the, for Tatsuro Taira there. Oh, the I, I, no, I, 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 I didn't understand what he said. I didn't understand. Uh, it sounded like uh, one long name. Uh, yeah, what was the metaphor? Uh, Tetsuro Tyra. Uh, huh? I really had to work for that one. Tyra? I think he's, I think he's playing a, a play on words of Tyra. No, no, no. This wasn't a pun. I was just saying oh. that because I have used this guy before. I want to use him again. I'm putting gas back in the tank. Oh, because you used wow. him like, okay. what, eight months ago for yeah. one parlay? We're supposed to all yeah. remember that? Oh, are we Oof. supposed to shit on each other's picks here? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> That's what I like the pick. I was back. just confused at what was happening there. All right, you're fine. I'm just, wow. Taking on Kletzen Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Minus 245. That brings us to you, Rick. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh... Mariel talked about writing wrongs. I think in this fight, Shane Burgos is going to write the wrongs of his PFL oh, debut. Oh, oh, wow. 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 A lot of PFL action. Shane Burgos minus... <laughs> up against the line there. Minus 900. <laughs> we Ooh. are. We're at minus money heading in to my pick. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, let me see if I can get us to a plus money here. I can. I will head to the alternate total rounds. UFC Jacksonville. Austin Lane. Oh, yeah. Great train lane playing in Jacksonville where he played his NFL days for the Jaguars. Taking on Justin Toffa. I will go with the under two and a half. 14 of Lane's 15 fights have gone under the two and a half. That gets us to plus 112. Sharp stuff here, boys. I like that. Sharp (laughs) stuff. We're back, baby. We're back. back. Two in a row? I'm feeling it. For sure. I'm feeling it, too. You know what it was? I think it was the the call out, the pep talk from Juliana Pena, you know? That's that's what we needed. And she's still keeping tabs. She's sending me screen grabs and stuff. She told me the Twitter account. Wait, no, she told me the YouTube account didn't have it, but the Twitter account had it. I mean, she's she's all over the place. Who's the savior last week for the odds? It was uh, Frankie. Yes, Frankie, it, it's actually sure. it's actually Frank again. Frank, the only one taking one under a minus five hundred. Confidence. I love yeah, it. It was a, it was an easy winner last week for you with Alessandro Costa. Staying you in the flyweight great. division, you're taking my gig, man. Look at you. No unders though this time. No, I took an under. Oh, you, well, I mean in this. Oh yes, yes, yes. No flyweight under. Um, all right. Well, speaking of which. Yeah, let's dive in. Well, first, let's recap last week. We didn't get to do that on Monday. Oh, yeah. Uh, two and three on the singles, but we go two and oh on the parlays. And we continue one to this week. We have Ilya Tapori as the last leg uh, of one parlay after Vadim Nemkov and Armin Sarukian got it done. Dicey moment with Sarukian when he got rocked uh, in the temple, but he still picked up the win and got it by finish. Overall, nice little winning week, back-to-back winning weeks, you know, digging out of that hole of that of of Black Saturday as we as we call it in the Burks household the uh, minus eleven unit night digging our way out uh, so hopefully we can string together the three straight weeks let's dive in to UFC Jacksonville we start with the first fight of the night Cody Brundage taking on SD Dumas I will go with the under one and a half in this one uh, I mean just. I think these guys' fighting styles play into this. And then if you want to look at the numbers, Cody Brundage coming in on short notice. Five of his six UFC fights, if you want to include contender series, have gone under the one and a half, including four straight. And then SD Dumas, uh, if you're combining their fights, 14 of 20 have gone 
under the one and a half. Esti Dumas also fighting out of Pensacola just five hours away. The family, the friends, they're going to make the trip, so the crowd's going to be in his favor early on in the night. You know, those are the uh, the immeasurables that you have to include. We keep it rolling. Flyweight unders. Is this Jaguars colors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out, right? Fuck the Jags. Wow. Wow. Hate the Jags. Wow. Stupid. You hate football. the Hate you the hate Jag- the Jaguars. Hate the Jaguars. They beat the uh, the Bills in the playoffs. Oh, you just that can't let it go, huh? I can't let it go. I mean, y'all had no real title aspirations that year. No, man. We had my guy uh, Tyrod Taylor. He was yeah. going to take us to the top. Yep. And then the other dude, fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Man, I blocked his, uh, uh, Nathan Peterman. Remember he yeah. came in at the end? Go. He was yeah, five interceptions in one, in one half, all, all timer. Uh, I feel like no one has really ever said that they hate the Jags and actually, actually, uh, I hate the Jags. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I feel like a lovable team to me either way. Shout out to Duval uh, and shout out to the Jags. I am not quitting flyweight unders just yet. Both of them this week, you can make the case for the under. Tyra, eight of his last 10 have not seen the third round. Clayton, four of his last six have not seen the third round. Wouldn't be surprised with a submission. Wouldn't be surprised with a knockout. I think both of these guys can get finishes here. We keep it rolling. It's peak week, baby. The pride of Picks, Alabama, returns to the octagon. Trevor Peak, Mr. Standing Hammer Fists himself. And Trevor Peak is fighting. I'm going to have to take the under. Uh, eight pro fights, all eight, ending under the two and a half. I know I am taking the one and a half. Six of his eight have ended in under the one and a half, eight professional fights, all eight wins, eight no, all wins coming by way of knockout. On the other side, Chepe Mariscal, five of his last seven have gone under the one and a half. Again, I think I think Peak's family is going to be in there, Chattanooga, Tennessee, not that far of a drive. Crowd's going to be coming for a show, and I think Trevor Peak is going to deliver. I said I'm on both the flyweight unders. Not heavy, but I got talked into them last night on No Bets Bard with uh, my great co-host Jed Mashu. The case here is not really in the numbers. Other than Josh Van, eight pro fights, never seen a third round in those eight pro fights. He's coming in on short notice. I always think he's making a pretty big step up in competition, taking on Zalgas. I know he's 1-5 in the UFC. And for that reason, 1-5 in the UFC, lost his last two by split decision. I think he needs to show out. He is somehow getting another chance at remaining in the UFC. I think he needs to show out. I think he knows he needs to get a finish. And taking on a guy that I think is a favorable matchup for him, I think he's going to be able to do it. At plus money, I threw a little half unit on it, not only to support Zalgas, but also to uh, to support the flyweight unders. We keep it rolling. I guess I'm just a big fan of violence this week. Hopefully it delivers for Duval because I'm also on the under in the Wellington Tournament and Randy Brown fight. Uh, I think this is a nice matchup for Randy Brown. I think it is favorable for him in the striking. I think he's going to be able to get a knockout. Wellington Tournament has been knocked out a couple times in the promotion. But if he isn't, been training with Glover to share. If Wellington Tournament is having success, I think he is live for a submission. I think both guys are live for a finish, and I think we uh, we get one here with the under two and a half. Next up, Neil Magny versus Phil Rowe. Kind of like looking in a mirror here. Both 6'3", both 80-inch reaches. feel like they never really fight dudes that are their same size fighting in welterweight. But to me, this just feels like just a classic Neil Magny matchup. He's just going to be able to grind on him, use the grappling, uh, have success in the striking, and just win a 15-minute decision. Just feel it in the gut. 
that this is going to be a classic uh, veteran Neil Magny performance, and he gets it done over Phil Rowe. Also, when you just look at the level of competition that Neil Magny has fought, I mean, he fights the best of the best. He's always down to get in the octagon with anyone. Phil Rowe, he has some impressive wins, um, but you know, this is a step up from the from the Jason Witts and the Orion Sosa's of the world. Uh, just a couple more here. The the Ian Machado Gary sweepstakes potentially? No. Wow, wow, I like that. I like that. Welterweight at one seventy. Um, <laughs> No, because he said he wanted to fight him. Oh, he said he wanted to fight Neil Magny. Yeah. Huh. But I know he got Jeff Neal, but maybe if... Yeah, I feel like win. no. I feel like no if he and Gary wins, you know. You we're, think we're moving on from Neil Magny. Oh, all right, fine. I mean, do you not think that? I mean, big win for Magny, you know. I feel like if Ian Gary goes out there and finishes Jeff Neal, we're, we're, we're moving on to bigger things. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm wrong. You said Maybe I'm wrong. wrong. Send all the hate his way. All the uh, the Neil Magny hive yes. uh, coming after me. All right, just a couple more here. A couple more unders, man. I, I really, I, I have a feeling this is going to be an exciting card. Brendan Allen, Bruno Silva, under two and a half. I think this one goes one of two ways. Uh, Brendan Allen gets the takedowns, comes in, submits. Bruno Silva gives him his seventh loss by submission. Or he stands and he hangs on the feet. He'll probably have some success until he isn't. Bruno Silva, 20 wins by knockout in his career, has never been knocked out, stood in a 15-minute war with Alex Pereira. I mean, he is he is durable when it comes to the feet, and he has massive knockout power. We just saw it, him finishing Brad Tavares, which is not an easy task. We've seen Brendan Allen finished a couple times in the octagon, most recently to Chris Curtis. If he gets chinned, I, I will not be surprised if he goes out. But I think there is a clear path to victory for him by taking it to the mat and going to Bruno Silva's weakness. And one of Brendan Allen's strength, 12 wins by submission, including his la- three of his last four. I think the advantages are there for both guys to get a finish, and I think we see one. And I like the under 2.5 at this price. We keep it rolling. I already mentioned it. It's my Parlay Pals pick. Going to be one of the most electric fights on the card. Austin Lane fighting out of Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. You said you hate the Jags. That means you must hate Austin Lane, an alumnus of the Jaguars. This is a big fight for him. But Friends, I, I don't think that's fair. I mean, just because you play for the Jags doesn't mean I hate you. You know, it's not your fault. I mean, you were just going on a tangent. I mean, I hate, hate them the for Jaguars. beating the Bills, but I mean, I don't hate everyone who's played for them. You know, Mr. Lawrence seems like a great guy. Great head of hair. Oh yeah, all right. Big okay. fan of their ownership as well. Yes, yes, the cons. So, nice. All right. Nice. It's like a crazy. You wiggled your way out of that one nicely. That was uh, that was smooth on you. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun matchup. It's it's your classic heavyweight fight that's on the main card, pretty much because it is a heavyweight fight. But Austin Lane, he is here for a good time, not a long time. Thirteen of his fifteen fights have finished under the one and a half. He has never seen the scorecards top us six of his nine. And the good news is eight combined UFC Dana White contender series fights between these two, and neither of them has ever attempted a single takedown. I think the game plan is going to be clear. They're going to come in here. They're going to swing. They're going to bang, and someone is going to fall. Austin Lane, big size advantage here, big size advantage, six inches height, six inches reach, uh, but I don't know if it's going to matter. Justin Toffum may just be too technical for him. Either way, I think someone's chin is going to get caught in this one. Co-main event. Amanda Hebus, I think this is all about the grappling for her. Macy Barber, 47% takedown defense last time out against Andrea Lee. We saw her got taken down five times. I'm not even sure she even won that fight in the last time out. Amanda Hebus looked absolutely fantastic, was able to do whatever she wanted to. The Viviana Rujo ended up getting the finish. I think she's got the advantages here in the striking. I think it's probably pretty close. Macy Barber, obviously, edging her with the power. But 
Menahibas, sneaky, 69% striking defense. Uh, think it's pretty even on the feet if Ahibas does not get caught. And then on the ground, I think Hibas is going to have the advantages. I think she gets her hand raised. The main event, I already mentioned it. I have Ilya Taporia finishing off this parlay. Hopefully he gets it done. Josh Emmett, he is a great fighter. 38, making big cuts to featherweight, getting a phenom in Taporia. I think it's going to be a really exciting fight on the feet. But I think uh, Taporia, the boxing, is going to get the better of Josh Emmett. And if he wants to, he can even mix in some takedowns. And then last but not least, a little prop parlay. All the over under one and a halfs I mentioned, I parlayed them up under two and a half. I feel confident in those uh, not seeing the scorecards. And that is UFC Jacksonville, Duval County. Can't yeah. wait. Vice Star Memorials Arena. Uh, Dana White said that it's their last sort of thank you to Jacksonville for opening the doors to them uh, in the early days of the pandemic, which I think is a really nice gesture. Yeah. You know, bringing a stack card like this, ABC card. Uh, oh, that's you, the best card about this. I mean, that's the best part about this card is that it starts at noon Eastern. You like that? I love it. There's nothing better to me than a day card. I like like a 4 p.m. prelim start. I don't mind a 7 to 10. I think I think for someone with kids, perhaps New York Rick can back this up. The twelve PMers are actually a little bit problematic. Do you agree? Yeah, there's activities and things. It's a little it's a little early. There's birthday parties, there's events, there's yep. soccer games, all kinds of stuff. Um but I, what I was getting at was um I was just wondering about the um Tachi Palace card. Are they gonna you I don't know if you guys remember he said he was gonna yeah, make good for Tachi Palace. Let's see. Still time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, it's about. so good. That's actually, when I was saying it, my favorite part about it was like, this This is this like predates you. That's how, yes. that's how wide-eyed you are. A little history for you, which is crazy that this is history because it feels like it was yesterday. When the UFC was trying to find a place to hold their events in the early, early days of the pandemic, they were trying to find a, uh, a Native American reservation because they didn't have to adhere to the rules of the government to hold these events. So there was rumors of one in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma. Um, I forget the name now. And then there's there's a venue called uh, Tachi Palace, the casino in Lemoore, California, which has hosted many of an event, uh, even WEC back in the day, King of the Cage. And the rumor was that they were going to essentially like rent out the Tachi Palace Casino and turn it into a UFC hotel because they weren't open for business. And that would have been where they held these events that they ended up holding um, at the Jacksonville uh, Arena, the Vistar Veteran More, and then eventually the Apex. But the original plan was Tachi Palace in California to the point where some group in California had to put out a statement. I mean, this was crazy. Like, they were running away from the government. It was wild times. Anyways, um, then Dana White did an interview and uh, essentially said that Disney told them to shut it down because this is, like, early April now. They were trying to do UFC... Was it 249? I think yeah, it was 249. Yeah, I'm yeah. they were trying right to now. do UFC 249 at this event, and this was Khabib Ferguson. And then Khabib left... It was craziness. I actually was doing um, when I spoke to these kids yesterday. They they asked me about like the pandemic and how you know was it tough to find things to talk about. I was like, oh no, we didn't have to find anything to talk about. We we had something to talk about. Like it never stopped because he was trying to go and and, and put the event somewhere else. And remember that's where Halvani was born about them. You know, finding an island and Putin getting involved. So anyway, 
in this interview, he said, uh, you know, we're going to repay Tachi Palace for allowing us to do this, even though it didn't come to fruition. I promise you, when everything gets back to normal, we're going to go to Tachi Palace and hold an event there. They've never held an event there, UFC. Um, and so I was just wondering, maybe things haven't gone back to normal yet, you know? I mean, we're still at the never apex. Too, we're still at the never apex. too late. That's right. We're still at the apex. Until that time comes, things haven't, you know, until they leave, things haven't truly uh, gone back to normal. Um, all right. I think we're good. Anything else? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think we're probably good. All right, cool. Uh, thank you very much, gents. Peace out. Uh, be well. And uh, we'll talk on Monday. Uh, and uh, we'll do it all over again. We'll uh, we'll be here on Monday. So have no fear, okay? Have no fear. Wait, we have a show on Monday? Yeah, sorry. You don't have Damn to come. It's, it's all good. Sometimes. Oh. I mean, that easy for you, huh? Well, sometimes the audio, you know, doesn't work even when you are here. So what's the difference, you know? What does that sound? I was trying to do a laugh, but like my voice is so um, tired and my throat is so dry that I can't even pull it off. In any it's event, prime. Uh, I actually finished my prime. Uh, what a time it is, Frank. Whoop, 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 whoop. Papers are falling. Can I can I tell you guys something? You know how I went on that whole rant about air condition last year? Yeah. How I hate it? You miss it now? Not only that, I I have caught myself maybe three or four times over the past month going to the thermostat and actually turning on the AC. And even Whoa. right now, I'm really hot to the point where like I would like some AC in my life. Does that mean I'm getting older? What does that mean? Absolutely. Is that a sign? A little bit. It's also just overly warm in that room. It is you really hear warm. hear Eddie Hearn's hand sticking to the desk the longer the interview went on. Is it bad? Yeah. Should we put it... Should we do a thing when people come in studio? Should we have the AC For on? the guest, yeah. yeah. Or a swamp cooler. You think so? Yeah. I don't know what it means, but uh, I, I mean, I, I've been on, on the record stating that I despise AC, and now all of a sudden I'm like fantasizing about it. It's a very weird thing. Anyway, we'll uh, address that hopefully on Monday. For now, thank you very much to Sergio Pettis, Chris Avila, John Gotti III, Marlon Chito Vera. Thank you, Eddie Hearn. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to all of them. Back on Monday, same time and place until the day. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 
789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash MMA. Dot com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 